This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What is that driving? It's the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast with Jack Encarnacio and J.P. Sorrow. The Lapsed Fan. We couldn't spend the rest of our lives in Japan, could we? No, even though it's definitely been fun and educational. Pain off the Pacific on the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast. It has to end, I think, because we came here to experience, essentially, Hulkamania, the Hasbro era, and the Galoob era in the rings of Japan when we were kids, none the wiser, right? <laughs> so true. Like, so much of this stuff had such an impact and uh, on the uh on um uh, on our or it's like this had hidden impact i should say on our wrestling fandom during that golden toy age and it was the leverage that hogan could get in japan that allowed him to power play in wwf right knowing so oh man it's absolutely incredible command you know probably as much money as he'd make working a whole half year for one night in the, in the WWF. And we sat there as Hulkamaniacs scratching our head when he won the belt back at WrestleMania 9 in April 1993, wondering what is this title rate exactly with the belt in 20-something seconds? Speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, how I was about fucking, this? This was, this was heaven for me. So you were ready. Keep in mind, keep in mind, because of my wrestling fandom, this was my first real Hogan title reign. Yes. All right, because because he only had that title. That Tuesday in Texas shit happened right at the beginning of my week to week. Wow. So I never had wow a real Hogan title run. This was it. You never had it, but somehow you still knew it was the highest form of professional wrestling. I knew it was the only thing that I needed That's as right. a fan. You knew it was what you needed to get back to, mm-hmm. and we were tricked as Hulkamaniacs into thinking it was back at WrestleMania 9. But all the while, in his back pocket, and as we've talked about, in fact, being in negotiation for the January 4th Tokyo Dome show, three months before that year's WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan knew that New Japan had the checkbook out, had domes booked, and needed to fill them. And 
who knew that in between winning the WWF Championship at WrestleMania 9 and losing it to Yokozuna, the King of the Ring, he hits Fukuoka Dome in Fukuoka, Japan, unveiling this building to professional wrestling for the first time, which had just opened earlier that year, and takes on the great Muta in what is just peak Hogan in Japan. I mean, it really is. It really is. Like, he fucking wrestles again. He fucking comes out and he puts on a wrestling show. Dare I say a wrestling clinic with drop toe holds and fucking, you know, half Nelsons and all this kind of shit. Uh, You know, and it's amazing. Again, I'll say it again. It's amazing that he has um, that, that he had that up his sleeve the whole time and and never really and never fucking did anything with it. In America, for the most part. It's amazing that we saw this side of Hogan in the Muda match. We saw this side of Hogan in the Tenryu match. We saw this side of Hogan in the Stan Hansen match, kicking off Pain Off the Pacific. And yet still throughout the 1990s and 80s, in fact, because he had done a lot of this in New Japan before coming to WWF, that Hulk Hogan was received as somebody who just couldn't work, you know? Yeah. And everybody who was saying that, as far as the insiders, also watched this shit. It's like, why was there never a finer gradient of like, actually, he can work, he just doesn't want to, which deserves respect in some ways, more than it does derision. But when it's about I feel like versus there's, Flair, then of course yeah. everybody's got to fall in one camp. I feel like everybody's got this, that that if you like Hulk, if you think Hulk Hogan is a good wrestler, you're not, you're just not smart. Right, because the, the wrestling that Hulk Hogan championed on MTV in 85 was so counter to the wrestling that you fell in love for the business to see, that gritty wrestling. It was and so much flash that you had to dislike him, even if when you I, scratched the surface, he was closer to an old school guy than a new school guy. And I just can't understand. I, I guess what I don't understand is how people can say, I mean, maybe it's frustration, you know, but how people don't just say, wow, you know, even – for a Hogan match, this was really good. Like even going that route for a Hogan match, this was really good. Everyone seems to to shit on him more when he. I mean, guess that's that's kind of the way. I guess when you're in that position of of people wanting to hate you, you know. And I know we were at that stage where people were kind of over Hogan. Yeah, very much. Um, and and I mean, look at Cena. It's right, like right. Everyone, John Cena is your is is really your ultimate example when it comes to that. Where here's a guy who everyone fucking shits on him because he can't, you know, they think he can't wrestle. And it's all the, as Jim Ross would say, the high impact wrestling and no real catch stuff. Then the guy starts pulling in reversals, working submissions and pulling out a moveset that rivals nobody. There's nobody in the world that has the, the, what you would consider a moveset like John Cena. John Cena has got so many trademark moves in his fucking repertoire that it's it's un, unbelievable. Well, he'd add things because it was like right. the, only, the only thing he could do to counter this like narrative that he was Kevin Nash and had four moves like that's a problem, you know, like that's such a such a weak take. And then so he goes out there and tries to do hurricane ranas and top rope guillotine leg drops and middle rope springboard stunners. And it, yeah, it's just, you know, most of it sucks, but he's only doing it because people are telling him that that's his shortcoming. And then you go and do those things and realize that that's the problem people have with you is the way your face looks. And it right. makes it well, pissed off. As, as we all know, that is the truth. But, you know, throughout the course of the lapsed fan, we, we have not um, stopped 
We have not um, failed to recognize when we developed a whole new appreciation for a wrestler or yep. a wrestler personality that we never had at the time this stuff was happening, but upon totally. review, who would have thought, boss, that among those people would have been Hulk Hogan himself here on Paying Off the Pacific? <laughs> never. Come on now. Not even, not even my wildest dreams would I... I mean, I'm I'm always excited about a Hogan match because it's 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 a warm, fuzzy place. Always, but watching these shows, the 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 normal, it's gone beyond what I would consider to be the normal. Looking forward to a Hogan match because I want to see what he's going to do next now, because yes. he has surprised me. Yes. And I've known that he does an up. I know I know that he upped his work rate. I've known that, but I just—it's a weird thing where once you see it, you can—it it takes on a different, different, different meaning. You know, like in a weird way, I'm like, oh, he's just goofing off by doing an insiguri, but the rest of it's a Hogan match. No. These are no he like, he, re- he, he fucking, has a whole different way of approaching a match. He, he understands does. when he goes in there. He understands I mean, how to work a match like it's a sport. You didn't think he he can, but he can flip that switch. I mean, he in the match against Fujinami on the January fourth ninety four Tokyo Dome show, he hits the um the one knee drop like you do on the amateur wrestling mats that drop. Wow. I mean, not to say that if he does this, it means he's the greatest worker of all time. Not at all. But it demonstrates that he is not a one-dimensional in-ring player. He just—he's better than that, and, and we've and we've established that here on Pain Off the Pacific. Here, here's something that I think is even a more incredible feat because I always think of—I um, always considered Hogan to be kind of in the Bret Hart type of uh, uh, ballpark in terms of being the hero, you know, being always playing the hero and being the good guy and whatever. Hogan, Hogan plays to his heel side here. Hogan doesn't. Show. Yeah, Hogan's in there. You know when he when he kind ass. of when he realizes, but mm-hmm. it's like you know he plays up a Hogan thing, but about midway, yeah, it's pretty obvious that the crowd is is pretty much one sided Muda. Very much so. And Hogan doesn't shy away from that and mm-hmm. try to to like make convince them to cheer him. Instead, he goes heel. Yeah, and it's really incredible because you know we're talking. Three years before the the NWO heel turn, and here he is doing some shtick that very reminiscent of that. Well, not only is the shtick reminiscent of that, he shows up at the fucking airport in in the huh, same in black, the black clothing. Yeah, would, yeah. How about that shit in '93? Well, he's not going to wear red and yellow on the airplane. Come on, man. I mean, I'm not even I'm not even that stupid. I'm not that well, much of a more. He could wear Zubaz and like a, a muscle like a shirt. He could, he could do that, or a WBF shirt or something like that. He didn't have yeah. to dress exactly like what would come to be Hollywood Hulk. That's true, he was yeah, wearing the black and white. Because uh, that is a special treat for you coming up in the deep dive. The version of this show we were able to get our hands on, and again, thanks to sure. our incredibly resourceful solar system for making access to footage so easy throughout the course of this paint off the Pacific journey. Um, we get a lot of what we would call interstitials on this version of the show. Stuff with these guys arriving for the Fukuoka Dome show at the airport, they're at restaurants and functions before and after the show, doing press yep. conferences and just hanging out. We get them working out in the open, um, you know, sort of empty arena dome beforehand. It's, it's a magnificent little, um, uh, you know, garnish to this thing, this extra footage. 
and uh, and I'll tell you, I'll I'll, I'll call him out. Uh, James Reese is the guy who did it. He was one of the people who supplied us with the um, uh, WCW Japan Super Show two, and uh, I, he hooked us up again with with this fucking show. Just nuts. Incredible. And also one final contribution this week uh, from our friend James Scott, who contributed uh, Japanese translation for the shows that we've watched as part of Pain Off the Pacific that have been commentated in Japanese. So some little highlights to come that uh, the English speaker might not necessarily be able to appreciate yep. on the Wrestling Dontaku broadcast. Now, Wrestling Dontaku is as much an annual tradition. As... Uh, I'll take two of those. <laughs> yeah. So it does come with egg roll. With does... two, you get egg roll. I'll uh, dose tacos. Yeah, right. Please. If you want to go a different way. Wrestling. Dos tacos, that sounds like a luchador. <laughs> oh, it's dos caras, sorry. There, yeah. Um, so, yeah, as much a tradition in New Japan as the January 4th Tokyo Dome show came to be, starting here in 1993, as I mentioned upon the opening of the brand new Fukuoka Dome, um, hours and hours from Tokyo is Fukuoka. So definitely, um, definitely a show with a little more risk to it compared to the wrestling hotbed that is Tokyo and running Tokyo Dome every year. Yeah. Um, New Japan really spreading its wings here in 1993 and seeing how far this red-hot product that they have on their hands under the uh, shrewd booking of one Ricky Choshu can do here. So they had to turn up the gas and getting Hulk Hogan into the ring against uh, the then IWGP heavyweight champion Greg Muda was the recipe with Anoki in a tag team match in the main I mean, event as well. I mean, this is... This felt like a massive epic show oh the the pageantry what, is the, there what what they did with this is what this i mean this honestly honest to god and this is without crazy editing effects crazy visuals and led lights this felt more like wrestlemania than some modern day wrestlemanias absolutely yeah it's I like mean, the modern day wrestlemania is like it try to patch up the lack of real epic feeling with just overly done graphics and CGI because right. they just can't create the majesty of the way this set looked, the camera angles. I mean, Jesus Christ, that fucking shot from the ceiling when oh. they're walking the length of that massive ramp and they're casting a shadow that's the length of yep. the entire Fukuoka yep. Dome. I feel like I'm watching a fucking... It's like I'm watching the third man or something with these gigantic yeah. shadows like fucking Christ. I mean, it's it's just like the Olympics opening ceremony. Yes. Is, is what it oh, is. Absolutely. Let's be honest here. It it just was it was nothing short of of exciting, exhilarating. Yes, and it has to do. It's they they just had all the right pieces together. Fucking the these, I know it's hard to do on a live show because I, I I presume this show was very was taped was a uh, was uh, uh, shown afterwards and it was edited. Yes, I can't I, imagine. I don't think like no that. no. In fact, I can say for sure. Actually, I can say for sure too, based on. The visuals of it all. I, I know for sure that it was not yes. done live. But um, I'll tell you what. More press conferences during wrestling shows, please. Absolutely. More I, arrival, arrival at the airport shots. Yep. More post-match press conferences. People giving their immediate thoughts while huffing and puffing, which is a staple of New Japan, of course. The post. I don't know a damn thing what some of these guys said, but, but I wanted more of it. The feeling right. was there. That's I'm right. sitting here. You that's get right. guys, and of course, here's the problem too. I mean, this th there's a huge difference, obviously, in culture where you get one culture that celebrates the the wrestling business as as a uh, uh, an incredible thing, um, 
And then you've got America, which, as we all know, thinks of it as the biggest punchline in sports and entertainment. Absolutely. You know, and so how can you, in right. a weird way, you, you, there's no way it could happen like that. But my well, God, it would necessarily it be a little more hokey on an American wrestling show. That, that's yes. a granted. But it's still so worth doing. It's not even worth making that point, I think. I mean, because it's so, it's such an enhancement to do the things that they do so swimmingly here. And, you know, it's really the first look at some of those extra features that we were able to get on Paint Off the Pacific because SWS didn't really do that. And if they did do it, right. it wasn't apparent on the versions that we saw, which I think were just taped off Wow Wow, the television channel that used to air SWS. So to hell with that. Uh, the Wrestling Summit was kind of like a, a three-headed effort, so there really wasn't like a guiding production hand on that show. And uh, the WCW Super Shows were watching the U.S. pay-per-view versions of these right. things, not the way they aired in Japan at the time, which may have had a lot of the trappings that we're appreciating here on the Wrestling Dontaku show. But uh, it's really great to close off this journey with a true flavor of a, oh. a native, organic Japanese wrestling show that really featured, in a lot of ways, kind of like the, the quintessential Hogan in Japan shit, all the way down to him getting the win over the IWGP yep. champion yeah, and never right? coming close to returning the favor, brother. Unbelievable. And not only that, but then calling him a joke afterwards. Oh, dude. We like, finally get to talk about this. Him. I know. We've talked about it a lot. I'm pretty sure it's on the WrestleMania 9 show. I'm sure it's And King of the Ring 93, I think, as well. It has to be. I mean, this is where Hulk Hogan, after defeating Great Muda, does one of those aforementioned press conferences, addresses the Japanese media with the Winged Eagle WWF Championship right there resting on the dais next to him and basically calls it, in fact, literally calls it a Christmas ornament on a Christmas tree. Five-time WWE champion. And this belt right here is a trinket, dude. It's nothing more than a Christmas ornament on a tree. I want the IWGP belt, brother. That's the real money, dude. That's leverage. Jimmy, what what else, brother? What else do you want to do? <laughs> well, what Terry, else? I'll tell you, brother. Brother, it's a blah, 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 well, blah. Well, I'll tell you what. The WWE, wait. The WWE's a fucking joke, dude. That's what Vince McMahon does not know how to promote wrestling. Right, brother? That's what we're going to say, Brutus, dude. Yeah, all right. So, d- doesn't know how to promote wrestling, dude. And fucking Ricky Choshu, brother. It's Ricky Choshu, right? That's the name, dude. Is that his name? Yeah. Ricky Choshu, dude. Really? That's his fucking idiot brother. Anyway, dude, fucking Ricky Choshu, dude. He's the fucking man. And, 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 and Muda, what a, it's Muda, right? Did I wrestle Muda tonight, dude? Hold on, brother. Did I wrestle? Jim, Jimmy, dude, stop. Please stop giving Brutus the fucking, Hold on. stop giving him. I'm trying to learn all I can about how wrestling works in Japan on this trip. Brother, I'm just having the time dude. of my life. I'll tell you. Wait, I'm asking you, Masa Saino every 15 minutes how, how things work around here. Is that Oli, brother? No, it's not me, Terry. Shut the fuck up. Get back to your business. Dude, Muda's a fucking joke. Let me tell you that. You know, you guys celebrate Muda like this big fucking guy. He's a fucking loser, man. All right? The real fucking gun is Antonio Noki, dude. You should just fucking strip Muda of the title, brother, for being a joke, dude, and give it to give it to Noki so I can go out and beat a Noki, brother, so I can prove that Ichiban, Hogan-san, number one champion, brother. Stop the boss when he's lying about the general thrust of the message that Hulk Hogan delivered after beating great Muda here. <laughs> Stop him when he's lying. That's what he's saying. I mean, that's the big payday is the Inoki match, of course. That's exactly it. They've been teasing it for years. Oh, my God. It's so, did it ever happen? Well, it happened in 83 when he won the first IWGP <laughs> tournament. Never again, though, right. because you could never work out a finish, ever. Oh, of course not, because how can you have a finish when two guys who need to win every single time? 
Absolutely. And you know, you that's know? the thing. Not only are you going to pay Hulk Hogan more than anybody else on the card to bring him into Japan, not only are you going to do that, but you're going to put him over all of your most important hey. stars, from Muda uh, to Ashimoto to uh, coming up, Tatsumi Fujinami, um, over on the SWS side, uh, you know, Yatsu and fucking... Um, you know, Hanson in ninety and who then, is in, so who is in charge of the show? Like who's the who's the boss of of this? Do you mean like write down who the booker was? Not necessarily the booker, it's who who's 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 hiring people? Uh uh Ricky Choshu. Ricky Choshu's and, hiring people? Yeah, with Masa Saido as the uh, liaison to the American offices. Oh. Uh hey, Masa dude, listen, brother, first of all, uh, you know dude, what I wanna do, brother, I, I just really wanna thank you, dude. You know? You know, not a lot of people can understand that the the you know, the kind of uh, mystique and 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 majestic nature that a Hulk Hogan can bring to a wrestling show, dude. And all I want to say, brother, is thank you, dude, for understanding that, brother. I I cannot tell you how much it means to I me, brother. I cannot tell a lie. I cannot tell a lie, dude. I cannot tell a lie, brother. I, I got to tell you, dude, I am so happy to be here, brother. You guys are are understand it dude you understand hulkamania brother vince mcmahon you know i'll tell you you know vince mcmahon brother he's he's kind of gone off a little bit of the deep end dude you know when it comes to hulkamania brother you know he 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 didn't think i was worthy of the title dude and not only do you guys think i'm worthy of the title brother but i was able to convince vince of the title dude i did you know what they say brother i was able to convince dude yeah you see that brother now i'm I, I, again i can't thank you enough to get here but you know i just you know, I just want to talk a little bit of turkey with your brother, if you don't mind, dude. Here and here we go. Yeah, you know, I just wondering. I, I just wanted to make sure. You know, I, I don't. I don't like talk business, brother. In this kind of situation, dude, I don't really like to to dig in, brother. But I was just wondering. I know Anoki's on the show, dude. <laughs> I, and listen, I'm just going to cut straight to it, brother. Right? I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Any I'm chance gonna, we might be able to? Uh... <laughs> I'm not going to beat around the bush, dude. But first, I, I, you know, two things, dude. Number one, um, how much Noki making, brother, on the show? Do you, you know, is that kind of information you can? Right, just something. Yeah, just, can, just curious. I just, you know, right, right. I'm not, right. Listen, dude. I, I, I'm, I'm simply comparing what I'm trying to do, brother, is compare main events in Japan, dude, versus main events in, in, in. Um, you do, you're in, doing in market America. research, essentially. I'm just doing I'm doing yeah, market yeah. research, brother, so I can come back with a legit number, dude, because you know, I'm supposed to be going off to SummerSlam to 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 face Bret Hart, you know, dude, and and I, I just want to make sure that 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 I'm taking care of myself, brother. So I'm just curious, you know, being in the last match, you'd be in the main event. What's what some... hundred and f- hold on, Terry. Let, let me look it up here. Yeah, dude. Let me look up what is okay, hundred and eight thousand. And um and okay, okay. How much am I making, dude? How much am I making, brother? Um, hundred thousand. Yeah, I'm. T- See, I, I t- I'll tell you what, brother. I, I think that it would show the American wrestling community, brother, how much clout Hulk Hogan has if I could be paid one hundred eight thousand dollars and one dollar, brother. <laughs> so you- so right, wait a minute. 
no one's ever going to know this figure. How is that going to give you greater wrestling clout? Well, brother, well, you know, dude, the thing is, I can... You're going to go out there and disclose the figure publicly? No, I'm not going to... No, I will then never... how's anybody going to know, this. and how's it going to help brother, your... I'm going to tell you, dude, I, well, because, you know, I, the, the thing is, brother, and this is, this is the way Hulk Hogan works, dude, you know right now. Actually, Jimmy Hart's got the paperwork right here, dude. Whenever I have a meeting about business, dude, I always have people sign NDAs, brother. We're always signing NDAs, brother. No, you know, no Hulkamania information is allowed to leave... You know, about to be discussed outside of here. It's basically as long as I'm not signing off on another you know, brother, NHB money pit. Basically, dude, this is just me preventing myself from being rolled up behind financially, brother. Okay, dude. So number one, okay, great. So so great. You you'll give me the one hundred eight thousand and one dollar, brother. Appreciate that, dude. And um, <laughs> you never said yes. You like my my uh, Ricky Choshu, by the way. <laughs> just sound just like him. I'm totally convinced, and you're, I can I can see you staring off into the distance like you did in that interview, afterwards. Um, and brother, so okay, great, dude, appreciate that, brother. No, no, number two, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, one of two things, dude. Either maybe, what if what if you what if you strip Mood of the title tonight, dude, and gave it to Inoki, brother, well, and he and I went. Well, I mean, nothing against Muda, dude, but, I mean, he's a fucking twig, brother. You know, dude, he's a fucking tiny-ass twig, dude. The real money match, dude, is Hogan and Noki, brother. And the real money finish is me beating Noki, dude, so we can set up the rematch, brother. <laughs> yeah, Terry, how's the, uh, how's the Tenryo rematch coming? Well, We're actually, you know, I, well, I had, actually, I'll tell you what, I had, I had another... Uh, another idea in mind, brother. I was thinking, oh. if, if you if you don't want to have, mm-hmm. if you don't want to switch Muda with Inoki, dude, what about me teaming with Tenru, dude? And then he and I can kind of banter a little bit about that, brother. Mm. And then maybe I'll tell you what to set up me and Inoki. I'm willing to do this, brother. I'm willing. Listen, I'm willing to lose the match, dude. If we put me in the tag match, brother, I'm willing to lose the match, dude. What I'll do is at some point Tenru. And 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 me, brother, will start arguing, dude. I'll hammer Tenru, give him the Axie Boomba, all right, dude? And then Inoki pins him, brother. It's perfect, dude. So you want... It sets up me and Inoki, dude. Hmm? <laughs> I thought you were going to propose you do the, the Hogan-Tenryu rematch, as uh-huh. promised. You beat Tenryu. Then you beat Muda, then you beat Anoki. That's that's not where you went. Well, I mean, brother, if you want me to do that, dude, I'm totally <laughs> down with that too, brother. I wasn't going to go right down that alleyway. Right, right. That would have been but, right. Correct. But Correct. I, I was just thinking, yeah. brother, what if what if I made Tenru lose, brother? Right. You know, dude. Then that actually builds up steam, brother. You yeah, know, Terry, and then the idea was that one day Terry would be able, uh, pardon me, Tenryu would be able to get the heat back from you not that you could cause him to lose a completely unrelated match well that's the heat brother the heat's there dude yeah the heat's, the heat's there now, now with, it's time to pay with it everyone off. you have to lose to Tenryu no dude I don't lose to Tenryu right away brother <laughs> I gotta beat Anoki first and then it's like this power <laughs> oh, play oh I see because so I beat the man because here's right, the thing brother right. this is the, no play it out in, in the long run dude right Tenryu loses to Anoki brother mm-hmm. in the tag match because I Axie Bomba okay <laughs> boom yeah. Tenryu's down brother Anoki gets the pin dude then Next time, brother, Hogan and Noki, I beat Inoki, dude. I beat the man who beat Tenru, brother. Right, 
Right. How can Tenru come back and beat me, brother? And here's the catch. The next time Tenru and Hogan get together, dude, he doesn't win. He loses again, brother. <laughs> so we keep building up this whole momentum. Oh, yeah. Then Anoki comes back and tries Jerry. to see. I'm, dude, I'm, all I'm seeing in my eyes right now, brother, dollar signs, I'm dude. seeing air coming out of a balloon myself. I'm seeing. I'm seeing. <laughs> I, I, dude, all I got is gold dollar signs. In my, I feel like fucking Ted DiBiase, brother. There's so much fucking money in my eyes, dude. And you keep breaking up that, you know, 108,000, brother. Maybe the next time it's 110. Maybe. And maybe maybe when I come back with Tenru, dude, 120,000, brother, whatever. Inflation, brother. You know, that, brother, that's, that, that's, that's the economy, dude. Inflation, 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 brother. And then I'll tell you what. Then then what we could do, brother, is, is after that, we could do a four-on-one match, brother, where you got Anoki, Fujinami, you, brother, uh, Tenru and fuck it, let's get Saito in there too, dude. And I beat all five of you, brother. Then I like in 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 within like two minutes, dude. I am this unbeatable. I'm fucking Godzilla, dude. I'm Gojira, brother. You hear that, dude? I'm fucking Gojira. And I and 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 then I'm this I'm this unbeatable monster, dude. And then maybe like three, four, five years down the line, dude. Tenru comes in, beats me, brother. I'll pay it all back, dude. Mm. Like Noki, dude, I'll, I'll let him, you know, he can maybe get a count out victory or something, brother. We'll get that done. Fujinami, I don't think I'm going to return the favor, dude. So, yeah, I wasn't going to ask about him. So wrestling Duntaku, Hogan, become full circle. Does he get it done or what? They all fall eventually, boss. Putting down the WWF championship belt while we're back at home in America, hoping Hulkamania was back and everything was right with the world again. And he's at a press conference. Wild WWF champion. Taking those quote-unquote two months off to train. Oh, my God. And just totally leveraging a future without the WWF. Totally oh my God. setting up an exit strategy. And we, we thought the good times were rolling. Hey, Vince, this is the guy that you got in the ring and hugged and almost cried. And ah, yeah. Ah, after WrestleMania 9. We're back, brother. Yeah, we're back, all right. Ah, 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 ah. A month later, he's uh, against your better wishes, I am sure. You son of a bitch. In Japan, putting down your strap like it's a piece of tin shit. How I about that? Do not go to Japan. Excuse me? Patterson, what the fuck is he doing? What is up? What? He's not supposed to go to Japan. Why is Hulk Hogan in Japan with my belt? He's supposed to be taking time off to train. Train, brother. And to be fair, boss, and pray, and pray, pray, and eat his vitamins. Prayer, he's supposed to fucking eat his vitamins. Sorry, take his fucking vitamins. No vitamins. Not you and your vitamin, idiot. What? Yes. Who? Uh, Huh? Louis Dondero. I know you done Louis Dondero. I'm not here to fuck it. Hogan. Want to kill him? I want, we know people in the Yakuza, right? Uh, no comment. Great. I want one of my Yakuza bitches to kill Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Christ. Kill him. I want him dead. Let's see what I can get done, boss. I, kill I don't, I, I think Chono, I think Chono has left that life behind, but. Do it. Let me, I want, tell you what, have the Yakuza kill Hulk Hogan the same way they killed David Von Erich. I thought you were going to say Ricky Dozan. Well, him too, damn it. Yeah, with a, They're all the same. A urine-soaked knife. Ungrateful pieces of shit. David. 
fucking Hogan, Ricky Dusenheimer. Ricky Dusenheimer? <laughs> sounds like a kid, uh, sounds like a kid in, um, Rob Howard's classmate in American Graffiti or something. Sounds like one of the kids oh, on, the yeah. sand, on the Sandlot team. Oh, yeah, it's Ricky Dusenheimer. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a doozy, all right. It's, it's Wrestling Dontaku and, uh, Hogan back at center stage. Now, much like a lot of other shows we've talked about with Hogan um, in a featured contest, for the Japanese that night, uh, that was not necessarily the main event, though certainly that was kind of the uh, beyond-the-norm um, attraction match on the card, for sure. The show would close with Antonio Inoki teaming with Tatsumi Fujinami, who, as we've established on other episodes, there was quite a bit of tension between uh, behind the scenes, taking on Jinichiro Tenryu and Ricky Choshu. What a fucking main event. Oh, Jesus. I mean, especially for our purposes, considering yes. how much we've brought these characters along. I mean, I was thinking about it. Here you got... Yep. I was thinking about this whole thing. You got... First of all, you got Fujinami, who... When we... I mean, if you want to go back, essentially we started this journey back in January whenever we did WCW Japan Super Show 1. And there he is beating Flair in the main event for the championship. And then you also got, when we officially started this thing with, with Collision in Korea, you got Inoki right there. Two important people who open up this thing. And then you get Tenru. Tenru, who's one of those guys who we grew to appreciate. I mean, th- I think this journey itself had more than anybody, you know, in terms of, of, of just the, the awakenings we had with, with wrestlers. Tenru, yeah. for me, Saido. Yep. Uh, uh, Hogan, obviously, we talked about that. And then on a lesser note, I've actually been thinking about it, especially with this show, Hiroshi Hase. Oh, absolutely. Guy I fucking never knew existed before yep. Before we started All-time this. great worker, top 20. Just phenomenal. And, but, but you get three of those very important figures in the main event of this show. Not saying Ricky Chosh is not important, but I feel like he hasn't been featured in – in so highly yeah. in this journey. Yeah, the, as match, the, other the matches we've happened to do of his were not his center stage appearances. You know, right. Him defending the champion. Although beating Fujinami, that was a big match uh, two years ago uh, at the first, um, at the Sh- totally. Tokyo Dome show. Totally. His, his heyday, 80s, mostly late 80s. So right. it makes sense. This is really him, really, this is a celebration of his booking than his in ring stuff. I, I fucking agree with that. Good God. So, um, yeah, it, it really is poetic how this thing ends in terms of who's at the top. Plus Muda. Yep. I mean, we've seen yep. Muda come along. We've seen Muda come along. We watched him sort of, you know, from tussling with Sting and taking the fall against the Steiners yep. to getting his rightful place as champ, headlining a dome show of this magnitude against Hogan, and, of course, doing the honors, but nonetheless being worthy of that stature. I mean, Hulk Hogan does not uh, choose his uh, Japanese opponents um, in a laissez-faire way. No. You have to be up to a certain level uh, yeah. in terms of stardom because he ain't going to pin no jabroni. He, he did the Yatsu match. He's not doing that again. I'm surprised that he that, that, that he was up to Hogan's level. Yeah, yeah, he was. He certainly was by 1993, for sure. Um, and uh, it's it's quite a thing to, to behold. And um, yeah, you mentioned Inoki is so fitting considering how all this started at Collision in Korea. Yep. It's all here. 
And uh, also, w- one other thing too that I thought was kind of a fitting mm-hmm. thing here, given that we did go back and forth with WWE and WCW, that oh god, of course, that Sting was on this show. How about that? <laughs> what if I told you that there was a card in May 1993 when Hulk Hogan was <laughs> WWF champion and Sting was on the same fucking card? If you told me that when I was nine years old or whatever in 1993, I wouldn't be able to go to sleep until no, I was able I to find a copy of the tape. I would have shit myself. It's crazy. I mean, just the fact that these two guys... um, Like, you know, we think of it, the first shows of them being together being 94, and then, of course, not even wrestling together until 90, 97. But here they are, 93... Like a throwaway thing that that two guys from two headliners, two of the most important figures of the major wrestling promotions in America are wrestling on the same fucking card. I mean, honestly, what would have made it the only thing that would have made it more crazy, obviously, is the two of them teaming together or facing yeah, each other. Yeah, I mean, which would have been nuts. You know, it probably. I'm surprised was, they, in a weird way. I'm surprised they didn't have the balls to do that. The balls to do it. Yeah, I mean, th- there was talk um, at a certain point. We'll talk. We'll get into this a little later. Of potentially having Hogan versus Vader on the show, Vader oh, being the WWE champion. My God! They wanted Vader for this show, and Vader ended up negotiating a sweet deal for himself, where he got a massive payout from the uh, the nascent UWFI organization um, to just get incredible money to do like eight dates a year, over and above the objections of Eric Bischoff and WCW, who of course had Vader contracted, but with a clause that said he had the right to take international dates, much like Hogan did. So ultimately, Vader uses the fact that New Japan really wanted him for this show to get a deal, and he inks with UWFI in February 1993, changes his name to Super Vader so as to not violate the Big Van Vader. <laughs> oh, this is the Super Vader phase, yes. Correct. Yeah, because uh, New Japan had the Big Van Vader copyright, so he changes his name to Super Vader for UWFI. But yeah, they wanted that. They wanted to make that happen, Hogan being WWF champ, Vader being WCW champ. But uh, they got something... Watered down, but still quite significant in getting Sting on the same show as the Hulkster. And you see in one of the um, aforementioned backstage kind of uh, moments, you see um, all the guys after the show kind of getting together for beers. Yes. Hogan and Sting. We're talking bleached, blonde, surfer Sting sitting there next to WWF champion Hulk Hogan shooting the show. So fucking wacky. To be a fly on the wall for that conversation. How they no, dude, treat you, you should over fucking there, come brother. over to New York, dude. You should fucking come up to New York, brother. No, actually, how they treat you over there, brother? Yeah, dude, do you, do you let ever me actually you, meet Ted Turner? Or? I mean, does uh, let me tell you, do you ever talk turkey with Ted Turner, dude? Or you know, how's that work, brother? I mean, you know, what's a uh, you know what's business like? What do you think a Hulk Hogan could do down in fucking Atlanta, brother? You know, you know I'm thinking about getting out of. Uh, yeah, you got Suburban Commando coming up. Yeah, dude, I, got, I got some movies coming up, brother. Irons you know? in the fire. You know, I got I got Mr. Nanny coming out, dude. You know some. Some, you know, iron's a fire, brother, but, you know, yeah. so I could kind of negotiate, you know, what, what, what do you think a Hulk Hogan could do down in Atlanta, dude? Man. Think I could, you know, fucking be champion down in Atlanta, brother? <laughs> Something tells me yes is the answer to that question. Yes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, reportedly, where did I read this? Yeah, it was uh, mentioned as in an interview uh, from the uh, New Japan local promoter at the time who put the show together that Eric Bischoff was on the ground for this show in Japan. Oh, no shit. Maybe there was a little introductory conversation there between Eric and Hulk. It would not surprise me if they met each other for the first time here at WrestleMania. Wow. But, yeah, we talk about, you know, we had to put the WWE. Don't talk too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah this is wrestling don't talk, don't talk, too talk too much. Please. 
Uh, but we've had to put these shows on Paint Off the Pacific in two different categories. The ones where WWF guys are threaded throughout yeah. and the ones where WCW guys are threaded throughout. And God damn it, if we don't end on a show where both somehow come together. I mean, and when you think about it, too, not only that, but then you also got not that they were in WCW at the time, but obviously got Liger and Scott Norton, a lot of WCW talent. Absolutely. You know, who would be or have been yep. a, a WCW talent. So it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is. It is, um, it is very much a fusion of all of the intrigue that brought us to uh, put this thing together in the order that we did as it took shape in real time before your very eyes. Um, yeah. Sort of an impromptu journey, if you will. I'll say. And, very um, much so. Also worth noting that the main event was the first time that Antonio Inoki and Junichiro Tenryu ever touched in, in the ring. Wow. Ever. So um, that was hugely significant to the Japanese wrestling fans at the time who always wondered what would happen when those two collided, and they sure would on the January 4th, 1994 Tokyo Dome show, and Antonio Inoki would do the honors for the man who exiled the promotion and formed the SWS and ran competition to them on their big dome shows and ran uh, competition to them rather in Tokyo Dome and forcing their hand to create a dome show almost. And wow. Comes back, and that's always been money in Japan. The guy who leaves the organization and then who comes back to... Yep. Uh, with this sort of chip on his shoulder as somebody mm-hmm. who won't refuses to be regarded as a failure because he had to come back tail tucked between his legs to the organization that he left to create something else. It worked for Nobuhiko Takata. It worked for Ricky Choshu and it sure worked for Jinichiro Tenryu. And, um, a real glimpse of that coming into fruition is here in the main event of wrestling Dontaku and the rise of Muda. I mean, this is just his rise has been so threaded through these combined super shows him facing Hogan is also quite fitting. So it feels right. It feels good, boss, to um, to wrap up the pain off the Pacific journey with wrestling Dontaku. It feels almost yep. as good as it would feel uh, to take a manscaped razor to my fucking nuts right about now. What was that again? It feels about as good as it would taking a manscaped razor to my nuts right about now. I think that's important these days. Taking that manscaped razor to the nuts because folks reopening right around the corner and there's a chance that no one's seen your balls in a few months don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro would you show up boss to the first day of school without a haircut i ask you well i certainly wouldn't show up to the first day of school with my balls not trimmed that's right. for sure <laughs> right why even why even god knows. it that way right god knows what's going to happen that first day of school absolutely it's an excellent point actually and manscaped folks as you know will both continue to remind you is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience south of that fucking border. And your groining experience, too, for that matter. Absolutely. The Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming go- game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, which is water resistant, cordless has a cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs come with the package as well, and you also got a travel bag for you to use when you're, we're all done quarantining. That's right. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a crop preserver and crop reviver. We're talking crops, boss. We're talking, this is like a cotton gin for the crop. <laughs> you're damn right. The crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant, which ensures that your afternoon stroll doesn't end with your balls sticking to your leg. And the crop reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will mm. give your balls a boost, kind of like the lapsed fan does each Damn right. and every week. 
Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan over at Manscaped get a new replacement blade refill for your lawn tr- mower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making your, sure your trimmer stays fresh and stays clean. Fellas, the light is at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0 and your friends here at TLF, upon whom Lawnmower has smiled, and of course we mm-hmm. expect you as the solar system, loyal and ready to support whichever cause we deem worthy, smiles back. Hashtag smooth as eggs, motherfuckers. By heading over to manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com, check out their products, and when you're ready to convert, as is the terminology that runs all of our lives increasingly in a digital world, you're going to get 20% off, plus free shipping. That's 20% off Manscaped products Mm -hmm. and free shipping when you use the promo code LAPSED. So you let them know we sent you, that we are the difference maker, that we deliver content to you, in such a way, in such a fashion, in such an addictive protocol that you are so compelled to do what we tell you to do. And, and I mean, think about it like this. Think of the creativity you now have. Yes. With your fucking, with your fucking pubes down there. Boss, well, you, All right? you, you can, you, you can you sit there. You know about that creativity on <clears throat> this thing. I mean, you want to, I mean, look, you, you could, you could make a design. You could fucking put the, uh, put Hogan's uh, old uh, mushroom cloud chest hair gimmick. Now that's something. Fucking, that I and would love for you to do, but not send us pictures of. Yeah, I don't need pictures of that. I'll, I believe you. I'll, I, I will believe you if you, if you, if you tell me that it happened. Right. Yeah, that, that'll certainly. Just surprise. saying. Just saying. And to make sure we believe you that it happened in terms of going over to manscaped.com and tr- entering the promo code lapsed to get your twenty percent off and free shipping, we request you send us a little proof of purchase at thelapsedfan at gmail.com so you can enter that elite circle and occupy that elite chamber in our hearts and mm-hmm. tell us that you mean business, and you make it worth it to advertise on this show and deem the solar system worthy. Sean wasn't hesitant to do it. He no. wrote to us back on uh, June 12th and let us know. Uh, to the captains of Carnival Combat Cataloging, Meyer Mania, his last name Myers, of course, is here, and I've been part of the solar system since the early days. Hard to believe it's been six years. You're telling me, Sean. Fuck. And I have to say that today, my fear of sl- sack slicing has been conquered in two, to add two more balls to the millions that are being saved. Keep up the awesome work during these uncertain times, and thank you for Ichbon Mania. Yes. yes, even the Hulk Hasbros are afraid of being rolled up, brother. And he attaches a picture proving as much, by the way. He uh, put his Hulk Hogan Hasbro at the very back of a three-row line of Hasbro figures. That's amazing. Back to the wall. Back to the wall. Balls to the razor. Hit up Manscaped. Enter the promo code LAPSED. Get a significant discount. Get free shipping. And thank us sometime down the road when you realize you never had to think again about how to safely and effectively keep your ball hair in order in a world that increasingly demands head-to-toe grooming. We're there for you, and Manscaped is there for us. So we thank them for sponsoring the show, and thank you for spreading the support and for, and for demonstrating what it means to support the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast here in 2020. So that piece of business addressed. Mm-hmm. Let's... Um, Let's talk about kind of the first time we realized that New Japan Pro Wrestling was looking at this brand new Fukuoka Dome for a wrestling extravaganza. Sure. Spent all this time, of course, talking about Tokyo Dome, but it was around July of 1992 that reports started hitting The Observer and other publications that New Japan is going to run a card in early 93. The Fukuoka Baseball Stadium had yet to be opened with an expected capacity of 64,000, which is actually larger than Tokyo Dome. Wow. Yep. So that attracted significant attention. And um, everyone's talking about Hogan, who, as we talked about last week, was in discussions with New Japan. They were talking about Hogan and Oki, potentially, on the January 4th, 1993 Dome show. 
obviously couldn't get it done, but perhaps because this show was the bigger ask, the bigger need, because it's so much more risky to try to fill a stadium in this city than Tokyo. Yeah, what was the deal with that? Like, what what was the? I mean, I, know it's, I get that I get that it's risky, but what was the appeal of getting out there? And I mean, I know it's a new stadium and all that. Was that it? Is that just it? Like, yeah, yeah, um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we're building a new significant dome stadium that's going to house a baseball team, which in Japan is a big sport. It lets you know, same thing happens here. You know, they open a brand new like the new Charger Stadium, the SoFi. It's yeah, like, Ooh, could we do a WrestleMania there? It's like let's let's inaugurate WrestleMania at the show. Right. At the, at the venue before anything else as quickly as we can. Let's prove that uh, wrestling can be among the things worthy of this new venue, getting ah. a foot in the door. So it was a very important step for New Japan to get uh, to act quickly on this new venue and to prove right away because it created a, an annual tradition that would, that would endure for years to come. So yeah, um, it's announced in December 1992 that they're in fact going forward and uh, they announced their full schedule and they also announced that they're going to take the entire month of April 1993 off the New Japan crew so as to prepare wow. for this May 3rd Fukuoka Dome show, um, both from a training perspective for the wrestlers as well as, uh, you know, setting up all the logistics. This, as you talked about, boss, is a grand production. You can see how they could benefit from a little more time to put this thing together. It's really unreal. Like, it's so well done. Yeah, tremendous set, tremendous accoutrements. And, uh, in fact, New Japan crew was sent to a vacation on the Saipan Islands, which is a popular tourist spot for the Japanese, uh, equivalent, as Meltzer puts it, to Hawaii for Americans, although huh. the Japanese certainly view Hawaii as a hot uh, vacation destination as well, as anybody who's been there can attest. And um, Hawaii actually being a regular stop for wrestlers like uh, Nick Pockwinkle, who would make regular tours of Japan and do a quick stop off in Hawaii for a couple of weeks to make a vacation out of the trip. And then work some uh, some dates in Hawaii at night for 50th State Wrestling and Leia Maivia. But anyway, um, that would be uh, an important thing, too, because it would allow the wrestlers during that time period to train in a warmer climate, which I guess Fukuoka was. All right. Although there was a retractable roof on this dome, there was kind of like an open air feel to the show in some ways. I'm sure the air that was captured when that dome closed was oh yeah humid enough. But uh, that's something, huh, boss, to see that that roof open and closed. I mean, it is there, there, there is, there is a lot of this show that is just fucking majestic and it's glorious. It's so great. I was, uh, 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 watching that, uh, 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 there's nothing, nothing like that. Like watching a, a fucking, um, a dome arena stadium close like that. It's such a, it's a, uh, it's one of those times you can honestly marvel at the um at the human achievement the, at the human achievement and yeah. Yeah, I agree. and just like how many brains yeah. you know it's, it's incredible no 93 less. yeah I mean I'd be impressed right now yep when I have a device in my pocket that can tell me anything human beings right. have ever learned in a second I'm still be, I'd still be blown away by a retractable roof on a stadium in 1993. You fucking kidding me? Yeah. I don't know if this is the first one in Japan, let alone the world, but it couldn't have been. No, I think didn't wasn't Skydome like that. Retractable? Yeah, maybe it was. It was closed for the entirety of WrestleMania six. So that's all I care right. about. <laughs> but definitely a novel thing. Uh, so they sold um, 8,500 tickets on the first day, about a million dollars when they put tickets on sale in February 1993. And um, while very healthy, that 
It's actually a little bit behind the pace they were t accustomed to doing for Tokyo Dome events, so early indications that they really had to turn on the gas to get this thing uh, up, to, up to the level. Tickets ranging from $270 at the high end to $27. Still looking at one of the largest gates in wrestling history on this pace. And uh, by the time everything was counted up, the kind of fell in around a $2.4 million gate, rough math, which uh, for the time would have been the eighth largest gate in the history of the business. Um, I'm sure many people have already yelled and screamed. Right. The first retractable roof sports venue was the now demolished Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, constructed in 1961. Oh, that blows my fucking mind. Yeah. How is that even 19, possible? 1961. In Bruno's hometown? Or his in, adopted yes. hometown? Yes. Yes, indeed. So, he's, uh, he's retracting roofs. While there weren't a lot of freebies to this event, this wasn't, you know, SWS, like, show up and just walk in. I don't even give a fuck if you have a ticket. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of discounts, according to the Observer, for this event, um, and uh, as much as 70% discounts. I mean, the, 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 the Civic Arena looks like a fucking nuclear dome. <laughs> Probably was. You know? Like, it just looks kind of horrifying. Like, I mean, I don't know how the fuck they, they didn't, this thing didn't fucking collapse on people's heads. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing. You're kind of freaking out, like... If this thing can open and close, what's to stop it from just collapsing in on itself as well? <laughs> what's, what's to stop it from closing on me? Um, so overall, uh, by the time it's over, 55,000 fans put into the Fukuoka Dome, which is wow. very good. But about, you know, 10,000 off the pace of Tokyo Dome for a, bit, for a stadium that's bigger than Tokyo Dome. So um, that was kind of, you know, it was there was something to celebrate there, but not a whole hell of a lot. Uh, the building could hold up to 68,000 for wrestling. Um by the time they put all their production elements in play, though, and it seemed like every seat that could be filled was filled. But uh, okay, I mean just... that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. They had a, they, I mean, they had a fucking hell of a production. I mean, especially for I know, I know Japan was always ahead of the, of the time in regards to production value, sets, lights, and music and whatever. But fuck. Yeah, this is really, this was nuts. Even more than the Tokyo Dome shows we've watched, this is the pageantry of New Japan made manifest here in 1993. This is it. I mean. This is them achieving that higher level of like these are walking gods here, you know. These are, these are, I mean, the set they have here rivals anything Raw had done in '97, let alone '93, when at this point they were still in the fucking Manhattan Center. Right. Yeah. Contrast this with like, you know, Hogan goes from returning in February '93 to cut that promo on Raw to set up WrestleMania Nine with Brutus in the Manhattan Center, where you can, right. you know, stretch both of your arms and touch both walls. And uh, here, the, 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 the scale difference, you know, because wrestling was cooling down so significantly in the United States around this point in time. And, uh, you know, actually bringing Hogan back at WrestleMania 9 and putting the strap on him is probably a demonstration of that more than anything. The desperation that was setting in, the feeling that, you know, we've, we're not as ready as we think we are, at least down in New York, to pivot away from yep. Hulk Hogan. And then he goes over to Japan in May and sees this. You know, where do you yeah. think his, uh, his enthusiasm is going to be directed. What do you think oh. he can sniff out the, the richest vein of potential? I don't know, but I know where mine is. I'll tell you that. Mine's in Japan, too, so yep. I don't blame him. So uh, they did close the uh, outfield bleacher seats for the show, so that's a whole lot of unsold seats that were, were among the ones off limits. But, um, yeah, apparently the card coincided um, with a festival um, in Japan. I think this is actually a holiday. The first week of May is actually a holiday, a business holiday. In okay. Japan. And if I'm not mistaken, I think dontaku is basically a word that roughly is equivalent to the word holiday. So it's okay. basically like wrestling holiday 1993, which ah. 
the most Japanese name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. <laughs> wrestling holiday. So a lot of tourists um, apparently come to uh, Fukuoka. There's a big um, dotaku festival that happens um, every May. So all built in and around uh, that. Uh, dotaku Tuesday? Is that the head? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was part of it down in the, uh, the, the, uh, the food hall, the mess <laughs> hall. And um, <laughs> we're talking um, a city nine hours from Tokyo. Wow. I didn't fucking know that. I mean, I know I, I Jesus, I didn't realize Japan was that big. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly small as a country, but yeah, I mean, to drive the the length of it, it's I think it's the size of California, isn't that a fair? So, you know, think about driving one out of California to the other, right? As you've done. Or no. I've almost I've done most of it. I mean, I've gone I've gone from I mean, it's kind of like middle ground, I think, LA to San Francisco, so it's kind of like Yeah. You know, and that's it's about six that's six that hours. Drive. That's yeah. six hours. Something similar to that drive. Um, you, of course, did drive from L.A. to somewhere in Arizona once to get Duncan. I did. I did do that uh, the <laughs> week before Thanksgiving uh, in, in 2006. Yep. Yes, me and, and two friends did go because there were no Dunkin' Donuts in L.A. at the time. Now, that has changed for sure. But when I was there, there was no – there were no Dunkin' Donuts the uh, Fukuoka Dome, today apparently known as the PayPay Dome. <laughs> the PayPal Dome? <laughs> so there, well, I'm sure the PayPal Dome is coming if it doesn't already exist in like Chattanooga or whatever city. Uh, yeah, people that want to slap their brands on arena. Names. I'm surprised we don't have a Google Dome yet. <laughs> well, you know what I've heard? I've heard like to put your name on a stadium is like a curse almost, that there's a lot of stories of companies that had the hubris to want to put their name on something before they made it. Because they're so hungry for that, you know, that stature oh, yeah. that they've made it. But it's actually a sign that they're reaching almost for um, for acceptance and actually an indication that not it's not all good. Interesting. Like, yeah. Like doing something like that wouldn't even cross the mind of a company that didn't have a need to boost its stature. You know what I mean? I thought that was interesting. But um, PayPay Dome, rest in peace, uh, <laughs> these days, opened uh, – it broke ground for the project on April 1st, 1991. And uh, opened on April 2nd, 1993, so just a month before Wrestling Dontaku. Uh, here's an article from the Daily Amuri in uh, September of 1992. Daiei, which is the name of the company that financed it, Daiei's Fukuoka Dome, still waiting on boom. Mm. Fukuoka Dome is nearly finished, but builder Daiei Group is likely to have to wait a while before promoters start flocking to lease the facility. <laughs> Kyushu is booming. I don't know why that's funny. I do not know why that's funny, what was funny the way you're saying that. Just the 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 what was it business investors or whatever it was yeah. what we'll the wait there's something have I don't to know. wait a while before yes. promoters start flocking to sleep. There you the go. Flo yeah, flocking. promoters flocking. Yeah. Promoters do flock. That's one thing they do do. They Kyushu do do a lot. Fascinated by the potential of what it calls the most promising area in the country, the largest retail conglomerate in the nation has launched a full-scale campaign of expansion into the region. Daie hopes to use the dome to spearhead a commercial conquest of Kyushu. Due to open in March... Who said nine hours? Because uh, I'm looking at... in the Observer. Is that wrong? I mean, I'm just looking at Google Maps right now, and to go to Fukuoka, whatever it is, Fukuoka. Fukuoka, yeah. Fukuoka, all right. It's 12 hours. Ah, well, there you go. That's a hell of a fucking From the center of Tokyo? It's also center of Tokyo. Yeah, from like the center of Tokyo yeah. to the, the center, center of, of Fuck Your Mama, it's 
12 hours. And well, fuck your mama's where they do the May show, uh, the uh, June true. show. You know that. The fuck your mama bunker gym. And that is like, and that is way, I mean, it's way south. Wow. I didn't realize how, I didn't realize, why, why did I think, I don't know why I thought that Fukuoka's is, was north. Did you say it was north? Did I just imagine that it was north? I think you imagined it, yeah. Huh, I don't, I don't recall saying it. Maybe I did say it. But it's way, it's way, maybe I was thinking of, maybe I thought it was north because I'm thinking of going to drive up to Northern California. Yeah. Um, analogy, right. But yeah. Wow. It's like way, not only is it on, is it like far down, but it's also on the other side. It's actually like right across the, uh, uh, the sea here from South Korea. Oh, nice. There you go. So that probably like, is a nice uh, <clears throat> tourist destination too for yeah. South Koreans. Yeah, well, like it's like right across. Though, is you hit zoom out a couple times, boss, and tell me is it off that fucking Pacific or not? That's oh, it is. Question. I'll tell you what, it's it's right. It's I mean, it's right there, Thank right there in much. that Pacific. Due to so. opening in March, Fukuoka Dome will be an enormous baseball stadium and home to the Fukuoka Daiei Hawks. The stadium, which will be the nation's first baseball stadium with a convertible roof, will also be able open to lease by entertainment and other promoters. Located on Hakata Bay, west of Fukuoka, Fukuoka Dome. Okay, so it's in Hakata Bay. Maybe oh, that would see. change your distance calculation. Let's see here. Let's see Hakata Bay. Classic. Uh, just like in America, we call something, we say something's in Dallas when it's not in Dallas. Right. We say right. Well, in I mean, Boston it's like when it's not in Boston. It's, it's like yeah, it's it's the New York, it's like the New York fucking. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The right. New York Jets, New York Giants, they play in fucking New Jersey. <laughs> right. Make sense of that. No, Hakata Bay is right there. Hakata Star can... Lanes. I remember hearing of that venue. Um, Japan results. I remember hearing of Hakushi. But... Yeah. <laughs> He's there too. I don't Fukuoka Dome is the largest project ever undertaken by Daie. Fukuoka Daie Real Estate is in charge of the project, which is 75% finished. The total cost of the dome will run to 260 billion yen. Boss, can you do a little translation for me? 260 billion yen? 260 billion yen is how many dollars? 260 Since you're in the uh, billion yen running a backup research mode right now. US dollars is that would be about two million four hundred twenty one thousand eight hundred seventy one dollars and forty cents in uh, in 1993. In, so well, in 93, so it'd probably be from the 10, 15 million now, or 20 million. Yeah, so, well, no, well, I don't know. This is from. This is today. Oh, as of today. Oh, sorry. As of okay. today. Yes, so, all right. So, 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 I don't know if I can do that. Cheap. Yeah, for, that's, that no is. Way, that's, no way. That's right. Two hundred sixty billion yen. Two. Oh wait, I did. Bill, you said billion. Billion with a B. Oh, yes, I'm sir. sorry. I thought you said million. Let me. Yeah. So that would be two point four billion. 
got that would be that would be two point four twenty one billion eight hundred seventy one thousand four hundred dollars U.S. dollars. But Fukuoka Dome is just part of a grander <coughs> scheme. Also planned for the same area is a 35-story hotel, construction of which will begin in November. A partner dome structure, Fantasy Dome. Ah, yes. Sounds like the fourth New it's, Japan video game. I was like, shouldn't that be where all the wrestling shows take place? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in the Fantasy Dome. <laughs> is also in the pipeline. Construction on the second dome is to begin in the spring 1995. And the finished product, Twin Dome City. Hi, Demos. Hi. <laughs> Will be in Hyannis? <laughs> <laughs> That's a Japanese tourist looking for directions to the Cape. <laughs> hey, what's the um, what's the gayest part of the Cape? What? Entering Dennis. <laughs> How you doing over there? <laughs> Will be aimed at attracting business and hosting <laughs> cultural activities. I'm surprised you didn't say Provincetown. <laughs> oh fuck it. Uh, <laughs> fuck it. Happy Pride, everybody. Absolutely. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> That's right. That what a good call. <laughs> you know, I'm, I was typing in uh Cornhill Beach on the on the GPS and um I accidentally typed Cornhole and it sent me to Provincetown. <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> We got, I left my good friends down in Provincetown. <laughs> had a lovely time there last summer. So, Oh, God. The trouble is the promoters are not lining up to lease it next year. Instead, they are keeping their heads down, partly due to the economic slowdown. There's a big theme in 93. Apparently a lot of um, economic strife in Japan. Interesting. And they had a recession or something. Dai wants to achieve a revenue of 12 billion yen in the first year of operation. The money is expected to come from ticket sales for about 60 Hawks games, that's the baseball team, and restaurant and retail sales, but mainly from events such as concerts, conferences, and trade fairs. There are 120 to 130 available dates on which these events can be staged, but Dai has so far only managed to fill 65 slots for events such as wrestling matches. Ah, that's fucking bullshit. And concerts. Worse, until the scheduled opening of the adjacent hotel in spring 1995, the group will not be able to cash in on large-scale convention package deals on which it can make money by providing both venue and accommodation. Dai Group's president, Isia Nakayuchi, was unperturbed. He said he expected it to take 25 years to post a current account surplus on the hotel and dome operation. The going is not expected to be easier for the industrial and entertainment facility Fantasy Dome, scheduled to open in spring 1998. Nevertheless, the region still holds strategic attractions for Daiei. A catchphrase among industrialists is said to be, he who holds Fukuoka will win Kyushu. The Fukuoka Dome Project is what, expected... What's Kyushu? That Kyushu is a nearby area that, that was booming at the time. Oh, I see. Um, that they wanted to also access with this project. The Fukuoka Dome Project is expected to be a key weapon in Daiei's campaign to get ahead of rivals such as Saison Group and Kyushu, but it is likely to spark a new retail war in the region, observers said... Construction of the nearly completed Fukuoka Dome continues. I don't see Kyushu in the fucking... No, does it come up for you? I mean, oh, I see it. Well, I have Kita Kyushu. Oh, maybe there's a little extra accoutrement. Kita Kyushu in... Uh, it's a little bit north. Just kind of like... I think he's in the opener. <laughs> I think you're right. Yep. Along with Yahat Nishiku. <laughs> that also... Is, that sounds like a young boy right there. <laughs> Lion's... Uh, you know, Lion's Pride. That, would, that be, would that be a little Japanese for JR? Yes. Yes, it would. <laughs> so um, the Dai Hawks played their um, first professional uh, baseball game, regular season game, in the Fukuoka Dome on April 17th, 
1993, with a capacity crowd of 40,000 turning out for the game between wow. the Hawks and the Kintetsu Buffaloes of the Pacific League. Um, and according to this article in Japanese news... What about the Dotaku bu- Buffaloes? Not them. No, they were none of that. No. Um, well, I keep trying to get them, get them in, but no, I guess not. Dotaku Buffaloes. That could be an XFL team <laughs> at this rate. <laughs> um, so they don't talk to Buffaloes. Yeah, that's that's the don't talk to buffaloes. What? So, don't uh, talk to don't cut to this crowd for this first baseball game. According to this article, drawn as much to see the majesty of the new dome than it was to see necessarily the uh, baseball game. The game sure. was the first regular season game. The dome officially opened on April second, nineteen ninety three, with an exhibition baseball game. The retractable three piece roof of the dome can be fully opened or closed in twenty minutes. It took twenty minutes to do this. Wow. Um. In addition to baseball, the owners intend to hold sports events, concerts, and cultural events. It boasts of the world's longest snack. So they weren't intending to they weren't intending to host wrestling events. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, um, Mr. Daye, you said there would be Hi. sports here, Hi. but I see here on the on the calendar that there's gonna be professional wrestling in May. Could you speak to the parent contradiction in terms? Hi. Why would you say okay, yes, thank you. <laughs> Continue. No, just hi, I'm just saying hi. Okay. No, I'm just saying hi, how's hey guys. Your how's your day going? What's going on? You guys doing okay? You guys got some food over there? We get get some bagels and some uh, some veggies and cream cheese over there. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> One thing, boss, I'm not particularly proud of after Pain in the Pacific is that the only word we, – we basically learned no Japanese words besides Ichiban the whole time. <laughs> Ichiban and hi. Yeah. Well, I already knew hi. It's oh, been yeah, a joke for years. <laughs> Ichiban. I mean, it's yeah. – uh, um, Well – uh, I don't. I'm sorry. What was the question again? Oh, I asked if, if if you said one of the key attractions to Fukuoka uh-huh. Dome will be sports. How yeah. do you reconcile that with the fact that you've booked professional wrestling to be here? Oh, oh. Uh, well, um, uh, that doesn't fall into the sports category. So I don't. <laughs> oh, okay, forget uh, it. Thank so, you. So, so I don't. You know, I mean, you know, you don't have to just have sport. At a at a big stadium, you know, sometimes you like entertainment. I like how sometimes and, um, we set up a bit, and <laughs> one of the characters just shuts it down. Because it's true. Like, just because I said there would be sports here doesn't mean I can't have something that isn't sports. <laughs> what the fuck's yeah, wrong I'm with sorry. you, lady? Sit down. So, so you know, I mean, I... I uh, You're fake news. <laughs> you know, I'm here to tell you that, 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 that we're not going to just be biased to sports here. Right. Okay? You know, right. we don't, we don't just... enough of that, right? Um... You know, there's enough people, there are enough arenas and stadiums and venues out there that just are very much sport, and that's it. Your fake news, that is. We, we are an open minded stadium. Yes. We are willing to to bring in a different open air, array open of mind. open air, open mind. See, that's the symbolism right. of the Fukudaka uh, stadium that we've created here in Fukunuku. Japan. Oh, this guy really. Now, this guy's from the area. You can tell. Really, real hometown success story here. I'll Jesus tell you, I have, I have, I have, I'm born, born and bred in Fukachu, <laughs> and <laughs> where's that? It's right here. <laughs> Fukachu, Japan. Right here, sir. Um, are you are you flipping me the bird behind that clipboard? I. It's right here, sir. Sir, <laughs> sir please. I'm trying to answer your question, and you're interrupting me. How I'm about interrupting that? you. Well, you're the one that's... How about fuck you, Oa? How's that sound? 
Fuck you, Owa. Nisin Nusu. You know what that means? No. Fake Some. news. Inusos. What is Say it again. <laughs> as, a lo- as a Fukuoka native, you think you'd be able to pull that one together yourself, sir. Now, so anyway, now we're not going to be closed-minded here. We're open air. We're open minded here at the uh, Fukunachi <laughs> Palace. Stadium. Is it a dome? What do we Palace? Doing? What is? Is it? Um. What is it? It's a, it's an exhibition a hall. Dome. At the at the at the Fukuoka uh, VFW. <laughs> Oh, the Kieran's flowing over there. Jesus Christ. That's Sapporo Central. At the, at the Fukuoka Legion Hall. All right. Um, now. And by the time these guys are done chopping each other, it's going to be the Fukuoka Legion Hall. <laughs> so, so now I'd like to say, in closing... Yeah, in closing, great, thanks. Nice transition there, boss. (laughs) Answers the question with a complete mess, a verbal salad of mess, a shit salad of words, and then just says, in closing, as if it's the end of his own speech. You don't get to close off. I guess that's the only question Um, he took from the press, by the way. He wrapped it up after the first one. in, In closing, what I'd like to say is that for our first event, or one of our first <laughs> events. He says, it's going to be wrestling, and then he runs away like Trump getting shot at. From what I've been told, <laughs> it's, this is what, it's an event, hold on. Right, it, it's, uh, it's called uh, Dekantu, Dekantu, no, Donkatu. Yeah, that's All good. Right? You did good. Uh, and uh, from what, I guess it's a food festival, because from, from what I've been told, yeah, it's going to be a chop fest. So. Or he steps to the mic and goes, and um, it's going to be wrestling. Bye. Um, and he runs. And, uh, <laughs> so um, so it's Don Katu, 1993. It's a big show. Uh, it's going to be. Um, it's going to be wrestling. Sir? Sir? No questions. <laughs> Where are you no, going? No more questions. It's going to be I what? I got to go. <laughs> I got to take a shit. All right, fine. I'll bite. Let's see. Translator. I got to take a shit. Here we go. That's a big one. And not the shit. I'm talking about the translation. (laughs) By the way, if you're talking about big shits at Fukuoka Dome, it'll interest you to know, boss, that... The dome, according to this article, boasts of the world's longest snack and drinking bar, one that stretches from right field to left field. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about beefcake and Saito. <laughs> that does sound like a snack bar. The beefcake Saito stand. It's a big piece of shit, yeah. really, is what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, right, right. The, 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 the bathrooms, the, the, uh, the water closets aren't the only things full of big pieces of shit. Oh, uh, is it... Uh... Watashi wa tamagoto o taranakia. There you go. Which would be? I got to take a shit. <laughs> oh, man. Watashi wa tamagoto o taranakia. 
I gotta take a shit! <laughs> oh, boy. All right, and finally, April 5th, 1993. Um, oh, day after WrestleMania. Day after WrestleMania, Nikkei Weekly. Um, because, you know, on this show, whenever we talk about something being nice, we have to just le let it be. We can't just yes. mention no. the fact that within the space of two months, it's doom and gloom, <sighs> according to the press. Better be. Outlook cloudy under Fukuoka yes. Dome. Daya Group may struggle to recoup massive outlay. <laughs> Fukuoka Dome, which opened last week in Kyushu Island, is not your ordinary sports arena. It's the first stadium in Japan with a retractable It's roof. a fucking fraud. It has the biggest picture screen in the country and the biggest sports bar anywhere. And its seating capacity of 52,000 is greater than that of even the celebrated Tokyo Dome. The problem, critics say, is that it may also prove to be the biggest white elephant to come along in Japan in years. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, on the other hand, the biggest white... Well, I don't white elephant to come in years. See what I did there? Vader, on the other hand, the biggest white person to come around in years in the country of Japan. <laughs> the it's biggest got... white piece of shit to come around in... <laughs> Scott Norton, the biggest white appetite on the island. The biggest apple white. The problem, the... critics say, is that it may also prove to be the biggest white elephant to come along in Japan in years. Don... Daiye Inc. is betting otherwise. The supermarket chain operator, Japan's biggest, of course, led a group of investors in building the facility at a cost of $644 million. But even Tadashi Nakayuchi, president of Twin Dome City Incorporated, the operating company for the facility, and son Daiye president Isao Nakayuchi admits it will be a major task for the stadium to make money. Twin Dome is aiming for 12 billion, in yen, 12 billion yen in sales in the first year, half of that from revenue from events, and the other half from shop and restaurant sales. Yet it reckons it won't go into the black for more than 10 years and won't clear accumulated losses for 25. Sounds like WCW. <laughs> According to Twin Dome, 65 days a year are allocated for pro baseball games, 60 for the franchise baseball team Fukuoka Dai Hawks. I, I, I love these things because it's like... Yeah. It's it's so funny to me the, these stories. It's like, yeah. well, <laughs> things look cloudy now. They haven't sold, they haven't sold half the tickets of uh, the first event. Therefore, it looks like it's going to take eighty five years for them to come out of the debt. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure all the things they're pointing to are things that were reportable and known before the stadium even opened. Right. right. Now they're acting it, like it's become more clear now that they had like, like two well, months of stuff. Everything is is going to completely go downhill yes. because, you know, every day. Every day they lose money, mm -hmm. it's going to take them 40 more years to get to get back on track. It may look nice, and people may be happy, but what's the downside? Hashtag journalism. <laughs> that really is it. Who's going to pay the price for this enjoyment? Let's, folks, let's not, remember, let's not forget something here, okay? Please. When we're having great things happen to us, <laughs> there are always... Consequences, <laughs> and That's I ask you guys to write about the consequences Consider that happen me. when good things happen. That's right, because there are no really good things; there are only consequences. <laughs> there are only consequences. Words to live by. I'll Words say. Words to live by. According to Twin Dome, okay, sixty-five days a year for games. Uh, the other difficult the difficulty is the other three hundred days, right? In April, <laughs> that's what it says. Well, they've got an event happening tomorrow, but what are they doing the rest of the year? <laughs> right, there are sixty baseball games in the stadium, but what about the days there aren't? 
two baseball games. <laughs> then what do they got going on then? Right. Then what will they do with all of this fancy well, Taj Mahal? All right. Mahal? Well, they've got events happening 360 days out of this year. What about But what Christmas? about those other five years? Yeah, right. huh? Those other five days, huh? Right. What's happening those five days? Can you really be successful if you're not selling out 365 days in one year? Ma'am, have you never heard of a day off? I mean, we're not going to... Well, no. In April, the first month of operation, a joint concert by three musicians, college baseball games, and professional wrestling matches are the only scheduled events. In addition, Fukuoka and its vicinity have about one-fifteenth as many people as the Tokyo metropolitan area, so in order to turn a profit, the Dome may have to cooperate with other leisure facilities. Ooh. Sounds like to get jerk off, jerked off in there? What the fuck is that supposed <laughs> what? to be? Like a fucking like, like a, a peep show is happening in the arena? <laughs> it's like you get like two girls like stripping down in front of 65,000 people? Locals say Fukuoka Dome is rubbing the wrong way. Mm. Twin Dome City has already signed a contract with Tokyo Dome I love, Corporation. I love how even international oh, totally. stories are like written in that same uh, 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 American way. Absolutely. That's journalism. You know? Oh, God. We're skeptical. Well, we have a right. eye. <laughs> we, we won't be taken for a ride. We... In the way to now, it may have ninety. Let me tell you this: this may have a ninety-five percent outlook for being completely positive. But what about that other five (laughs) percent? This might be destroy the entire world. Right. This might be a complete modern marvel of engineering. And look, I came to the press conference. I, I, you know, it's not like I sat at home and didn't go. I came here. But I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, who's paying for this? Who's going to pay for it? Where's the money going to come from? Are we talking tax dollars here? Yeah. Am I paying for this? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Tax breaks, maybe? Shouldn't these people be paying taxes? I have to pay taxes. It's about taxes. And we do love Dallas. <laughs> It's about Dallas taxes. <laughs> Speaking of Japanese superstars, Twin Dome City has already signed a contract with Tokyo Dome Corporation to jointly hold some events. Joint operations should make it easier. What, they got to open a surgery center just to make ends meet? Well, we've also got a real estate office here. <laughs> We got joint operations. We got knee operations down the hall. You can get jerked yeah, off. Yeah. We also got yeah. We got a uh, happy ending massage parlor yep. down on the third floor. Happy ending dome. Um, we call it happy ending dome. Happy ending for <laughs> your your penile dome uh, there. And uh, we've also got real estate dome. And uh, <laughs> they just completely disaggregate the meaning of the word dome it doesn't actually mean got, a physical dome it's more of a state of mind pie dome and uh <laughs> not sky dome we got the <laughs> we got the uh we got the the japan postal dome yep, here postal as dome, well sure, and, sure uh just uh you know the Penile laundry dome definitely laundry sounds dome. Like a place you'd see in like shinjuku and have to walk down into the like subterranean level to get to the penile dome. The penile dome. Who knows what it means in Japanese, but that's how it translates. And you go in there, and within 15 minutes, you're nutting all over the ceiling. Let's that's be right. honest. 
<laughs> Let's be perfectly clear about what's happening here. No, you, you you save up all that money. You're excited to get there, and like two minutes later, <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> exactly. There's nothing funnier to me than like, you know, as long as it's you know, it's not funny in a way. As long as it's not you know involving children, because that's obviously horrific. But you what? know, it's sex tourism. Like the idea of somebody it like totally like saving up their money, like the alarm goes off in their house in. <laughs> You know, some American in New York somewhere, and they wake up, and they rub their eyes, and they get showered, and they have all their bags packed, and they get on the train, and the train takes them all the way to the airport, and then they get on the they have to wait all day on the tarmac, and then they fly twelve, fourteen hours through the skies, whipping traffic on the way there. The, the the turbulence of the airplane, the intensity of the flight, a hard landing, you got to wait to get picked up at the airport, and you got to arrange all the the customs logistics, and you got to fetch your luggage, and you got to get something to eat. You have to navigate this new country with. Uh, you know, this unfamiliar language and unfamiliar signage. You go through all that. You finally catch a cab. It's, of course, it's two hours from the airport before you get to your of hotel. Course. You get to your hotel. You finally check in. You're exhausted. You put all your shit in the um, in the drawers and everything. You unpack your bag to whatever degree is reasonable. Uh, you might take a quick shower, and then you hit the sack. You fall asleep. You wake up. Um, you get dressed. You get showered. You get breakfast. You walk to the train station, and you take the train to the place where you came to get a nut, and it's over in 25 seconds, and then you're back. Oh! 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 fuck me! Oh, shit! And then you get, <laughs> then you get back on the train uh, and go back to your hotel. Oh, well, now I'll go see the Anne Frank house. <laughs> oh, that's where they're going. To Amsterdam. Very interesting. And then they fly home, and that's it. There's nothing funnier <laughs> than all that effort and all that money. You know what I mean? Just for this like moment. Just just do something that you could have done at your own <laughs> house right. by yourself or fucking hired somebody to do oh, it. Oh, my God. I love it. Oh, incredible. Oh, shit. Um, all right. Tours. Joint operators should make it easier to attract foreign performers to Japan and diversify business risk. And Isao Nakayuchi met with Yoshi, uh, Yoshikuni Kamachika president of Nagasaki Holland Village Corporation in February to discuss possible cooperation. Hmm, Holland Village? Hmm, Holland Nash? The investors are clearly counting on the stadium's special features to help it succeed. The facility can supposedly withstand the worst weather conditions, and the 220-meter diameter, 12,000-ton roof can quietly open up to 60% of its area in just 20 minutes. The sports wow. bar with a 180-meter-long counter behind the outfield seats accommodates 1,000 customers who are allowed to visit without an entrance ticket to the Dome. They can drink and enjoy a baseball game and other events through a large glass window. Kind of mm. like how everyone watches Raw now at the Performance Center. <laughs> the membership's a little... What am, I, what am I picking up takeout? What the fuck is this plexiglass in front of me? The membership saloon's super box with spectator balconies occupies the fourth to sixth floor over the bar, and 200 rooms that look like hotel suites are equipped with sofas and refrigerators where room service and meals are available. Mm. You had Scott Norton's attention. Yeah, that's right. The <laughs> adamant <laughs> meals are meals available. Here. Excuse me. No, wait. Excuse me. Wait a minute. We got meals. <laughs> I ain't going if we don't got meals. Yes, Norton's son. We have meals. All right. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Long night, Scott. Oh, busted what? your wheel, busted open in the match with Stinger. Good stuff, though. Uh, you did well. Yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah, well, that's clear. You gotta... Like... Can... 
Hey, would you mind? You know, I just look. Would you mind? Don't tell anybody. Would you mind throwing these wasabi peas at my face? What? Look, could you slap me in the face with this salmon? Just, just do it, please. You got food? <laughs> you don't want to eat it, Scott? No, well, not, not until I get slapped in the face. It's a thing. Listen, <laughs> I don't like eating sushi until I have it smothered all over my body. <laughs> this is the gentleman, I believe, who last week on this show requested hyper-specific instruction on how to go about curing himself like a salami. He wanted to enter a curator. He wanted a curator, if you will. Listen, I need a fucking curator like the fucking Manhattan Museum of Art. Absolutely. All this, right. This man wants to enter a humidor for humans. I need... I... Listen, I can't eat until I reek of it. So get your hands dirty and rub it. Scott, is that is that bathtub full of tuna? Smells like ass Listen, in here. I can't eat until I smell like fish. All right? Normal. Normal guy stuff. Now, I I'm a little hurting here because I got busted open. Yeah. So I need someone to rub the tuna over me. Are and then that, I can eat. Are you that man? <laughs> can you do that, please? Do I hear you? Please, man, can can you fucking help me, please? Let me let me take let me tell let me take you to a place called Tiskiji. Okay, we'll go to the market. I, I don't need that. I just need the tuna rubbed on my body so I can eat my fucking dinner. All right, fine. I'll rub I'll rub your body down with tuna. That's all. I'm, look, I know it's weird to you, but it's not weird to me. It's the kind of the thing that has to happen. Right. I can't eat till I smell like fucking fish. Okay, uh, there's more, this article says. A 12-meter tall, 35.2-meter wide screen should attract visitors even if no events are on the schedule in the dome, what officials the say. What does that mean? No, th no, it won't. If there's nothing on the screen, what the fuck? Like a movie, you mean, maybe? I saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off at Fenway Park one time. That was weird. Oh, that's fun. Um, Iseo Nakayuchi told reporters last week he will maintain investment as planned despite Japan's economic slowdown. But the Dome Project has imposed heavy financial burdens on diet group companies, industry sources said. <laughs> so the whole article was about what's, what's cool about it, and then the, they just added an unattributed line of skepticism at the end. Good stuff. Let's not forget. Oh. All right. We got to do Listen. Yeah, I know. We got to write the facts. Fucking Cronkite. The facts are this. Why well, there are some great things out there. Yeah. There are also some consequences. <laughs> yep. Might as well just hang that, job, hang that above the entrance. All right. Our job as journalists, as respectable journalists, is to remind people of the consequences of their daily lives. Almost exclusively to remind people of the consequences. In fact, to speculate. Now, maybe it's exciting that you're living today and that, mm -hmm. let me say this, to the, to the average reader, let me tell the average reader this. It may be an incredible feat that you live today. That you went about your day and you didn't die. That may be an incredible feat and an absolutely amazing thing that happened to you. But think of the consequences about the fact who suffered because you didn't die. That's right. That's okay. what needs to be on your mind. How about you know, this? Let's look at it this way. Okay. Here's my assignment to you, Reporter X. This uh, big Fukuoka Dome. Um, 
is obviously a gleaming tower of America of Jap American Japanese ingenuity. <laughs> the gleaming tower of terror. Of is terror. What it is. But but observers say that the financial toll may be too heavy to bear. So I need you to go do that. Okay, boss. Well, who would these observers be? What do you Dave think Meltzer. No. What do you think your job is? It's to find those observers. But wait, what if they don't say that? Well, then you failed. What? <laughs> then you didn't do your job right. Because there are guaranteed to be people who are observing who exactly. think negatively on this. And if you don't find them, what kind of a man are you? What kind of a journalist are you? You have failed. Look, we both know, if push comes to shove, there are people we can call who will say it's under pressure. We know this. Why don't you go out there and really prove that it might act, that my hunch as an editor may actually be true and find someone to say it before we have to go now, to the you listen to me. people? You listen to me, you fucking... Righteous piece of shit. Exactly. Right. Take right. a stand for what exactly? Now this you is your listen, job. You know, at work, there's no there's no time to take a stand. Okay, we're here to fucking tell people the facts, and facts are not good. Facts are not out there to be good. Dreams That's are right. good. Fantasies are good. Would you ever trust uh, if someone told you something about them that was flattering? Would you consider that a fact? No. But if, if someone, someone told that and, something, if someone told if you someone, something about themselves that was not flattering. Mm. You would believe it's a fact, right? If someone came up and told you that you were a good-looking person, would you believe them? Right. I don't believe them. If I don't someone... need people to tell me that I am attractive or unattractive. I know what I am in my mind. Someone okay? came up to you and, and said they... And I know they... that there are consequences for that action. Right. I understand that because I believe one way that other people are now suffering because of my belief. I'm willing to write about both things. That's right. That's right. My belief and the suffering it causes. Okay. If someone came to you and told you that they have a million dollars, would you believe them? No. If someone came to you and told you they lost a million dollars, would you believe them? Yes. Why? Both are equally likely to be true. How can you lose a million if you didn't have a million? But, but, the bias is always toward the negative fact, because who would ever disclose that unless it were true? Mm -hmm. Therefore, right. nothing that is flattering that someone ever says can be true. Compliments are not true. Happy things are not true. Happy things are fantasy. I need you to get me the facts. Facts are negative. That's correct. That's facts correct. reveal the underbelly of the world. Correct. You heard and the I'm great telling quote, you right you know, now. You heard the great quote. Uh, you know, journalism is printing things, publishing things that people wouldn't want you to know. Everything else is public relations. So unless you're putting something down. In the paper that no one would want them to know about, that no one would want anybody to know about them, it's not facts. Let me, let me tell you this. I want to know that the Fukuoka Dome is going to be a success, that it's going to have these incredible things. What I don't want to know is that the building itself is not stable and can collapse at any minute. <laughs> now, what do you think? What do you think are the real facts there? Right. What I want. The fact that I want it to be a success or the fact that it has unstable units in the basement and it's going to collapse. Well, sir, do you, do you know that for a fact? What is a fact? That's the question. We decide the facts around here. I think the media decides the facts, sir. And you decide the media. <laughs> and the media is telling you to decide this. And the media is, deciding, is telling you to decide to accept your responsibilities as a journalist.
and the lapsed fan tells you to accept your responsibilities as a Solar System member every single week. Damn. You're damn right. So Wrestling Duntaku in Fukuoka took place uh, in conjunction here with the Hakata Duntaku, a festival held annually in Fukuoka, with uh, over a thousand years of history, or n nearly a thousand years, I should say, of history. Um, very significant um, street festival with, um, with costuming and dancing and all kinds of tradition uh, roped into it. Not unlike the, uh, the May Day um, parades of North Korea. <laughs> Actually, quite unlike them, I'm sure, in a lot of ways. I was going to say... <laughs> Only people's lives were endangered. Fukuoka. The first week in May is known as Golden Week in Japan, which is that holiday I mentioned before. And uh, there's often major sports and entertainment events taking place around there. So New Japan, obviously, with a strategy I want in. here. I want in. Yeah, someone said sports and sports entertainment. Sports and entertainment. That's right, boss. There's I'm only in. one man up to that task. I'm a taskmaster. That's correct. Like Kevin Sullivan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Kevin Sullivan. He now, a driveway. Shuffle my walk. <laughs> we can't, um, you know, we can't underestimate the importance of Tenryu and his exploits to why New Japan was so hot at this time. We've already touched on it. The fact that he left New Japan in 1990 to form SWS and then created war after that, as we've talked about on Pain Off the Pacific, and then came back to New Japan with war wrestlers in tow, including Great Kabuki and some others that are included on this card, um, is hugely significant, and it's part of why there's such an extra intensity and interest in matches involving Tenryu and his squad at this point in time. Mm. Um, and it's, it's reflected, I think, in the positivity here. It helped the Three Musketeers reach a different level. Tenryu just comes here, boss, and just king makes all fucking day. Oh, king makes. yeah. So the card is settled, and... Um, and as mentioned, uh, did um, you know, did kind of short of what would have been a sellout, which would have been Jesus upwards of you know, eighty thousand people potentially. So Jesus, uh, that was that. They broke it up in terms of television airings into three different airings. Um, did not air live as a continuous event anywhere in Japan uh, on April. Pardon me, May eighth, May fifteenth, and May twenty ninth in Japan. The May eighth show ended up featuring the Hogan versus Muda match and did an eight point four rating. The May 15th show had the Inoki and Fujinami versus Choshu and Tenryu match, and that did a 9.8 rating. Wow. So that'd be a demonstration of where the public's interest lied. And the May 29th show, uh, which aired kind of odds and ends matches, did a 7.0 rating. And uh, the $108,000 payoff for Antonio Inoki that I threw out there during a skit at the top was actually the reported uh, payoff for him for this show. Wow. And... Um, Hogan expected to be just a bit underneath that. Meltzer reporting several times that it's about $100,000, uh, more of an approximation figure that he was putting out there, but he didn't retract it, so I assume uh, it wasn't met with a um, a huge what-the-fuck-are-you-talking-about kind of response. <laughs> so uh, you could probably put Hogan down for f six figures before taxes on this one. All right. And the local promoter for the event, and I know this because New Japan World during the pandemic had Kevin Kelly, their American announcer, do some English voiceovers for some classic matches in the New Japan World vault, including the Hogan vs. Muda match from this show, in which he mentions that, in fact, the local promoter in Fukuoka for New Japan in 1993 was Naoki Sugabayashi, who now is the chairman of the board of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Wow. And uh, New Japan's website actually did a cool interview uh, with Sugabayashi, uh, I think back in 2018, upon the 10th consecutive Dontaku show at Fukuoka, asking him some questions about how he opened up the market and opened up the dome. 
couple of choice quotes here that add some color. Um, let's see. So it was reintroduced in 2009. It actually took a bit of a hiatus. They did uh, Dontaku shows from 93 to 95. And then in 2000 and 2001, then it came back in 2009 as part of really a revival all around for New Japan, which had a very depressed early 2000s before the rise of Hiroshi Tanahashi and his contemporaries. Uh, and he said Fukuoka was always a place worth running. It's a big city with big venues, and you get out what you put in. That's all connected to the nature of the area, I think. It's very populated, and the people are very friendly. I think now as then, there will be fans finding the Fukuoka rep just to tell him they had a good time at the show. It's right at the... Uh, I'm just looking at it right now, by yeah. the way. It is... It's like right on the beach. It is maybe... It looks like... 10 yards from the beach. All the more reason to head out, huh? Like, my God, what a what a venue. Talking about what the decision spot. to run Maybe it. like 20, no, maybe 100 yards. I don't know. Maybe Something 100 like yards. That. Something like that. Hello? Talking about the decision to run in 93, Sugibayashi said, that decision got passed <clears> down, <throat> and it was really unsettling for me because I was the only rep for the company in Fukuoka at the time. I formed a team with two other people underneath me. It was my first time being in charge of a team, and we started working really early. Usually we'd start preparing for a show about six weeks out. This time it was six months before, and I rented out an office standing by. The booking was made before the dome was actually open. When I went to see the plans, the seating chart wasn't even done yet. Then when we did get the seating plans and got ready to put tickets to press, it was orders of magnitude more in terms of the volume than we'd done before. But what was really heartening was Saichi Sakaguchi, who was the president of New Japan at the time, was willing to come down and help. Sakaguchi was from Kurume, a city in the Fukuoka prefecture, and had a lot of clout in his hometown. He knew every single important businessman in the area by name, even if they weren't familiar with or connected to NJPW. You. Look at that. Glad handing. Saiji right. Sakaguchi, boss. Your local connection on the ground. That's right. Um, as part of production, uh, Sakaguchi would have to Sak- Sakaguchi would have to visit the fire station and police beforehand, and it would be the chief of police that would come to greet him. And KBC, the local Asahi TV affiliate, was very familiar with him, so we were able to get a lot of promotion for the show. He says he's grateful to Sakaguchi, and... Um, and that uh, many seniors from the sales department around made him feel at the time that if he screwed up, he wouldn't get a second chance at New Japan Pro Wrestling around Wrestling Dontaku 1993. So, wow. right. as he says, quote, I really had to show my own fighting spirit. He says New Japan was the only okay. <laughs> was only the second non-baseball attraction in Fukuoka Dome. Before us was a concert with Yasui Inoue and Tetsuya Takeda, who were from Fukuoka. So the building was still kind of an attraction in itself. People wanted to visit it and check it out. And they asked about the name, uh, the name Wrestling Dontaku. He says that name came from the head of sales at the time. He was from Western Japan and mentioned that at the same time, there was a festival called the Hakata Dontaku. That sparked a discussion over whether we would even, we could even use the word Dontaku. Uh, We did our homework as far as trademarks were concerned, and it all checked out. Dontaku actually comes, he says, from a French word meaning festival or holiday. Uh, First impressions are everything. We had a press conference announcing the full card a month out and hosted a festival in a hotel the night before, which you see clips of on the version of the show we will review here today. He says, I remember Eric Bischoff and a bunch of the WCW reps getting uh, tonkatsu ramen from a food stand on the riverbank. Ah. Eric Bischoff getting ramen? (laughs) He takes a jog in North Korea and he just wants to taste the local ramen. You know? He's such a fan of ramen. (laughs) He's got to take that jog first. Yeah. Being into ramen is a very, like, 
And look, it's delicious. I'm into ramen. Yes. But letting people know you're into ramen is a very, I know. like, you're just trying to try to impress people. You know what it's I mean? Like, I mean, it's like, what's to impress? <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah. I, mean, I love, I love, I mean, I love ramen. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I've made quite a few ramen dishes and it's, it's glorious, but like, you know, I'm go bragging about it. <laughs> <laughs> the walk-up business was huge, he says, of the show. It became legendary almost. 4,000 tickets sold on the day of the event. Wow, that's a pretty good walk-up. 4,000 tickets. That kind of thing might have happened. Uh, what do we got going on? Oh, wrestling, huh? I've always been curious. <laughs> I usually have that up in Tokyo, not down here. Never compelled to take the we're a little, hour drive, yeah. We're a little classier than Tokyo. Right. Going to have to do All a right, lot I'll see what uh, I'll see what's happened in the big city. Fuck it. Right? Fuck in Tokyo. That kind of thing might have happened at the Dome, Sugabayashi says, Tokyo Dome. But it was a real record for somewhere further afield. I wasn't happy at the time, though, just burned out. As soon as the show started, I was just praying the show would end without any injuries or incidents. Right before showtime, I'm at my busiest, and the head of sales tells me to go and greet Antonio Inoki. So three of us from the sales division are in the locker room saying, thanks to you, Mr. Inoki, it's a sellout. Can you imagine I have to stand at this guy and thank him as if he's the Buddha statue? You uh, know what I mean? It is. Uh, okay, so... Uh, one of the things required, just before we make our final uh, our final uh, uh, signatures here, it is required that uh, people, that when it does sell out, that everyone thanks Mr. Inoki. Okay? Do we all agree to that? Is that uh, by fair? By we mean subject yourself to a slap across the face. And no by that I mean you have to get on your knees and right. accept pain right. from Mr. Inoki while saying thank you for the pain, <laughs> thank you for the sellout. Is that, uh, <laughs> is that okay with everybody here? Life is pain. Sellout is pain. It's all That's the same. Right. Salesmanship is pain. Mm -hmm. Do you? Does anyone disagree? Are we good? Yes. Okay, great. Sugibayashi says he was already, though, in fighting mode. He tells all of us to clench our teeth and then wax us one by one. <laughs> this fucking guy. Can I find a way to convince people that it's okay to slap them across the face? That it's an oh. honor, in fact, to be slapped across the face? Because I would have a hell Why of a time walking around slapping people. Man, Why not? I pick, Go I for pick it. the right people. Put me in charge of deciding who should get slapped across the face. I will not let you down. Jesus. Back That's then, the Inoki slap wasn't really a famous thing, he says, so we didn't know what was going on. <laughs> He's just attacking them for the sellout. <laughs> uh, one of the staff actually thanked Inoki, said it fixed his sore neck. I just thought I have. Yeah, because so that's only because your face was a little more sore at the time than your neck. And then when you went home that night, you realized, oh, shit. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Mr. Inoki. You made something else hurt worse than my neck. That's right. Thus relieving the pain. They ask Subiyashi, how did you feel? He says, I just thought I have so much to do. Why me? Just question marks. <laughs> there you go. That's the real. Oh, that's the Jimmy Barnett of the, of the group there. Oh, come on. Do I have to do this? I got so much to do. Why am I? All right, fine. <sighs> Thank you, Mr. Noki. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck. God. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Jimmy. Taking one for the team and not the first time. No That's way. the thing about Jimmy. He takes one even if it's not for the team. It's right. <laughs> he takes it for himself and the team. <laughs> he takes it and then waits for the team to ask him to do it for them and says, it's yeah. already in the bank. Uh, already in the can. So there you go. Um, 
Now, one other thing we learned on this show and in 1993 in general, boss, is that Hulk Hogan is a package deal. <laughs> if you're going to hire Hulk Hogan heretofore, it's Hulk Hogan and friends that you're inking if contracts. You're, if you're going to hire Hulk Hogan, you also have to hire Brutus Beefcake's mask. Ed Leslie steps into a New Japan ring and pins Masa Saito at Wrestling Dontaku. I won't even repeat it. That's bad enough. But what's worse yes. is that he's wearing the fucking mask. What is up with that mask? I mean, did we discover that it was a legit injury that he had? Oh, yeah. Remember we explained the whole... We did the whole blow-by-blow blow in that Saturday night's main event when he came back to help the Hulkster about how he took the, uh, the parasail right in the face. Yeah, that was in 1990. This is 1993. Yeah. yeah. I know that... Oh, they the had the, um, the jet ski accident, too, that hurt... Um, Hogan's face, but this was his. He had no, just no, come back. This, was, and, this yeah. was Briefkick comes back. He wrestles IRS on Raw, right? And he gets smashed in the face with the, with the 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 briefcase. And the gimmick was that he broke his nose, and so he had to wear the protective mask at WrestleMania. Was well, that a legit? Using, no, they were using his real past incident as heat. But so that wasn't a legit injury. He did not need the mask. In 1993. So what the fuck is he wearing the mask for in Japan a month after WrestleMania? Where he was not wearing the mask. He wore the mask at WrestleMania, but he took it off at some point. But now he's wearing it again. Like a month after. Like it makes no sense. It's stupid. I hate it. Look at his face. He's in the ring. What is he doing? What is he doing? Making an ass out of himself. That's what um, he is. So going back to, we'll actually turn to but, Beefcake's book on this if you want. Uh, by the way, um, my wife just texted me some some pictures here. Uh oh. By the way, um, and it's a list of Donald Trump's largest donors. Vince and Linda McMahon sure. are number one under the sports section. Number sports. one. Under what, the sports what is this section. fucking Suncoast video? I know, Vince right? is number one under the sports section. And he's also number one under clothing because he owns Tap Out Clothing brand. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Jesus. What a disgrace. British Beefcake. So we're riding around raising speaking hell. Of, speaking oh. of disgraces. Yeah. This is the story on the, the injury around WrestleMania 9. Might as well talk about it since he wears right. a stupid mask. Uh, this is from his book, which I'd recommend highly, Strutting and Cutting. <clears throat> so we are riding around raising hell on these Polaris 750 triple wave riders with directionals. On these toys, you would use a switch on throttle to get more power by thrusting up or down. They were small, but you could almost stop on a dime. They were so strong. You could make a real sharp right or left turn. Then you could just take off like 55 miles an right. hour. I've already got a nauseous feeling as to where this is going. Has he not learned yet that oh, no. him and water vehicles are not... Oh, no. They don't go hand in hand. Oh, we've They're... just begun. I did a loop, and then out of nowhere, I see Hogan fall backward in the water as his jet ski darted upwards. It's oh, like... brother! Pretty much. Fucking water, dude. Roll me up, dude. Water does it again. It flipped around in the air and came down front first, hitting him in the head. Whap. I thought he was dead. I zipped over and couldn't see him. He had gone under the water. Flashbacks of my own accident started to hit me. I started to worry and circled around the area, when all of a sudden, he resurfaced. Oof. 
Hoof. With his hand over his eye. Oh, Hogan. brother. Come WrestleMania, we went in for our physicals. Hogan had a big bandage on his eye. So there was that. I remember there was the, the jet ski, and that accounted for why Hulk Hogan's eye was Hogan. black at WrestleMania 9. But I, yes. no, I don't think Beefcake, I think that was, was just actually an injured. It was just a fucking yeah. a gimmick. Absolutely. Um, okay. Why? I knew that once I got back into the ring that some of the boys were going to be hesitant around certain things with me. They all knew about the accident. Vince even had a clause put into my contract that nobody was supposed to hit me in the face unless it was first cleared. I didn't, however, want to ever translate that to ever translate to looking weak on the television screen. Totally. We are going to mania with this. So hit me hard. It will be fine. I told, I guess IRS. Yeah. Just make sure you hit me with the center of the case. This is to set up the tag magic mania, of yep. course. Okay, so when here the, we go. This is, this is this it. it. When the spot came, Rotundo delivered. I covered my face and went down. He caved the briefcase in. Everything was fine. Jimmy came in to console me and passed me a blade. I got some color and looked a mess. The medics came out to the ring and took me out in a stretcher. I left the ring with a concerned Jimmy Hart right by my side. I felt it was a perfect setup for us. I don't remember him getting color, but okay. I don't either, actually. When I got back to the locker room, it was evident that the boys felt the same way. It was nice to see the support. They were happy I was back in the ring where I belonged. And that's that. So, no, it was a gimmick. So he's wearing this mask anyway. <laughs> Looking like a fucking... I mean, he looks... He looks like a child dressing up as Ultimate all, Warrior for Halloween. For, <laughs> seriously. First of all, he looks like an idiot anyway, and his, his style does not translate well oh. into the Japanese ring, especially against a guy like fucking... Massa Saito, and he's wearing the fucking mask. He's such an idiot. I think uh, Massa Saito actually was the one, the New Japan emissary that flew to Florida to cut the deal and ink the deal with Terry. So while there, perhaps. Well, you know, dude, what I'm thinking, brother, is. Yeah. What are you doing on May 3rd? I mean, well, are, you, are, are you working, brother? Right. Uh, are you working the, uh, the show, dude? Or are you just, you know, doing behind the scenes stuff, brother? Ed, come out here. He walks out of the uh, I was thinking about, you know, you know, you know, Bruda eye brother, you know, he's he's open, dude. You know, he's he's around, brother. You know, might, might as well have him on the show, dude. You know. I'll tell you what, brother, I'll tell you, how about I put it like this, dude. If you don't wanna if you, like it's totally cool, brother. If you don't want to put him on the show, dude, that's fine, brother. But then I won't work the show. How's that sound, dude? Right. It's fine. It'll just so Red, if you don't want to, if you don't let, we're here to discuss. I'll tell you what, brother, I'll do one better, dude. Yeah. If you don't job to Brutus, brother, it's totally mm-hmm. cool, dude. Right. I just won't ever come to Japan again, brother. <laughs> How about this? I'll tell you I'm coming and not show up. Or I got one better, dude. How about I tell you I'm going to come, dude. I kick your ass right now, brother. Yeah. And then I no show after I cash the check, dude. How about that? How's that sound, brother? In other words... You can't in other words, lights for big old Ed here on the show. In other words, you might as well lie down right now, dude. And exactly. Fucking Ed, cover you, brother. No, do it. I want to see it, brother. Lie down, dude. Masses. Get down on your fucking back, brother. Don't, don't, no, get, don't get behind don't, me, brother. Don't, 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 sit, don't sit the fuck down, dude, on the goddamn floor, brother. I want you to rest your shoulders on the mat, dude. Brudai, go down, brother. Lay on top of Saito, dude. Saito, don't you fucking move, brother. Sit the fuck down, brother. Brudai, down. Now. Down. On top of Saito, dude. Jimmy. Count the three, brother. One, two, three. There we go, dude. See, it wasn't that hard, brother. 
You can do that again in front of 65,000 people, brother. In Fukunakaduku. You can do that, dude. Right, brother? You did it in front of Hulk Hogan, dude. In front of Jimmy Hart, brother. You can do it in front of 65,000 people. You did it in front of Hulk Hogan. That's what he says. Uh, you know what else you got to do? That's not the only paper we have to pass. The Ed Leslie contract. Um, which, by the way, okay, look. All the power to him. Far be it from me to begrudge anybody. But he says in his book he made $10,000 cash for one night in 1993. Beefcake doing this match. I mean, Beefcake had, should have paid them for the chance to be on this card and pin really? Masa Saito. So he gets ten grand for Brutus, and they listen, also... dude. I want, I want to get listen, brother. Bruta gets, Bruta gets ten grand, dude. And you take. Let me tell you this, brother. And you lose. He gets over. <laughs> he gets. He gets over ten grand, brother. Yeah. Because I don't want him get having taxes taken out from his ten grand. That's dude. right. That's right. Right. You take home the above 10 grand. that. You take. You take out whatever you, you figure can take out. Whatever out gimmicks you got so in that, that Japanese tax system, you make sure. Right, brother. With so 10 that he, so that he comes back with ten grand in pocket, dude. That's right. And he pins your ass, brother. And you look like a bitch. That's the deal. And it's going to cost him a quarter million dollars to get Hulk Hogan into this ring. And you got to fucking, and listen, dude. And you got to pay for his flight, brother. You got to do all that shit, dude. I ain't paying That's for that I mean. shit. But hey, not only that. After we ink exhibit, a, uh, you know, addendum A for Ed Leslie, let's talk about my nephew, Horace, brother. Oh, boy. Because New Japan Pro Wrestling signed Horace Boulder as part of this deal. And had him debut on the March 1993 tour. Now, dude, also, brother, you know, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Let me tell you, dude, I'll, I'll tell you. I, I, it's just coming to my head, brother. Right. So, you know, dude, we, you know, my, my, my nephew, Horace, brother, you know, he's, he's, he's a pretty good worker, dude. He's been, you know, I've been, I've been kind of training him the same way that, uh, you know, Matsuda trained me, brother, you know, breaking his legs and stuff like that, dude. I think he could be a good attribute for new japan brother in fact i think he could be such a great attribute that i wanted my contract brother that if i go to new japan to to destroy muda that you also hire horace boulder brother that's not an option dude you're gonna do it brother or i'm gonna kick your ass right now dude horace was working uh, under a mask as the predator uh, on WWF tapings at that point in time. Um, he's, the, now. he's the predator, brother. <laughs> in the ranks of New Japan. He's the guy, the guy that women date before they date, brother. It's the predator. The predator. So they got that done uh, for Hogan to come in. And like I said, initially, there was buzz of Hogan versus Vader. That's what they wanted to do. That didn't happen. And Antonio Inoki versus Jinichiro Tenryu. Uh, that's, you know, obviously the big match here that we've kind of built to ever since Tenryu came back to the organization. But that wouldn't happen until January 4th, 1994. You know, I love Tenru. I love him. I think he's great. He's He has more than proved himself to me over the course of this journey. But he always looks like he's half asleep. Oh, yeah. He's got that look on his face. Like He's got a look on his face. Like, at any moment, he's going to say, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Exactly. Where am I? Right. He's kind of cherubic. Kind of foppish. Yes. Um. Now, at the time, WWF still had breaks their, your arm. Right. WWF still had their loose alliance with uh, Tenryu's war promotion, the outgrowth of the SWS, still sending talent to war shows. So, you know, it it wasn't this huge departure for Hulk Hogan to uh, come into an organization that Tenryu was working with, but still, mm-hmm. uh, 
telling that Hogan's the only WWF guy on the show or anywhere right. near Japan at this point of in time. Uh, so, yeah, they sign up Horace Boulder. And uh, really, how amazing is it in 1993, you know, with all the disruption that happened in 92 in the business, in 91 even, 93 is the year when everything gets back to normal. Hogan comes in, back to WWF, on top. Flair comes back to WCW, on top. Yep, yep. Things are as they should be again for a brief moment in 1993. Hogan <laughs> returning to uh, WWF on the February 22nd, Monday Night Raw, doing a promo to set up the WrestleMania tag match with Money, Inc. that we talked about. And uh, then there was talk that Hogan might team with Antonio Inoki on the May 3rd Fukuoka Dome show and uh, go back to kind of a semi-regular schedule with the WWF. Of course, Thunder in Paradise is on his schedule to shoot in the tail end of 1993. And he ended up, of course, skipping town with the WWF after the uh, the European tour in the summer of 1993 and going to shoot that film. And it's on the set of that movie that, in fact, uh, so Eric Bischoff wacky. meets with him. It, it's still so wacky to me to think that that Hogan was still in the WWE throughout the summer, but just not on TV. Yeah, it is really weird. I mean, he only does the European tour, really. It's not like if he went to house shows after King of the Ring, you would see much of him. We'll right. go through it in detail here soon, but he had made that promise to do the European tour, and that was considered... Uh, I just think that's so weird. I mean, we talked about it before. Yeah. Again, I'm going to presume King of the Ring. Yeah. But it is so bizarre to me that Hogan was still there... Like, if you went in to international shows, you would see Hogan or could see Hogan wrestling. All would still have been right with the world if you were in yep. Germany, let's say. Yep. yep. Amazing. Then there starts to be talk of Anoki versus Tenryu and Hogan versus Muda, or maybe Anoki and Hogan versus Tenryu and Choshu. So this is very much taking shape in the weeks and months leading up to the show, which is definitely a trend we've detected in reviewing yeah. the Big Dome shows for New Japan. Tenryu is actually asked to work WrestleMania 9 by the WWF. Oh, shit. But ended up turning it down because it conflicted with uh, some appearances he had to do for war. Did they say who? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Never saw an opponent proposed. Actually, um, I know they were talking about him maybe wrestling Mike Tyson at some point. That would have been great. Maybe that would have been, you know, Vegas, right? Tyson Tenru. <laughs> the one everyone's been waiting to see. The modern day Anoki Ali is what it That's is. That's it. Tyson and Tenru. Mm-hmm. Tenru and Tyson, God damn it! Hey, look, they both, oh. they both throw in Zaguris. That's Eno- true. Enoki and Tenryu. Um, so that's that. Another thing they were looking for, of course, Liger works Tiger Mask 3 on this show. Uh, Tiger Mask 3 being Koji Kanemoto. There was actually some energy towards getting the original Tiger Mask, Satoru Sayama, who had completely abandoned the professional wrestling business after forming Shuto in 1986, wrote a book that basically exposed the business and disappeared into the... He started business. working... This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
So he started working pro shooto. Pro shooto, correct. That's right. Much like Bruno San Martinez. <laughs> Did he get Bruno to come on board? <laughs> drizzle it with oil, and you're good as gold. <laughs> drizzle, drizzle Bruno with oil, and he's ready to pro shooto. Look, Bruno was a regular at the deli counter. I don't know how well, if I if there's any other way to put it. The man could work a deli counter like any opponent. He took that ticket, but he didn't, he didn't have to. You see, he would uh, always be able to get to the front of the line, but he oh, took the ticket just to keep up his everyman. The pro shooter is the headliner. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. So, yeah, Sayama just skulks away from the business, and then suddenly they release uh, in 93 or late 92 kind of like a greatest hits video compilation, including Laserdiscs. Laserdiscs were... Um, the Japanese wrestling companies were early adopters of laser discs. They were all these oh shit, so weird. Highly collectible New Japan laser discs, and they were completists from the beginning. When it comes to home video, like it was about releasing every match a wrestler ever had in a series of tapes. They were just incredible. Japanese VHS releases from the, those companies in the nineties um, for for domestic consumption. And yeah, they do like this Best of Tiger Mask, and it kind of reinvigorates interest in the character in the original Satoru Sayama. So there's entrees made to see if he can come in and actually wrestle again, Hmm. being at 35 years old. But uh, obviously that doesn't happen. Sayama does kind of publicly lend his name to Kanemoto as kind of a a protege. Of course, the second Tiger Mask being Mitsuharu Masawa. By now, he's definitely removed the mask and risen to the top of All Japan Pro Wrestling. He's all all Japan all the time. All the time. And wasn't he when he was Tiger Mask? When he was Tiger Mask, wasn't he in all Japan? Yeah, he was. It so was, how does the gimmick go over to New Japan? Yeah, it was. Um, it was an interesting thing because after it was created in New Japan, uh, Baba bought up the rights to it and put it on Misawa, and then they gave up the rights after Misawa gave it up, and New Japan got it back. Wow! Pretty much what happened. Yeah, it was almost bartered throughout the eighties, and. Uh, yeah, so they pick Koji Kanemoto, who has recently been the subject of some unflattering headlines in Japan, having had a domestic incident where his wife was beat up a little bit, but that's neither here nor there, I suppose. Um, Interesting. Became Tiger Mask, and it's Kanemoto under the hood facing Liger on this show, debuting, I think, in September of... Um, no, fast forward to September, and they have a rematch. So this was always supposed to be a Liger-Tiger Mask series of bouts. So the finish here in Fukuoka Dome, hardly indicative of, like, you know the beginning, middle, and end of this story. Later yeah. in September, at this point, Eddie Guerrero had come into the New Japan Junior Heavyweight Division as Black Tiger. They have a, a Tiger Mask. Uh, they have Black Tiger score clean pins over Tiger Mask and Jushin Liger um, to set himself up for a shot at Liger's championship. And uh, as part of that program, Jushin Liger gets his win back from Tiger Mask, pinning him wow. uh, in September. So there's more public flirtations about Hogan coming in. He's on the cover of the, the big weekly gong wrestling magazine in Japan all of a sudden. So there's clearly something going on, but he's kind of making comments uh, mm-hmm. that, that, that the deal isn't inked and that, you know, nothing's final, but everything in Japan is pointing to it being a done deal. Um, it was announced on the March 23rd New Japan show that Muda um, suddenly would be out of action for three months due to an injury, a legitimate injury. Mm-hmm. This match almost didn't happen. Um, Muda gets injured on the show when he's gorilla-pressed by power warrior Kensuke Sasaki, who's also in action on Wrestling Dontaku. He gets a gorilla-press slam to the floor and hurts his his knee. And the thought was uh, he'd be totally out of the show, but eventually the prognosis improved and he got in there. And pretty soon magazine advertisements start listing Hogan as appearing on the May 3rd show. 
Beefcake and Jimmy Hart start to be mentioned as well. There was apparently a press conference after WrestleMania. I don't know if this was a WWF event or what it was, where Hogan was asked about Japan and again said he'd, according to the Observer, love to go, but said he hadn't signed a contract yet. This is despite Mm. advertisements in Japanese magazines saying he's coming. Remember, Hogan would totally deny he said what he said on videotape about the WWF championship. Uh, Well, brother, I I didn't... See, dude, well, uh, this is the thing about it, dude. Right. See, you know, what I say, people, what I say, brother, in English, dude, is sometimes translated different in Japanese, dude. And so what I said, brother, see, dude, I didn't say that the, the W title was a trinket, brother. I said that the IWGP title was a trinket, brother. But in Japan, they translated it wrong, dude, because the way that the words were done, dude, they thought that I was saying the WWE title was a trinket, brother. I believe you, Terry. <laughs> uh, so April fourth, ninety three, WrestleMania nine. Hogan wins the championship back from. Well, Yokozuna. thank you. I believe me too, brother. <laughs> yes, it's about belief. Here's the entirety of Hulk Hogan's nineteen ninety three run. His first match back in WWF is March eighth of ninety three, where he teams with Beefcake to face the Beverly Sisters in South Carolina. <laughs> Beverly Sisters. He works a TV taping, beating the Beverlys with Beefcake. He wrestles uh, IRS and DiBiase with Beefcake for the first time in Lakeland, Florida on March 19th. He does WrestleMania, wins the championship. He then uh, doesn't have another match until this one, the May 3rd, 1993 Dontaku, back in New Japan rings, beating Great Muda. He then comes back to the States and works May 21st, Pittsburgh, May 22nd, East Rutherford, May 22nd, Philadelphia. This is rematches against Money, Inc. He continues working Money, Inc. all around the circuit, including... Winnipeg, this is in June now, um, Minneapolis, Albany, Richmond, Indianapolis. Then we hit King of the Ring, June 13th, 93, where famously Yokozuna defeats Hulk Hogan with the leg drop to become WWF champion. And the, the extent of Hogan's run from there is uh, he works the next night in Columbus uh, with Beefcake beating IRS. They repeat that in Huntington, West Virginia, Rosemont, mm-hmm. Illinois, and the Boston Garden. Boss, you could have seen Hulk Hogan's last WWF match in the United in the WWF in the United States for that run. I know it was right after uh, King of the Ring. Unbelievable! I remember being I remember being promoted. I was actually very really. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was really. I I, I think I talked about this at. Um, hmm. I think I talked about this when we did King of the Ring '93. Is I remember, you know, I was n- so. I got nervous because I knew I have in the back of my mind. I said, if Hogan loses, I don't know why I had it in my mind that Hogan was going to leave, but I just had it. I had this feeling that Hogan was done. And I said, if Hogan loses the belt, he's gone. If he doesn't, obviously he's going to stick around. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. He's going to be at that Boston garden show. Like a couple days after, like or the week after King of the Ring, so I know he's going to be around. So that's okay because I know he's got that date, so he can't be quitting wow. or leaving. Look at that; it meant something to you. It did, totally did. Well, that'll be that's local market advertising for you, the way they used to do yep. it on the syndicated shows. That got right through to your ass. Totally did. I couldn't tell you the next time WWE's coming to Boston. Well, it's going to be SummerSlam if it happens, but you know what I mean. Like no clue, let alone the matches. But yeah. Back then, man, you watch that show every week. You knew if they were coming to your town. Oh, you know, you know what I hated too? I hated when they started doing the um, the generic 
uh, yeah, it's like come soon. The, the, the high, the WWE tour. is coming soon. Here, you know, here are the dates coming up next week. The WWE is going to be in your town, or it could be in your town. You know, local I mean, promos, please. Local card. Yeah, I know. Don't tell me it's the same card everybody else is getting. Let me think I'm getting this super please, exclusive match. Please, yes, make it sound like what I'm seeing is the only, is the only stuff like the, that. I only get the stuff. That's right. They used to go a long that's what way, I thought. man. They used mm-hmm. to go a really long did. way because that was back before they used to match up their top guys against each other on TV every week. So yep. when you saw that house show card and two big stars were going up against each other in a match you had never seen, I mean, that's fucking worth going to the building. For oh, that. yeah. So, uh, yeah, after the um, the Boston show, they hit the uh, the European tour I mentioned, working uh, in July and August in Austria uh, and in Germany. The final shot of that tour, London as well as Scotland, the final shot of that tour was August 6th, 93, in Sheffield, England, when Hogan beats Yokozuna by disqualification. But Hogan wasn't done in New Japan in 1993, boss. No, sir. He makes it to the G1 Climax season, September 23rd, where he teams with Great Muda to defeat Hawk and Power Warrior in a tag team match in Yokohama. Wow, so we're getting like a, another Hogan LOD match. Indeed. And, uh, Somewhat. On, uh, September 26th um, in Osaka, yeah, he beats Keiji Muto again. Thank you very much. <laughs> that probably was the date he committed uh... to to give Muto his win back and then figured something out on the day at the building. Well, you know, uh, well, I'll tell you what, brother. You know, the thing is, dude, I'm thinking about working, I mean... You know, dude, I was thinking about, look. Yeah, you're thinking about working all right, Terry. I just think that perhaps, you know, dude. You've been working ever since you stepped off the fucking plane. brother, here's the thing, dude. The timing needs to be right, brother, to get that win, dude. You know, beating Hulk Hogan, that's a big thing, brother. I mean, look what we did for Yokozuna, dude, in America, brother. The timing just has to be right, dude. And I feel like the timing's not right yet, brother. I feel like I got to beat you at least another 6, 10, 18, 20 times. And uh, then, dude, the time will be right, brother. And then he wraps up the Japan run uh, with the January 4th, 94 Dome Show, beating Tatsumi Fujinami in a similarly spirited match to the Muta, <laughs> Tenryu, and Hanson matches we've talked about. Uh, I'd like you to consider, boss, that th- that match with Muta in late 93, this match with Fujinami, this is a Hulk Hogan committed to no office in particular. I invite you to consider That's a so world crazy. in which Hulk Hogan is neither WWF nor WCW. <laughs> and he's working Japan. We are wondering where Hulk Hogan is, and he's in Japan. That's right. And uh, Hulk Hogan would only work one other match after that Fujinami match in Japan, and that was back on October 13th, 2003, when he returned to Tokyo Dome to defeat Masahiro Chono. So add one more guy from this generation (laughs) Ah, onto the ah, lines. And that was especially perverse, because that was actually a match used to end up, uh, that ended up designed to promote um, a run with Jeff Jarrett in TNA where Hogan was starting to talk up, much like he talks up the IWGP title on this show is the real prize he's after. In the yeah. press conference after beating Chono, he talks about how he's never been NWA World Heavyweight Champion, which, of course, was the belt that TNA had uh, under its auspices at that time before creating their own heavyweight title. And then Jarrett wow. comes out of the press conference and breaks a guitar over his head. Hogan runs the razor in the, before the press, and the match never happens because, you know, Hogan was never going to do it in the first place. But well, I'm not, Dude, I'm not jumping Jarrett, dude. <laughs> Let's talk about this finish, Terry. So, yeah, the full verbiage on that famous uh, post-match interview after he beats Muda here at Wrestling Dontaku. Five times World Wrestling Federation champion. This belt is just a toy. It's like a trinket on a Christmas tree, like an ornament. The belt that I want, it's the one that the... 
it's the one the great Muda has. Remember, beating Muda, it was not for the title on this show. Non-title match. The IWGP belt, because when Hulk Hogan wins the IWGP championship, which he should have right now, it will prove that New Japan Pro Wrestling and Hulk Hogan is the greatest, and then he clasps his hands together, partners in the world. This, this guy's totally trying to set up a future outside WWF. Uh, yeah. Uh, because I want all the great wrestlers to come to me, and I want them to come to Japan where I can wrestle and not bullshit. <laughs> he says it. I want to wrestle and prove that I'm the best. There's an old saying in the United States of America, when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, no. That you can teach an old dog new tricks, and this old dog does not need new tricks. I know all the tricks. <laughs> yes, you do, brother. I have proven that I'm a survivor. I've proven <clears throat> that I'm a leader, and I will not quit professional wrestling. Many people you've seen quit and come back, quit and come back. But if you watch Hulk Hogan, I have never quit. I will always be here. And now All that I'm back, you just and... quit and come back. You just literally quit and came back. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, what did he just say? I've been gone for nine years. Am I in a fucking time warp? Did he not wrestle for the SWS in the fucking Tokyo Dome? Well, he... I, no, but I said New Japan, dude. Yeah, right. That's what you meant. What? What do I mean, bro? What? You said Japan, didn't no, you? No, dude, I'm... Well, so, see, dude, just bro, New Japan, dude. New Japan, brother. You didn't and say just like, Japan. I, what? No, I... what, Brother, I'm here to... I'm here to... I'm here for the fans, dude. That, brother, I'm here... I, dude, I'm here for the fans, brother. I'm here to deliver, dude. Doesn't matter where... How long I've been here, brother. When the last time I was in Japan, dude. Right. Doesn't matter how many times I beat Tenru, brother, or... Or whatever, dude, or or, or right, that, that mood is a fucking idiot, brother. It doesn't matter, dude. What matters, brother, is that we are here to change the business, dude. That's right. Uh, Hulk Hogan is here, brother, because I am going to change the wrestling business in Japan, dude. And I can do that, brother. But I can't do it when there's this fucking negativity around me like you, dude. I'm here to fucking do business, brother. Sorry, and that man. means me laying down, brother, for, for other people, dude, I'm going to yeah, fucking yeah. do that, dude. Oh. And if it means other people laying down for me all yes. the time, brother, I'm going to do it, dude. I'm here what's best for business, brother. Sometimes, and, and brother, sometimes there comes a time, dude, when I know what's best for business more than other people know what's best for business, dude. We'll figure it out, brother. Oh, we will. I think we both know we'll figure it out. And I'll just... Fine, brother. I'll go over, dude. If that's what you want, dude. I'm trying to think about what's best for business, dude. Make him think it's your idea. That's the key. Tonight was a great night for me because I was very worried because Muda is a brand new star. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you were worried. You were licking your fucking chops is what you were doing. And brother, you know, Muda's, Muda's a, a young guy, dude. Yeah. He's just a young guy, brother. He's one of the best New He's, Japan has, and tonight it was fun. It was easy, he says. Been wrestling easy. for years, dude. Easy. What an ass. I want bigger challenges. I want more opponents. And if Antonio Inoki has time to step down from his government job at the Senate, I would love to wrestle him. And then he gets a goofy smile on his face. So word gets to America that he says this, but the translation is weird because it goes from English to Japanese and then people translate it back to English. Yeah. So this is what ends up in the Observer. And you can, um, this allows Hogan to say he was misinterpreted. Uh, and uh, this is what, um, what it said. Uh, these are not direct quotes, Meltzer stipulates, because what he said was translated into Japanese, then translated back, which means a lot can be lost. The gist of his interview was he was very happy to be back with New Japan. He said he started wrestling in the United States when he was trained by Hiro Matsuda. He didn't say anything about that. But I think this interview is longer than what we actually see on this tape. I think that's... Oh, I think so, too. Yeah. We don't see him sit down 
None of that right, shit. Like right. it, a lot of times, you see the guys come in, sit down, say their bit, and leave. But Hogan's is definitely a, a, a clip. So this is a report from someone who took in the whole interview, not on tape, but I think in person. Um, but he considers his wrestling home to be New Japan. Now he's back after eight years of being a big success in the U.S. as a wrestling star, movie star, and television star. Everyone has something in the back of their mind that they always want to do. For me, it was to come back to New Japan. Meltzer includes the note. The, the six figures per match deal had nothing to do with it. It was just something he had in his No, dude, I, I just, you know, brother, the, the Japanese fans, do they know where Hulkamania is at, brother? Right. And, you know, if the, if the people, let me tell you, it, the the people running New Japan, brother, if they see it as well, dude, and they're willing to pay Hulk Hogan six figures, brother, that's just icing on the cake, dude. Icing on the cake, brother. The ja- it's, all, it's all the cake. Oh. The Japanese yeah. have always accepted me so well, and I felt I needed to return. I'm still the best wrestler and best showman. While I was gone for eight years, forgetting he's worked several shows in Japan since 1990, including three Tokyo Domes. New uh, Japan, dude. Right. A whole new generation of wrestling fans has grown up in this country. I want Actually, every- Boomba. I want every one of them to think of Hulk Hogan when they go to bed thinking about who the best wrestler is. I'm a five-time WWF champ, shows the belt. To me, this is a toy, like a Christmas tree ornament. Brother, honestly, dude, brother, you know what, dude? No, I didn't say that, brother. That's what the media says that I said, dude. I didn't. There's no proof that I said that, brother. Number two, dude, I would never wipe my ass with a WWE title, brother. I don't know where you got that information from, dude. I didn't say you said that. I never did that. Oh. Oh, so now you're putting words in my mouth. No, I, brother, I didn't do that, dude. You're I, saying you're, you're accusing what? me of putting words in your mouth by putting words in my mouth. No, that, dude, listen, brother. I, I'm I listen. The Japan, the Japanese media, brother. They put words in my mouth. They, they not they put words in my mouth. Dude, they misunderstood me, dude. You know, there is no proof of me saying that anything negative about the WWE title. I would Terry, never say it was anything on negative. Tape, and the tape is on its way right now. No, brother. There's no tape, dude. I saw to that, brother. <laughs> I made sure all those cameras weren't rolling, and they. Brother, I made sure I, I made sure they weren't rolling, brother. I made sure no no cameras rolled me up, dude. And I also destroyed all evidence that made me look any that made me look negative, dude. To the WWE. Terry, we have the tape right here. As a matter of fact, let's press play. I gotta go, brother. Christmas I got a meeting. I got a meeting. I got a meeting, dude. I see. I didn't say that, brother. You see what they did? I thought they, you had they, a meeting. They, Brother, no, dude. See, I'm gonna tell you what happened here, brother. See, I can explain this, dude. See, what they did was they overdubbed it, brother. They had an impersonator, brother, oh, doing the voice. It's like we, it's like Americans do that with Japanese yeah, movies, dude. Yeah, they have it's the American fake. voiceover, brother. It's a, it's a, exactly, dude. I was speaking in Japanese, brother. At the time, dude, I was speaking in Japanese, and and they translated it poorly, brother. What would you know about a deep fake? I don't, brother. What would I. You know about a. Jesus Christ. I'm not a fake, dude. I'm a fraud, brother, but I'm not a fake. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> Meltzer reports that he said, the WWF belt is like a Honda. The IWGP belt is like a Rolls Royce. It's the real world championship belt. Oh. Winning this WWF belt was very easy. The IWGP belt is very hard to win. He's not wrong about it being easy. That's it, true. What's... He won it in 20 seconds. Won it in, yeah. No bullshit. I can wrestle. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm the old dog, but I know all the tricks. I never quit wrestling. I'm not one of those guys coming back disgracing my former reputation. He didn't say that. I'm still the best wrestler. The match today was fun, but it was easy. He is a star, but I beat him one, two, three in the middle. Didn't say that either. I should be wearing the IWGP belt. I want to wrestle every top name in Japan and hopefully wrestle Mr. Inoki again. At that point, Hogan went on and on about Inoki. However, when Inoki, Meltzer reports, did his post-match interview, he only talked about wanting singles matches against Tenryu and Fujinami and never mentioned Hogan's name. 
While Hogan vs. Noki would certainly be a big draw at next year's Tokyo Dome, how can you put together the finish? Which of the two will be willing to sacrifice himself? I think we both know the answer to that, Dave. Yep. And, um... You put Flair in there instead. Right. Apparently there was also an interview with Hogan on the TV show, uh, the several-week delayed TV show that aired the Hogan-Muda match, where he does a different interview. And he was not speaking as directly as he did at this press conference. Uh, but he did call, according to The Observer, the WWF title a stepping stone to the real-world title in that interview. Um, and, set, and, and continued to put forth this story in many interviews that his career had begun with New Japan, and that he hadn't wrestled in Japan in eight years, and now he's going to finish his career with New Japan. So that's Hogan's thinking, boss. Yes, that, you of know, course. That's the story I can paint, is that I'm going to finish my wrestling career in New Japan. And uh, Meltzer reports it was really confusing since many of his matches in the past eight years were considerably well publicized, particularly the match with Stan Hansen at the Tokyo Dome in 1990. This caused wrestling fans and others who aren't even oh, fans. You know, you know, I, I haven't wrestled in about 14 years, dude. I've wrestled a match since 1988, brother. <laughs> brother, I haven't wrestled a match since I beat Iron Sheik in Madison Square Garden, dude. <laughs> so it's really big for me to be here nearly 10 years later, brother. Well, it was really big for you for me to be here, brother. Right. Yeah, I did, I did miss for me. That's right. Uh, this caused wrestling fans, the Observer reports, and others who aren't even fans who saw those interviews to be really perplexed on why Hogan would say things on television about something that everyone knew to be false. Hmm. It's fucking awesome. And Meltzer concludes, <clears throat> it's really hard to figure out what's going on here other than something is going on. Well, in retrospect, I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. He's no, it's not hard to figure out at all. String together as many paydays as he can and... Leverage events, basically. And uh, I just thought it would be worth coloring in just a few bits of lifestyle around the Hulkster at this point in his life. Um, oh, please. Because the St. Petersburg Times down in Florida uh, saw to it just days after Hogan pinned Muda, but was still in Japan, um, to publish this article. Hogan to build a Hulk of a mansion. Mm. This is how the Hulkster's living. You could work out in the gym, sunbathe on the roof, play in the loft, or snuggle up to the fireplace on a cool winter's day in the Normandy Chateau-type mansion Hulk Hogan and his wife plan to build on Willowdale Drive. According to the plans on file at Bel Air Town Hall, Hogan and his wife Linda Bollea's new home will be close to 12,000 square feet and cost millions of dollars. This, of course, is the home, by the way, and Hogan knows best that symbolized uh, this, the family and then its sale symbolizing the collapsing of this family. Wow. Hulk Hogan's real name is Terry Bollea. He is a Tampa native. Bel Air building official Ray Wells said that when it is completed, the house will be equal to or possibly larger than the largest home in Bel Air, which is next door. The land is being prepared for construction, which Wells said it will take at least a year. The popular wrestler and movie star's mansion will be protected by high walls and bunkers and an electronically controlled security gate. We aren't sure of the cost, said Fred Diedrelix of Los Angeles, who identified himself as Linda Balea's family architect. Another of Diedrelix's projects was the International Bazaar in Freeport in the Bahamas. Well, if you're not sure of the cost, who the fuck is, man? <laughs> Jesus Christ. The Balea's are still considering several types of imported roofing materials and an antique fireplace that could add considerably to the overall price, Diedrelix said. The mansion is to be built on the southwest corner lot of Willadell. It, will it will back up to Clearwater Harbor. To make room for the right. new house, clear water. That's how that's a Hulk Hogan word. Clear water. Oh, clear water. To make oh. room for the new house in March 1992, the Baleas tore down the Casa de Solana mansion that had stood on the site since 1931. The Casa de Solana was home to the son of Vice President Garrett A. Hobart, who served from 1897 to 1899 during the William McKinley administration. That famous McKinley administration. There we go. Is, yeah. If there's one thing I'm not going to get right, it's who was McKinley's VP. <laughs> yeah, me too. 
Area historical preservationists protested the demolition, but the Belayas claimed he, the old house was severely structurally damaged and not worth saving, brother. The Belayas and their two young children live on Bellevue Island in the intracoastal, uh, intracoastal waterway, accessible only by a road that winds around the Bellevue Mido Resort Hotel property. At the time of the demolition, Mrs. Belaya said the Bellevue Island home was too small for the family. However, the new house, made of stucco with brick and stone veneers, should accommodate the Belaya family quite satisfactorily. Boss, I think I think we're starting to figure out why he took this payday in Japan. Uh, yeah. Pay this uh, I got a house, brother. <laughs> I'll say. Linda, uh, Linda wants a house, brother. You know, Time to Linda call wants a house, brother. I got to do... Uh, I, Get Masa-san I gotta, on the phone. I need phone. a payday, brother. Yeah. Need a fucking payday, dude. Here you go. Now. Just pay me, brother. I'm not going to fucking chill. I got a house to build. I'm going to pull Sid, dude. That's right. I, I'm 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 owed that. I put enough years in. Plan show the two and a half story house will have a gym area with a tanning table, health bar, spa, and changing room, and enough garage space for six cars as well as. Hogan's Can't share that tanning table with with fucking Sting. <laughs> no, asshole. For Hogan's tanning. Hogan and his wife will each have an office and a bathroom. His eight by eight foot shower will be made of slate and stone and contain two benches. It will be covered by a skylight. Her bath area will be made of marble. <laughs> That's so we can have like private meetings with. Macho man over six packs. Yeah, take calls. Look at the benches in there. Oh my god, six packs. Let's crack a beer, brother, and talk about how I can get over. Uh, that's what happened, dude. I, you know, Savage and I, we know we sat down, brother. We fucking, you know, opened a six pack in the back of the gym, dude. God. <laughs> Never forget that. It's the worst fucking <laughs> it's <like> lie. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you know, what happened, brother? You know, I, I, I call, I called Randy, dude. I said, so, you know. Coming in, I, I just want to clear the air, brother. You know, you've been. Why don't you tell the story ass, until dude. he was dead, Terry? I think he told him on his documentary for his first DVD. Oh, the Hulk rules one. Yeah, Hulk oh, still rules. Wow. So he was still alive then. I'm pretty sure, yeah, he's still alive. That was two thousand two, three. That happened. Came out. Yeah. Huge. The Balea children will each have a bedroom and bath. The children's quarters also will have a play area with a loft. The master bedroom will include a spiraling staircase leading up to a retracting skylight so the Baleas can exit onto a roof for sunbathing. The bedroom also will have Jesus a... Jesus Christ! For- <laughs> I, I just need a lot of tanning time, dude. Yeah, no. You can tan in every square foot of this house. Sunbathing. Like... That, yeah. Oh, I want a retractable roof, dude. Uh, why? I just saw sunba- one in- Brother, dude, I, I don't, uh, dude, I, I, I was in Japan, dude. I went to Fukuoka Dome. <laughs> and his, they house, retract- his house can go like this. It just starts opening. It's so foolish. Dude, they're fucking 20 minutes, dude, and they fucking open the entire roof to the dome, brother. Yeah, Terry, I want that. It's house. Florida. It's going to start raining. You don't have 20 minutes to close your dude, house if it starts raining. Well, I, I don't think that my house is going to be that big, brother, like a fucking stadium, dude. Terry, if you they just can gave do me that, the plans. If they <laughs> If they did that in fucking 20 minutes, dude, I think my house could do it in, like, 15. So you're going to get rained on for 15 minutes while this... Whatever, is- brother. At least I can tan out, dude. You know, just open the fucking roof, brother. Terry, you can just walk out in the patio. We're building 16 of them. Hey, dude, brother, don't make me fuck you up, dude. Retractable roof, brother. Retractable roof, brother. Way the fucking future, dude. Well, I'm about to retract my deposit. I'm going to retract... <laughs> I'm going to retract myself from your fucking business, brother. Retractable roof, dude. 
The master bedroom will include a spiraling staircase leading up to a retracting skylight. Like I said, the bedroom will also have a sitting room and a balcony adjacent to the master bedroom as well as a coffee I station. I want at least four fucking ways I can suntan, dude. <laughs> a coffee station. You heard that right. There's nothing more Hulk Hogan than getting coffee in the morning. I need a... Listen, dude. I need a place where I can fucking sunbathe, brother, and yeah. knobs can make me a fucking vegetable and bacon omelet, dude. <laughs> Does it have sleeping quarters for your... Family Brian Knobs. I do need to some. I need guest quarters, brother. I need yeah. guest quarters for like maybe like uh, the laundry machine. You, know, <laughs> you could have like a maid's house made, dude, and that's where the knobs can stay, brother. That'd be guest quarter Nelson's, maybe. <laughs> well, on this show, it would be. Did you hear that? There's a coffee station in the house too. Yes, I okay. I would like, and I also have my. I like to have my own barista, brother. <laughs> the next stop coffee. is. I'm paying him, though, dude. Coffee station. Change here for the green line. <laughs> Other Stand back from the closing doors, please. <laughs> Next stop, coffee station. Go fuck yourself. All right. Hey, uh, we got coffee station coming up. <laughs> um, This is your stop. You're going to get off. He- healthy. What? It's the way God made you. Remember that? What was that? Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> where he turns around to the public bus and sees the hair in her. Healthy. Natural. It's what God Healthy. gave you. Just the way God made you. She's covering her knee, or he's covering his knee, whatever you want to say. These days, it'd be she's covering <laughs> her knee. That's right. Other Good. features include a maid's quarters, a guest apartment over one of the garage areas, a phone booth next to... Why would Hulk Hogan need a phone booth? Oh, well, I, you know, if I'm writing the Observer, dude, I need to have <laughs> to sources, brother. Next to a coat closet near the main entrance, a spacious wine closet, and a keeping room. Keeping my heat room. <laughs> I need a heat room, brother? <laughs> yeah. What is Terry? We just built the sauna. No, dude, I need a, a room where I can... Regain heat, brother. <laughs> it's a room that projects wrestlers' images onto the floor. Dude, I, so I can, I can, I can get heat, brother. Pin opponents. Terry, dude. it's Florida. There shouldn't be a problem. Just open the window. I want it on the floor, brother. That's what I want, dude. <laughs> I want a room where I can get heat. Well, Terry, the whole house is heated, even though it's Florida. I mean, for some reason, <laughs> we we installed heating baseboard everywhere. No, brother. What I need, dude. I need to. I need. I need to get. Real heat, brother. Yeah, Terry, this is real heat. Um, there's nothing fake about it. And look, frankly, like I said, you can just open the goddamn windows and get plenty of heat. Oh, brother. You... Brother, what's going to happen, dude, if I go out there, brother, and I have no heat, dude? Well, if you're outside. Brother, I need heat inside. I need heat outside, brother. <laughs> I need. <laughs> I need to feel the heat. You want like... me. To go to the house to check on your son. You want us to go to your house just, just to check, to check on your son? Just to check on him. Let me collect you with the, the police office. Let me connect you to the police department. No, they just transferred <laughs> me to you. Rose. Rose. Psycho on two. Hang Psycho. on. Hang on. Hold on, please. No, please. Please, please. Thank you. Nick Teeny's under the bed. <laughs> Deidre looks at house is secure. Oh, Don't wonder- count the kids again. If you were wondering, Diedrich said a keeping room is an area for preparing foods for freezing. Thank you, Diedrich. <laughs> yes, of course. 
the marshal for the You could also arrange flowers there, he said. Diedrich, dude, can you please... Diedrich, brother. How Linda Balea is it to make her architect available for comment for an article like this? She probably called him and said, you guys want to do an article about my house? Who are you? <laughs> the large family room will be octagonal. Who the fuck? Am I, who's this? Who you t- who, who's calling? Hi, this is Lin- Linda Balea, also known as Linda Hogan. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Why are you known as Linda Hogan? I'm the wife of the wrestler Hulk Hogan, the biggest wrestler in the industry. I'm sure you know him. Oh, yeah, lady, I fucking know him. Let me tell you right now, there's nobody this fucking paper is going to do a story on your fucking house. Let me ask you something. Is it a real house or is it a, a, a house as fake as your fucking husband's job, huh? We have, keep, fucking we have a keeping room. You have a keeping room? I have a keeping your mouth shut room. All right? That's why you shut the fuck up and don't talk to me anymore because what you're saying is bullshit. I don't believe a single word you're saying because your husband is a fucking liar for a living. He gets paid to lie to thousands and millions of people every fucking week. You think week. I don't know that? You think I don't know that? I'm not Linda. I'm him. Sorry. It's like, what's going Actually, on? Could, she could say that. You don't think I know that? You don't think he's oh. a fuck? Uh, you don't think oh. I know he's a fucking liar? I do think you know that. That's the problem. I just had, li- I just fucking... had Elizabeth see, over here see, last week. You see, this is the fucking problem right here. All right? Is you do know that your husband's a fucking liar and that he that he gets paid to lie for a living. Why don't you and you him? stick with him. Yeah. And you fucking stick with him. You say, you know what? Fuck it. I like my lifestyle. You, you know what you are? You're a fucking mob wife is what you are. You're in fucking denial. I don't got time for your shit. I don't give a shit about your house. You better be grateful I don't fucking bomb your fucking house. That's right. That's right. Idiot. Fuck you. <laughs> Cling. Cling. All right, so let's call the St. Pete Times. We can't get the Miami Herald. Let's go. <laughs> uh, the large family room will be octagonal, so Hogan can prepare for the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> Off to one side. That's right, that's how he prepared for his, uh, uh, his his match with Brock in uh, 2002. <laughs> yeah. Off to one side is a comparatively small room called an ingle nook with a large fireplace. Dieterlich said, in the old days, ingle nooks were built onto homes in cold countries so that families could gather there on benches around a rotating, a roaring fire. <laughs> great. Sounds like a great idea. Let's build a roaring fire in the middle of the fucking house. The house will contain several fireplaces. Dieterlix has hired a Clearwater consulting engineer, Mike McCarthy, to design the beams, columns, and foundation. McCarthy said the loads and spans in the house are such we had to use a lot of structural steel. This is not common in a private home, McCarthy said. He learned from his kids that the Terry Bollea, whose home he was designing, was the famous wrestler. Bollea's identity, quote-unquote, didn't occur to me, McCarthy said. When completed, the Balea home should be sturdy enough to survive a 100-year storm, and probably more than that, McCarthy said. We incorporated a lot of what we learned from Hurricane Andrew into the plans. The roof of the house will be decorated with a turret and several finials or spires, Dieterlich said. One of the finials, the tallest, actually will be a lighting rod. Lightning rod. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a lightning rod living in that house. Oh, yes, there is. Um, house plans also show a 20 by 30 foot outside pool on the grounds. With I the guess fountain. they didn't. I guess they didn't install that lightning rod until uh, 96, apparently. Yeah, or 97, when uh, yeah. Rodzilla came in. There we go. That's true. Uh, on the grounds with a founda- uh, fountain on a pedestal above it. Above the fountain will be a carp pond that will create the illusion of flowing into the pool. Dieterlich said the Boleas got the idea for the carp pond from the Japanese. Hogan quote is very fond of Japan, Dieterlich said Wednesday. In fact, 
He is there right now. Yeah, brother, I'm in Japan, dude. He sure is. So this was a big night for Hulk Hogan because it helped him afford his house. Look at that. But it was also a big night for the opponent of Sting, Scott Norton. <laughs> you're uh, you're not going to believe me say this. Uh-oh. It's a good Scott Norton match. It's the best Scott Norton match. It is the best Scott. It's not saying much, but it is the best Scott Norton match I've ever seen. Hands down. You know how I know that's true? Because Scott Norton thinks so. <laughs> we turn back well, to Well, hey, at least he can admit that he's not had a good match. That's right. We turn to Lab's bookshelf and pull off uh, Strong Style by Scott Norton. Highly recommended. Where he talks about the importance of this match to his wrestling career as it was blossoming in the United States. Or at least budding in the United States. Uh, after I told Masa Saido about the deal Greg Gagne was offering me to come into WCW, Masa got back to me the next day with a plan that was agreed upon by WCW New Japan offices. I would work a program in WCW between March and May 1993, with TV time and interviews building up to a match against Sting at Slamboree on May 29th. As a part of the deal, Masa told me I'd be wrestling Sting in Japan first. At the big show, New Japan was running at the Fukuoka Dome on May 3rd. Then we would have the rematch at the end of the month on the WCW pay-per-view. Seemed like a good arrangement to me, and with Masa's blessing, I decided to go for it. Before I flew to Georgia for my first WCW TV tapings, I had to finish out my tour with New Japan. On one of the last matches of the tour, I was wrestling in a six-man tag and was in the ring against Choshu. We locked up and I went for a knee to his gut, but right as I lifted my leg, his arm slipped down and I ended up jamming my thigh right up into the bone at the tip of his elbow. I didn't realize it at the time, but that simple injury would cause me over a year and a half of non-stop pain. Yes, that, that is correct. That would have a good idea for the fucking title of the book. Non-stop pain. pain. And other starches <laughs> with Scott Norton. <laughs> At first, it only felt like I had a Charlie horse in my quad muscle, but as I was finishing out the tour, my thigh just wouldn't heal. Non-stop pain. <laughs> a French baguette story. <laughs> After a few weeks, my leg got so swollen that there was a thick ring around the muscle that wasn't black and blue. It was literally black. I knew the quad was severely bruised. I gutted it out, but eventually the muscle calcified, hardened, to the point where it looked and felt like a knot of bone was sticking Oh, so he cured thigh. it. So he cured it. <laughs> Basically. What happened? This was starting to happen to my leg when I wrestled Sting in Japan, but the injury got a lot worse later on. Wow. The Lotus and the Match Boss, big time leg selling from Scott. Yeah, Martin. totally. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that's actually hilarious. That That's why I actually thought the match was really good because one of the reasons I thought it was really good is that I was like, wow, fucking Norton selling like crazy here. He's like doing a really good job. Well, uh, now I know that I really shouldn't have liked it that much because it wasn't real. I mean, it was real. That's the problem. Scott Norton fake. should get deep thigh bruises more often. He should. I didn't have time to dwell on the injury right after it happened because I was scheduled to wrestle in Atlanta for WCW at the end of the week. After I flew down to Georgia, I had to sit down with WCW's head booker, Ole Anderson, to talk about the monetary terms of my agreement. I was fine with what Ole was offering for the TV tapings, but felt he was lowballing me on the payout for the pay-per-view. I wanted to make sure I'd be getting what I deserved out of this deal. I had a figure, but Ole wouldn't commit to anything solid. Oh, That's you don't right. say. Instead, he told me if my match with Sting in Japan was good, he'd give me what I wanted. I took him at his oh word. God. Oh, my God. I took to the atmosphere in the WCW locker room. Well, and felt, <laughs> like, that's like, well, if you have a good match, then then you'll be okay. Absolutely. It's like, it was a fucking great match, wasn't it? I don't know. You wait. You have no Not really. Idea. I don't think it was that good. Idea. Oh, great. 
I took to the atmosphere in the WCW locker room and felt I could look forward to working there more after this program with Sting was done. The guys there knew about me already, thanks to Hawk, who had done what Hawk always did and talked me up. That's like Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes, among others, were great with me, and I felt like the younger guys were also accepting. I wrestled on TV tapings through April and was getting positive feedback from Ole after my matches. He said he really liked my physical style and toughness. I felt confident going into the match with Sting in Japan. The card at Fukuoka was stacked. Sting and I were wrestling sixth on a ten-match card that also had Hulk Hogan and wrestlers from rival promotions like Wars Tenryu. This was the first time New Japan was running in the Fukuoka Dome, a huge baseball field that could fit almost as many people as the Tokyo Dome. That was actually bigger. And they wanted to make it sure it was, it was a success. When Sting and I went out there, the pressure was on and all eyes were on us. Even though the thigh injury flared up early, Sting and I... See, this is where he... No, Flair wasn't there. He starts basically talking about this match like it's a shoot, which I don't love. Sting and I went out and had one hell of a match. We heated up the crowd with a quick opening exchange, and then when we were settling in, and I ended up with a cut on my forehead. Ended up with a cut on my forehead. That's one way to put it. Yeah. That poured blood. Another, another way that's uh, blading. Right. I mean, look. Gigging. Hardway juice possible here. I can't say I looked closely. I didn't Zabruder film it, but I don't know. I'm skeptical. I don't think so. It was flowing pretty well to yeah. be, you know, from what I've, from, from my experience, which is limited in that regard, Hardway juice does not flow. Does not flow. Hardway juice usually is like, oh shit, I you know, I cracked my skin open and it's bleeding a little because bolt of blood. It it takes, it takes a lot. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll, I only say my own experience. So uh, uh, years ago, when I still lived in L.A., uh, uh, when I was living in uh, in Playa del Rey, and I was in that apartment complex. At, did you ever you you yeah. were there right? Yeah. You saw that yeah. I had a pool you know and everything. It was a beautiful complex. Yeah. And I had a friend come over one time and we were in the pool and you know roughhousing and we collided head to head one time and collided head to head so hard that I split my my split skin. Wow, you got you got hardway color. I got hardway color, like off of literally. I, I've never happened before. Never happened since. All right, where we hit our heads hit so hard that I was bleeding. But that's that's pretty intense. How much was I bleeding? Like a trickle, a trickle right in the center wow. of my forehead. There you go, right? A trickle. So to me. Mm. If your hard way, if you got, you had to fucking, you know, like accidentally run your head against some, some, uh, you know, like a, a saw <laughs> to get as much color as he did. Right. Because he is, he's at, at one point, it looked like he was flowing like Austin in, in, in WrestleMania seven, uh, uh, 13. Yeah. You know, it's pretty, it's mood. It's Muda scale. It's worthy yeah. of the Muda scale for sure. And, um, yeah, he says, uh, I ended up with a cut on my forehead that poured blood, sting stayed on the attack, and I got some of the loudest Norton, Norton chants of my career. The only point. Norton, Norton chants of your career. Yes, loudest slash only from the Japanese fans. Through the match, I felt our styles were meshing and we were doing something special in the ring. Yeah, Sting definitely it, turning on that Vader style here. It, it's very, it's unfortunate the two of them, I would have, it yeah. made me actually say, wow, why didn't they get together it, you know, in WCW and do something. Would have been nice if Oli agreed and went through with the slamboree promise. I guess this is 
Because get... of the cut on my forehead, the referee, Mr. Takahashi, called in the ring doctor, and they decided to rule the match a no contest. Oh, why do I feel like this is going to come into play? That might not seem like a big deal to American wrestling fans used to screw job finishes and DQs in a lot of U.S. matches, but in Japan, the fans hated anything that wasn't a clean finish. Just a few months before I saw the Steiners and the Hellraisers put on one of the hottest and most physical tag matches in Tokyo Dome history with the crowd eating everything up, but when it didn't ended happen. a double count out, both teams were almost... It didn't happen. Not on TV, didn't happen almost booed out of the building. The fans did not tolerate that kind of stuff. Back to my match with Sting. Once I heard the referee's decision, I reacted with disbelief and anger. Sting bolted out of the ring, but I stayed in and started mauling everyone. The referee, the young lions who came in to hold me back, pretty much anyone I could get my hands on was fair game. The crowd didn't know how to react at first either, but when I started walking to the back, the Norton, Norton calls picked up again. They saw what we did in the ring, how I wrestled through the pain and the blood and the injuries, and they appreciated it. More than that, they showed their appreciation I, I don't think me. they knew that you re- wrestled through the pain. I mean, that was obvious. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Even you know, unless you went off to a bunch of people and said, hey, you know, I fucking, I'm, I'm hurting tonight. I have a real I don't think injury. You anyway. I have a real injury. Not one of the fake injuries that everybody else has had on this show. Which is like, then you're like, well, which one's real, which one's fake? If, <laughs> right, exactly. That point. You know? More than that, they showed their appreciation to me, even though the finish to the match was something Japanese fans in the arena would normally shit on. I walked behind the curtain, and Masa was there to meet me. He was so excited for my performance out there. Great match, great match. As Masa told me that, the crowd still chanted my name. He told me to go back out and acknowledge the people again, and I, when I went through the curtain one last time, I got a huge pop from the crowd. It was amazing. That night was a special experience that meant so much to me. The difference between my first match at a dome show and this one was night and day. That match elevated me in Japan as a singles wrestler, no question. When I got back to the locker room, I was ecstatic with how it turned out. Sting was very happy about the match, too. No matter what happened later, I will always appreciate Sting's part in making that match work as well as it did. He was uh, at the top of his game at the time and really stepped up and took me to a different level. Masa came over again and said it was a great match, something we, he, couldn't, he wouldn't say or do unless we really deserved it. The office was proud of how things went, too. After the match we'd had in Japan, I was so pumped to take that match we just wrestled back to the States, and I knew everything else would work itself out. I flew back to Georgia for the TV tapings right before Slamboree. My confidence was high, and Ole said we would talk after I wrestled. Mm. I was excited to talk to him and finalize the deal after what Sting and I had done at Fukuoka. So after the match, I went right into his office and asked if he'd talk to Sting. He said, yeah, I did. The next words out of his mouth floored me. He looked me right in the eye and said that Sting had told him we'd had a shit match. (laughs) That was horrible and that we didn't get over. I stared at him in disbelief. I didn't know what to say, really. I knew what had gone on in Japan, and here he was telling me the exact opposite. It got worse. Even though he was always positive when we talked after the matches I wrestled in WCW, now the stuff he was saying about my work was the exact opposite. You only know how to work the Japanese style. Oh, my God. That stuff is shit that won't get over here. He finally gave me his offer for the pay-per-view. Only 10% of the original figure we had talked about. (laughs) You have a good match. Uh, We'll go through with the payday, which means no matter how good the match is, we're going to say it sucks. Let me tell you this right now. You're going to go over there and have a good match in Japan. That's great. But the fact you're going to Japan means the match is going to suck, and that means I'm going to fucking take away all your goddamn money. I'll tell you what, if you want to wrestle me, you wrestle for free. You volunteer like a bitch. That's what you are, you're a goddamn bitch. You know what I do to bitches? <laughs> it sounds like a great deal. I'll tell you what I do to bitches. I got a lot of bitches in my, down, down, down in my fucking shack down in the bayou. What I do with bitches is I beat them. Uh, beat them with a cane. 
That's the way things go down on the fucking Holy Anderson Bayou, okay? And that's what I'm going to do with you right now. Come here. Get your beating. Come here, bitch. Get your fucking beating. I'm going to... Come on! Come on! Get the fuck over here. I'm going to beat you. I should get your damn ass over here, you dumb bitch. I'm going to fuck you up. Scott Norton, you stupid fucking... I'm going to... You know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to beat you with your fucking stick, and I'm going to... And then I'm going to piss on you because you're fucking worthless shit. Yes. That's what you are. You ain't worth a shit. You ain't worth me shitting on you. And I shit on things that I fucking can't stand, but you're not worth that. I don't I can go eat a trout. He said take it. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it, you dumb bitch. I left it. Walked out of the building and didn't look back. The next day only called. I want my you to know I'm calling New Japan right now and I'm telling them that you're a fucking idiot. Hi, is this New Japan? Yeah, Scott Norton's a fucking idiot. Thank you. Saido. Saido is a fucking holy idiot. I'm going to tell you right now. Scott Norton's a fucking idiot. Idiot. All right, bye. The next day, Oli called in the hotel room, but I hung up on him. The phone kept ringing after that, but I didn't answer. Even if he was willing to renegotiate on the numbers by that point, I did not want to deal with him. Oli was an asshole, plain and simple, and I knew I didn't deserve to be treated that way. Greg Gagne and others from the WCW offices made some last-minute attempts to get back into the match with Sting... But I'd made my decision, and Sting ended up wrestling the prisoner, Kevin Kelly, who worked as nails in the WWF as a substitute at the pay-per-view. Now, I have no idea what Sting actually said to Ole when he got back, but I knew the match we'd had and the reaction it had gotten in Japan. Ole didn't watch the tape himself, even though he could have. He seemed to have it in his head that the Japanese style, quote-unquote, was bad and wouldn't work in America. That was utter bullshit. I wrestled hard in Japan, and I wrestled hard in the U.S. It got over. Good. Tough. Physical wrestling will always get over. Why would I let Ole take away what I knew I had? I wasn't about to let him knock down who I was and what I'd accomplished. Ole Anderson was disrespectful, and there was no way I would ever work for him again. Um, and that's pretty much that. There we go. So that's what happens to Ole Anderson. Jesus. After the uh, wrestling Dontaku in Fukuoka, he goes back to the United States, high as a kite about how well he, he did, and uh, was told it sucked, and you won't get any... Um, you won't get any work. Wow. You will get 10% of what I told you. So he goes back and talks to Masa. And um, uh, he said, we traveled a lot with Luger and Bagwell when I went back to WCW and with Sting, but he never once asked me what happened before Slamboree. I'd talk up our singles match in Japan to everyone, and he had fun sticking it to Rick Steiner and Luger and the guys that I said. I always said I had my best match with him and not them, but he never went any further. I wanted him to, but Sting never came out and asked, even though I gave him a ton of opportunities to do just that. That's Sting right there. Like, what? What? Wait, wait, oh. Oh, you want? he's got a little bit of rock in him, doesn't he? A little bit of rock yes. in him? Yeah. A little bit, a little too much California in him, if you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, kind of like, oh, you, you were mad? Oh, I never even oh, knew. Whoa, 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 Just calm down, calm down, calm down. You were mad? I don't I don't want to be mad. I don't want you to be mad at me. Shit. Look, I'm, whoa, whoa. If I knew, man, I would have been If I. Shit, I, whoa. Finally, yes. about five years later, we were sitting in the locker room and he asked me, why do you walk out before our match in 93? I've been waiting a long time to hear that question, and now after all those years, I got it. 
I told Sting what Ole had said about how he threw me under the bus. He was quick to deny it. No way, he said, jumping right in after I'd finished talking. He went on a pretty big rant, complete with animated gestures, that Ole was lying and that he wouldn't do that in any way, and I believe him. I left it at that, and the subject was never brought up again. Whatever happened, happened. I would have loved to wrestle that match with Sting at Slamboree. It would have been awesome if we could duplicate the intensity of what we'd done in Japan for the American audience. But you can't change the past. For my part, I had learned from the experience and moved on. Scott Norton on Wrestling Dontaku, boss. There we go. And in honor of the aforementioned James, who's been so hardworking on Pain Off the Pacific, getting yes. his translations, he had a request. Um, he has three jukebox drops that are very oh, boy. relevant and native to Japan. And I think in two right. cases, two of these three cases, it may be a second bite at the apple. I know for sure in one case it is. But they are all relevant to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And um, Let's do it. Might as well drop them here. First up is um, the theme song of one Jushin Liger. Oh, yeah, we did that. Uh... Of course, is factored heavily into Pain Off the Pacific and Russell's Tiger Mask 3. Tiger. Show. Here we go. But we are robbed of... Liger. Sentence by this point. I hope by now everybody realizes that the only visual you can have in your head when Liger's soundtrack plays is someone coming off the top rope against him with a double axe handle. And he lifts both hands into the air together, almost like he clutches his own wrist and lifts his hand to block the double axe. And as soon as he blocks the double axe, both men standing, he rolls forward with the capo kick. And kicks That's you the right, face. he does. That's like a... Like a... As far as I'm concerned. That's what you need to have in your mind's eye. Brum, brum, brum. Now, this has nothing to do with this particular installment of Pain Off the Pacific, but we have heard... And seen Minoru Suzuki during some of the SWS shows, including the famous cement match that he had on one of those cards. And uh, now is as good a time as any to repeat Kaze right. Ninare. Here we go. Today. Boom, <laughs> 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 
Finally, and it's so appropriate because yeah. oh boy, um, I don't think we did this, and this should have been the first jukebox drop of any paint off the Pacific esque journey. It's the one and only Anoki Bombay. Oh, boy, yeah, this is fucking glorious. It is absolutely an idiot. <laughs> and it was dumbass chin. Yeah, how a Bombay? Get out of right, here! Right. <laughs> fucking chin that like is. As long as Japan itself, idiot, Inoki, in no in no way is what it is. Yeah, here we That's go. A different wrestler. <laughs> so, yeah. Hmm. So I'm gonna cue it up here in the, in the yeah. distance as well because it's just too money. It's just too Japan. All right, you ready? It's, it's, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna right, wait. Here we go. Inoki, Bombay, Inoki, Bombay, Bingo key, Bombay, Eno 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 key, Bombay, Ha, ha, ha. 
You already know what it is. No ID on the track. The boss man. The jukebox. Enoki Bombaye. Hey, man. Bombaye. We have become intimately acquainted with what that means over the weeks. (laughs) Going back to him working the circuit promoting a North Korea show and visiting Pakistan for no reason. Fucking idiot. Unbelievable. Guy. uh, The self-important loser. (laughs) So... As in all things, uh, for paying off the Pacific and just everything else, we need to, of course, thank the Lapsed Fan Solar System, who steps up to the plate, nuts up, makes this worthwhile by donating to the Lapsed Fan on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Lapsed Fan. It's the only way this shit works, folks. Yeah. Everybody else is sitting there with their dick in their hands, thinking one day a sponsor is going to fall out of the plain blue sky to, you know. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Deem their podcast worthy of actual uh, serious income. Uh, We took the bull by the horn some time ago. And we paved the way for everybody making money off Patreon for wrestling podcasting Mm -hmm. right now. We're proud to say it. And we're proud to lead the league. Pound for pound. Listener for listener. Because it's never been a fucking game for us. No way. And it's definitely not a fucking game for you when we're in your earbuds right now and in your earbuds during those times where it's so vital to have an escape, a distraction, a friend, a voice, the person you always wanted to discuss wrestling with. It's us, and we're here every week. And we're guiding you through wrestling as you would prefer to be guided, holding your hand as you would prefer it to be held, and pointing out the things that you would point out yourself and so much more. And the only way that makes any sense is if you pay for it. Not all of you. I understand not everybody can pay. But enough of you have to. Yeah. Not just, for, not just for our show, but for any show you want to see succeed for any length of time. And be judicious with those dollars. That doesn't mean every single show you check out deserves the money. It means we deserve most of it, and then everybody else might get a little something else. And the folks that have realized that, we feel obliged to tip our cap to each and every week here on the show. We've gone to patreon.com slash the lapsed fan, pledged and earn the right and earn the privilege to have us in their ears each and every week. Among the folks who need to welcome to the solar system since last time is Anthony Murphy. Thanks very much, my friend, for nutting up. Josh also has come to the table with a pledge, and he writes, Dear co-chairman and curators of choreographed carnival combat. Sounds about right, boss, right? <laughs> I would say so. I think it's coming your way, too, this 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 one, if you can stand by All for right. me. Yeah, it's okay. Share this way. If those pipes are cooled oh, down I'm, from I'm the, the jukeboxing. Sh- you've heard of shadow boxing? We do jukeboxing. That's, right, that's what we do here. If I can get us an appropriate lighting and 
not act like a fucking idiot like the Undertaker. Shadow boxing. All right, dear co-chairman and curators of choreographed carnival combat. All the C words. The time has come for my tithing. The tipping point that converted me from freeloading bitch to paying member of the solar system was the loving rendition of Eat My Pussy in Allentown. That's awesome. What happened? You know, the last episode we were talking about perversions in Allentown. I remember that. (laughs) On the Hershey circuit. Right, pussy. Okay. Uh, it hit me out of nowhere on my commute to the office and resulted in hot coffee spewing <laughs> from my nose and ruining my shirt. Thank you for the pain. You know, to me, to me, as much as I, I, I apologize for the fact that your, you know, your shirt was ruined for work, that to me is one of the biggest victories. If we can Badge make you sure. fucking blow hot coffee through your nose, that's that's like to me that that's the biggest victory of all. Uh, I'm Allentown born, New England raised, and Allentown returned. And when the time comes, I'll be Allentown dead. <laughs> I can see A.G. Hall from my kitchen window. I discovered professional entertainment in 92 at the tender age of five. And though I haven't watched a single skirmish. Simulacrum. Simulacrum show. I got to write that one down. Skirmish simulacrum. That's pretty fucking great. That's the postmodern. That's the Derrida line. Yes, exactly. Lab be some kind line of... in consultation with Jacques Derrida. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, skirmish. Skirmish. Sim. <laughs> I love. See, this is what I love. I know people get pissed off by this, but I love that, you know, I'm not going to edit. We're not going to edit this out. It doesn't fucking matter. You oh, get a live oh, to tape show. Absolutely. I Trust fucking me, love the it. only reason... You love the show as much as you do is that we don't spend any time trying to gimmick ourselves up. I mean, up. I'd say the, the best one ever, I still think to this day, was probably, well, I guess there was that glitch of me singing Heaven Needed a Champion, which was great. We and didn't then realize also, you were doing it, yeah. We didn't realize we were um, And then uh, uh, I think, but I still think my, my personal favorite one was me, and when I, it was me, one of our earliest shows, me, we're doing Survivor Series 92, and and Tatanka is, you know, front face lock by Martel. Yeah. And he goes, no, no. And my mom hears me screaming, no, no. And she asks, oh, my God, are you okay? What's going on? Well, I'm not okay, but. I'm not okay, but. That's a general state of affairs. He's stuck with me throughout my life. I have many fraudulent fighting stories from my childhood in New England and my adulthood in Allentown, from Providence Civic Center experiences like running into Owen and Davey after taking a wrong turn out of the bathroom and being seated two rows behind the Special Olympian who (laughs) jumped the barricade at King of the Ring 97. That's awesome. She was there. Yep. Massive. Uh, To Allentown experiences like running into countless entertainers who were in town to do favors for the now relocated WXW and Wild uh, Simone's Training Center. Mm. Perhaps I'll expound upon some of these stories when I inevitably climb the pledge tiers. Get to work. That's right. Like many others in the solar system, I lost my zeal for sham shooting around WrestleMania 17. I have since floated in and out of fandom, though that fandom always amounts to reading backstage dirt, listening to retrospective podcasts, and watching the occasional 30-second streamable clip that hits the front page of Reddit. Because it didn't used to be better. That's right. Exactly. 
I discovered that fucking cast about a year ago, and I found myself needing it more and more over the past few months. Mm -hmm. COVID has wrought havoc on my office in the form of layoffs and hour reductions. I'm one of the lucky left, a lucky few left standing, and that cast has proven to be essential for my mental health as I work through my lonely days in my lonely office. The emails and Patreon messages that grace the cast aren't memes or shameless self-promotion. They are truth. This shit is vital, and I need it. And if you ever find yourself rolling your eyes on the other end of these earbuds, know that it's this guy we're doing the show for. That's right. And not your fucking ungrateful ass. Though my work hours, uh, benefits, and paycheck have all been reduced, and I've fallen on hot times, Daddy, I felt now that now is the perfect time to let you hurt my wallet like you routinely hurt my dirt button. <laughs> Means a little you know, extra you know, something you, when we know what's coming from Allentown. You know, yeah, you know, it's funny. I probably should do a whole line of ass asshole line of sh- ass shirts like yeah. fucking yeah. brown star and <laughs> dirt button and whatever else Dan Noble comes up with because he always <laughs> he's the leading worst. the league he really does I mean you know when he was writing regular emails it was like holy shit uh, take my money deep dive in my ass that's one too deep dive in my ass probably should be a shirt and make me humble thank you for what you do and thank you for Hulkamania P.S. can we talk about NXT takeover in your house mm. Nobody gives a shit about the gymnastics routines on NXT, so so let's reach for the B tier filler pay per view from the '90s as a quick reskin, as if we need more proof that it used to be better. PPS Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin, Austin and Michaels, Michaels and Jericho, Tyson and Jericho, Michaels and Tyson and Jericho and Nelson, and Tyson and Austinson and Michaelico and Jericho's, and it used to be better. There it is. I love it. Yeah, they brought back the In Your House set for the NXT show because it didn't used to be better. And they brought in uh, they brought Todd in uh, uh, Todd Todd Pedophile looking, like I wrote down, looking more and more like uh, the late Gary Shandling than, <laughs> than he ought to. <laughs> than anybody ought to, really. <laughs> Gary Shandling included. I know, right? Gary Shandling is turning over his great line. This fucking guy. We love dispatches. We love when you keep us in mind when you're out on the road living your life and Yes. Brian um, uh, Bryn has this this item for us. Uh, hello, two quick items that might interest the co-chairman. One, just a few miles from the site of WrestleMania 11, I walked by the Jobber's Warehouse. And he attached a photo. <laughs> he or she attached a photo. There's something called the Jobber's Warehouse there. <laughs> hey, it should be in, I mean, shit, WrestleMania I mean, 11, it should be in Connecticut, right? I know, right? That's where everyone's. Imagine imagine that whole fucking setup there. That's absolutely. That's the company town. You might as well set up shop there. Two. I was listening to some old Howard Stern clips from the first week. His first week at Sirius. I discovered a short clip where Bubba the Love Sponge mentions that he learned shaving tricks from Hogan, who bought a stick from Japan to aid in his shaving. What can I? I what is a stick from Japan? Uh, it's like, I think he's referring to like an extension for a razor blade. Uh. Um, but yeah, I just thought since Japan, Hogan, right? Yeah, Here it I mean, is. It, it works. It works. From your patron and MSG tour attendee, Cold Stone, Steve Austin. Well, it's good to hear from you again. Glad to have you along for that one of a kind ride. <laughs> Jobber's warehouse. Awesome. Oh man. You know, you know, that's a, that's a, that is the weirdest thing. There is a whole, there is a whole world of like, 
there's like a well, not even a whole world. There's like a, 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 a tiny world of people, like a moon worth of people who like know that insider lingo and can laugh at a ton of shit that oh, nobody else finds funny. It brings the world to life. If you're willing to laugh at puns on wrestling terminology, it just doesn't end. It's all I mean, crazy. I can't tell you how many times I've been driving a car, <laughs> our, our car and I'll see something that's wrestling. I'm like, oh, I got to take a picture. That. I got to put it on Twitter. I got to take a picture. Of that. Like, like some weird, like Everything. even if it's something stupid, like it just the, the, the worst little uh, uh, um, – like uh, uh, what vanity plates on cars oh, and stuff huge. like that that just Great cracks source. me up. And look, it's not just wrestling terms; it's lapse terms like pain. Yes, yes, yes. You're never going to be able to see the word pain written down anywhere for the rest of your life if you listen to the show. And uh, not think I, of us I mean, people. literally every time I go, there's there's a, a, a I don't know if it's how, how big the chain is, but I know it's in definitely in New Jersey and a bunch of places in Hoboken. But uh, the the pain pain du chocolat. Oh yeah, sure. And I just like that. It's like cracks me up every fucking time I see it. And look, pilgrimages are there for us, too. I mean, look, if you're a member of the solar system and you go to Dallas like our good friend Blake did. Oh, my God. You're going to correspond and you're going to send us pictures of the Von Erich's graves. What a fucking champ. Blake writes, my latest lapse journey and real life journey intersected, much like pro wrestling and real life always do. As I am revisiting Dallas and the lamentable tragedy, I, too, ended up in Dallas, Texas for a few days. Naturally, this meant only one thing. I must visit the graves of the Von Erichs. There I was at the cemetery searching. Finally, after watching a YouTube video, I was able to locate the precise location, and there was Jackie. Seeing the headstones with all the death dates so close in proximity was very unsettling. Carrie being between Fritz and Doris was quite strange as well. I won't lie, as I stood over Fritz's dead body, I was afraid that fucking Claw was going to come up from the ground and grab me by the ankle, screaming, <laughs> Dallas! I paid Dallas. my respects. I paid Dallas. <laughs> I paid my respects and sang Heaven Needed a Champion and left. After <laughs> imagine that standing Imagine like, what the fuck is that guy doing over there? <laughs> He's singing? Do you see that guy that guy singing is Heaven Needed a What? What did he say? Heaven He's singing champion? Is there an what athlete? The fuck? Is there an athlete over there? Is someone, five is minutes like, later they go over to the grave uh, and he's left. He's going what the fuck what are those he was a, a German? His German family? Are they wrestlers? Oh my god. <laughs> exactly. What the fuck? What's this world coming to? What the fuck is this world coming to? Close watchers of the of the wrestlers of this. Wrestlers up. buried in a public cemetery for God's sake. Much like the scene in Wizard of Oz where you can see one of the uh the monkeys hang themselves in the background or some yeah. urban myth holds. Yes. Close observers know that if you watch the video of this person saying this at the Von Erich's grave, if you pause at 13 seconds for a split second, you can see about three miles in the distance, Gary Hart enter the frame and then back out of it. <laughs> Never too far away. You see a fucking, uh, 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 what do you call the sweaters that he wore? Oh, I the, can't think um, of it. Um, oh my god, the oh. Argyle. Argyle sweater. Argyle yeah, sweaters, you see, yeah. like using an Argyle sweater. I know you, you ever see signs. Argyle, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see the movie Signs? Signs. Yeah, with no. um, 
uh, Mel Gibson is a M Night Shyamalan movie. Oh yeah, yeah, I have. Yes. Yeah, right. There's a scene. There's a scene where they see you see one of the aliens in crappy video footage, like walking across. Yeah. That's what I'm picturing in my mind. Gary Hart just like, yeah. <laughs> like way in the background. Totally. This argyle sweater going from behind one tombstone to behind the other. <laughs> As you do. Don't want to. Old Uncle Gary is going to stand watch over those boys, That's even beyond right. the grave. That's right. After some deep thought and reflecting on the six-hour journey home in which my hands were on the wheel and my ass was being pounded off the Pacific, I came to the conclusion that we are all going to wake up one day and realize that the solar system exists in an autistic kid's snow globe, and we are all figments of his postmodern snow globe society, as oh. this shit just can't be real. Oh, I mean, yeah. I agree. We're A lot in of Orson Welles going on here. The fucking, uh, what's his name? The Tommy Westfall universe. Absolutely. You know? Totally. Two things as I part. What if any of the Hart children are actually Yvonne Eric? Oh. Well, we've, we've entertained the possibility over on Cameo. Well, not for dead, I suppose. May I put a quarter in the jukebox? Lapsed Landy reciting the lyrics to MVP's theme song, Yours and Lapsed and Blake. Jesus Christ. All right, hold on. It's going to give me a second here to get... Yes, uh, Fritz von Erich plus Helen Hart, true love for life. <laughs> I, think he, I think that was his request. I think it was. That taking shape in an alternate universe near you. <laughs> it's over at Cameo, motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. Cameo. Cameo.com slash the lapsed fan. Humming over there, folks. Oh, my God. Come up with your own scenarios. Have the lapsed characters act them out on a video just for you and contribute to canon. It is. Moments. It gets wild, wilder every fucking time. Sure does. It's like just nuts. Yeah, increasingly oh. disturbing, increasingly specific. Oh. About say this, this person does this. So you guys are almost fucking obnoxious. <laughs> All right. That's the solar system, man. You open the door, they're not only going to walk through it; they're going to move into the fucking house. We know this, All right. and that's why they love. Why we love them. You ready? Here we go. Yeah, go ahead. Back to I'm Coming by. <laughs> well, that's already a good start. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> I thought something happened. Hi. Go. Lanny Poffo. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, <laughs> tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick to hear the clock ticking tick tock you're about to stop living tick tock i want you to remember me tick tock but the day don't have no memory i'm coming nobody <laughs> control me. i'm coming i'm here to do my thing i'm here to bring the pain i'm never gonna change i'm coming nobody could stop me nobody could hold me ain't nobody control me i'm coming I'm here to do the thing. I'm here to bring the pain. I'm never, ever going to change. Like Tropicana, I got the juice off of the leash to let the dog loose. Don't make me call up the crew. Now they're getting scared when I call up my troops. I'm the one like Neo, cop cocky like Tio. Nobody could guard me like I'm shooting a free throw. This is illegal. My... My flow is legal, and it's me. There will never be a sequel. See, I'm I'm fly like a pelican, yes. and while I'm here, yeah, I'm going to represent. 
If you're sick, then I'll be your medicine. And you already know who I'm better than. No doubt, yeah, I'm a veteran. And when done, you gonna think you ran, you got ran over by elephants. Since I ain't been the same like ever since. And that talking, yeah, it better end. I'm coming. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. Thanks for that request, Blake, and thanks for that rendition, boss. When he first, I'm here for. When he hit I'm coming the first time, I was transported. I'm coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but Lanny, nobody rang the doorbell. I'm here. Hello? Oh, so that's what that is all over the TV screen. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I'm coming! <laughs> nobody can hold me. Nobody can hold me like I can hold me. Ah! Andy in North Carolina. Konnichiwa, co-chairman. The title is Pain Off the Pacific Kudos. Oh, there we go. Just want to drop your line and say thanks for the blessing us with Pain Off the Pacific Tour de Force that we've all been experiencing the last several weeks. My ass will never be the same. I wrote you a few weeks ago singing the praises of the early classic Steiner Brothers tag team. I shared my opinion that they were the greatest ever. <laughs> But you both did make a valid point that they didn't ever have the important defining run, which makes perfect sense. Now I'm satisfied with your comment based off the latest WCW NJPW Super Show, which was the Steiners should have been the greatest of all time. I can live with that. Thank you for helping me see the light. Any I time. fucking love that. I, I'll tell you, that's, that's, that's my favorite is when we tell you your opinion is wrong. Right. We, and then the best part is we prove it to you. Yes. Well, hey, somebody's got to do it. I know. Somebody's got to be the... Uh, the jury here. Facts don't exist until a jury decides they do. Well, facts don't facts don't exist. Consequences do, as we've discovered. That's right. Speaking of, speaking of tag teams, after you've brought attention to the lap solar system of the Enforcers tag team, you'd be remiss not to check out their title match from Clash of the Champions 17 in November of 1991. I won't spoil the details, but suffice to say that you won't see a better forgotten tag match. It's spectacular. One more unrelated. Yeah, it's request. a good one, right? It's a it's a that's a that's a, a doozy, isn't that with um. It's with Steamboat, right? Uh, let's see. Clash 17. Isn't that with Steamboat and, like, uh, uh, Dustin Rhodes? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, right? Nailed it. Yeah, how they and that was that, that was, I'm uh, foggy on it. I don't remember uh, it very specifically. I, I think I remember it because, if I'm not mistaken, that was uh, Ricky's return from, the, from well, his brief sense. stint in WWE. Yep. Still being forced to dress with the dragon outfit, though. Well, yeah, of course. Why not? <laughs> Um, one more unrelated request. Can you put in your own words just why we're all annoyed by, with Instagram, Instagram Dwayne Johnson these days so I can explain it to my wife? I'm not quite as on the nose as the co-chairs, and she needs to understand. That's where I love coming in because it's like we put the words to things that people feel, and yes. they come to us over and over again for that. So, yes. yeah, we'll be glad to explain things to your wives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, concludes. Sorry to be all over the place as always. Praise and thanks to the curators of Posterior Poundage and Pain. P.S. Watching old WCW main events today and came across this gem of a typo. Enjoy. It says, uh, stay tuned. Rapin with PN News. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. I think not it's wrong. fair to say that, that I have PN felt News raped after watching some of his stuff. Raped our ears, at least. Boss, I'm I'm very much going to turn this one over to you. Why are we annoyed by Dwayne's Instagram? I mean, why not? You know, the thing about uh, – because everything he says just sounds like bullshit. You know, he 
he comes across because he, he says all these great things, right? All these inspirational things and, you know, about taking care of yourself and like da 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 da, da. But he's got to hold his camera, hold his phone at precisely the right angle and he's got to cock his head back and he's got this fucking pose every single time. And when he moves, the pose moves with him. It's the Instagram pose, I call it. And like that, you get the, the high angle Instagram pose and then with cameo, a lot of the time, especially with wrestlers, you get the low, you get the low angle up your nose pose that a lot of guys do, especially Raven and Kevin Nash. If you ever watch their cameos, it's fucking under the nose. But like, I don't know. I I used to really like Rock's Instagrams. But I'll tell you, it's just gotten to be so fucking Hollywood. He's so Hollywood phony yeah. a lot of the time. And I feel like he's saying stuff. What does Hollywood phony mean? It's like as opposed you're to trying to you're trying to act like you're part of the people, but you know you're not. Like you know you're not. You're not a you're not part of the people, pal. You're you're a fucking superstar. Yeah. You are way above the people. Right. You're you're a multimillionaire. You own your own production company. You fucking you fucking rob movies from people. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean. It's obnoxious. I don't know how it all it's happened. I, when I, it isn't, I, isn't I enough like, for somebody to be rich. They also need to right. be loved. It's right. Like, God damn, man. But, There's but, a trade off here. But also, let's keep in mind, like he basically hijacked the Fast and Furious series from from other people. Total heel. Who fucking created it. Total heel. Total heel. And don't get me wrong. I fucking I enjoyed. I, I, he's the only reason I went to go see Fast Five when I saw it in theaters. Thus far, the only Fast and Furious movie that I've seen in theaters, uh, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but like he totally hijacked that. His his. His stuff with Kevin Hart was funny for a while. And then again, it's like he's got this almost a name dropper mentality. Like, look who all my friends are and da 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 da. And uh, I just don't, I don't buy, I don't buy it anymore. I feel like he's always testing. And like his fucking, and also his stupid fucking cheat meal sushi. Like he's got this smorgasbord of sushi that's his cheat meal. (laughs) Fuck you. Cheat meal. So there you go, Andy. Dude, that's not a cheat meal. Who got some fucking fried chicken, French fries, and like some some fucking uh, like fair food? That's a cheat meal, you dumbass. Sushi, idiot. <laughs> oh fuck. I feel like he's always test marketing phrases that could go on the wall of a gym he yes. wants to open in LA totally. for no reason. Totally. The Rock like thinks that. If the air conditioning is just right and the music is booming and he's getting a little sweat on turf, that he's living his best life. Right. And that's annoying because he's not an athlete. Right. And why are you spending so much time telling us how in shape you are when you just act? Like, who gives right. a fuck? If I you're mean, like, you're not an athlete. Right. No I mean, cares. you're creating, right. Your, your athletic days are, are behind you, pal. And, and, and like, plus, why are you? We here's know the how issue. gassed up. Why are you? Why are you so fucking big now when you don't wrestle at all, as opposed yes. to when you fucking inducted your dad into the Hall of Fame when you kind of wrestled a little bit? Further to the phoniness, exactly. Like he, his meal ticket is that he is so massive and knows how to get his body to such extreme proportions. He's a good actor. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. No, I enjoy him. His X factor over every other massive, decent actor is that he can get that much more massive at a moment's notice because he knows the program. Right. Because he comes from a business where you basically learn every single trick to artificially inflate your body and he knows how to dial it up and he's got high money and access, I'm sure, to the best shit. 
I mean, he's also, you know what? He and and I have no problem. He's the modern day Schwarzenegger. Yep. You know, he he he's got that hole, and he's but and he's way better. You know, like in terms of charisma and yeah. acting ability, way better than Schwarzenegger ever was. But something tells me if Instagram was around when Schwarzenegger was on top, wouldn't be posting these videos. I don't think so. I don't think so. Wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't have this thing where I need to keep I guess, my fans engaged. I guess here it is. This this is where it comes down to. I don't feel like, and I follow. I don't follow a lot of celebrities. I follow very, very, very few celebrities because I think it's obnoxious. <laughs> I just personally do. I don't. I don't really care about what they're going through. Um, but I follow a few, like um, like I follow Josh Brolin, and he annoys me sometimes too because he loves to post pictures of his like fifteen year old wife that he's fucking. Which great, but you know what? He's his his stuff is very real. He doesn't post. The Rock posts focus groups. as a business. Yeah, as yeah. a business. Yeah, you know, like he's he's constantly right. doing business. I don't think any of Rock's posts are legit. Like they're legit yeah. how he feels. I think he is trying to promote whatever it is, even if it's himself. You know. He is just always about the next job. Whereas I look at Josh Brolin and he's yeah. like, you know, he's just posting pictures about his life and, you know, promotes shit sometimes, but not nearly like yeah. The Rock. He also doesn't do videos like The Rock. All he does is these fucking videos himself and posting pictures of him black and white in a tank top and shit. And I'm like, dude, I get it. You're, you know. <laughs> I get it. You're branding himself all day. I, I you're don't, a fucking. You're a fucking. You know. You're you're a, a, a bodybuilder and you're huge and you're jacked. You could kick my ass and blah, blah, blah. you know you're way richer than I am. Probably way richer than I'll ever be. Good for you. I don't need you to remind me that every fucking day. I don't like when people. I mean, I totally just unfollow him, but assume yeah. I don't like when people declare themselves, anoint themselves, inspirations before they have inspired anybody. Yes. And that's what The right. Rock is. That's what John Cena is trying to do. It's a sad, pathetic copy of Dwayne's. I mean, I, I kind of get it in a way because, you know, what is he trying to do? He's trying to legitimize himself because he's a wrestler and wrestlers <laughs> are the most illegitimate people in the world. So, But, yeah, this Inspire stuff, it, it's such a graft. You know, it's, it's such a grift, I should say. Yeah. It's like, you know, because these people aren't selling – these people aren't selling things to make you feel better. They're selling right. what makes them feel better back to you. No, and they're selling what makes their money. <laughs> yeah, TB12. It's like you scratch the surface. It's just another line of supplements. Like I'm looking at, I'm looking at the last one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Like it's like the last like nine, twelve photos, uh, uh, Instagram posts. So many of them are the Rock with his fucking pose. Right. Hold it just above his head, you know. So there's no there's no possibility of a double chin. He's got the cocked head. Like just knock it off, bro. <laughs> Just knock it off. You know what? You know what? Here's the thing. He he he. Here he is quoting and and listen. You know, went on my whole thing last week on this. But here he is talking about fighting for equality and fighting for COVID. I don't need him talking about it for some reason. Yeah. There are many people. I'm like, great. I want to hear from them. I don't want to hear from the Rock. I don't want to hear about about equality from a guy who is so far above equality. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean that applies to anybody with significant money. Yeah. You know. I think, but I think I think he's not he's not an inspirational figure. He's he's a jacked movie star. Like he hasn't right. done anything to inspire. I don't think anybody. I mean, I think he's got this whole biography about how he had no money in his pocket when he played in the CFL. Like anyone gives a fuck. Great, I, I get it. Look, yeah, it's good. Right. No, good on you. But that doesn't make you like 
more inspirational than the next person. I don't need to constantly be inspired by you. And this idea that like everyone's hustling and grinding all the time and that that's awesome. Maybe we could use a little less grinding around here. Maybe we could use a little less hustle. Uh, Maybe it's not a good idea that the only way to feel like you're thriving in society right now is to hustle 18 hours a day. I mean, I think the, I think the world is telling us that honestly, I think you're right. I mean, the world is telling us, knock it off. Stop being so fucking vain. We are, we are forced to be locked in our houses Stop for thinking three anyone months. gives a shit if you're in shape. Stop thinking anyone gives a shit if you're on a diet. Stop thinking anyone gives a shit if you read something that inspired you. Like, I mean, he you're literally not doing has, active I mean, harm, but you're, 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 it's a commercial enterprise. Right. That's anybody, you know, Instagram like, is just like this. I'm this literally, I'm, I'm going through, he created a pose for himself. This Instagram pose with, with again, like the, the cameras up, head back, head back, slightly cocked. Like he has created an Instagram pose. All of it, like the majority of his videos are with that fucking pose. Knock Go on a diet. Awesome. Get your health better. Exercise. Awesome. Get better. But like, you don't have to make a business out of the fact that you go to the fucking gym and eat well. You don't have to make a business out of every goddamn step you take. Have your fucking hustle, and that's that. Like, that's, right. the, that's the problem with social media is it gives people this idea that every last thing they do in their lives can be monetized. And then pretty soon, that fucks it up for everybody else because everybody else has to monetize every single goddamn thing they do. And as I've yep. said a hundred times on this show, the idea of a side hustle goes away. And pretty soon there's no such thing but side hustles. And everybody's going to string together a living from four different... Everyone just has to decide who they are when they open their Instagram account and be that person forever because there's a little bit of traction there and someone's willing to pay you to talk about their products in an organic way on Instagram. And Instagram is now sharing revenue with influencers on advertising. Don't come at me like I'm overstating the case. They know the truth. Look, it's about serving up impressions on ads. These are advertising businesses. That's what Facebook is. That's what Google thrives off of. They need to keep you glued to it, and they need to learn as much as they can about you so that advertisers will pay them a premium to know that they're reaching people most likely to buy their products based on signals you send about your behavior on a platform. And anybody who's a huge star, who's constantly trying to inspire you and shit on on, on social media, is making dough off of that inspiration. Right, exactly. And that, to me, is not inspiring. Because they're already fucking b- bajillionaires. And, and now they want to right, come not, from the recesses of my mind as well. He's not fucking volunteering, okay? <laughs> I mean... All right? M- you make your money, but I just don't understand why we have to lionize. Why, there has to, why everyone has to be an inspiration because they just think about how they can make money every 15 minutes. Like, like that's awesome. Like, what about making your money, putting in your work, and then just having leisure time? Right. You know, the only time where anything ever worthwhile to humanity is created, the stuff that isn't obligatory. But now every waking moment is obligatory because you could, in theory, be pushing out content at this very moment that could make you money. So why aren't you doing it? What are you, a bitch? Why aren't you grinding? Right. Because I don't want to... Take advantage of the time. Because I don't want to be crying and dying alone in all these mansions. That's why. And as many mansions as these people are going to get their hands on, the echo 
is going to be very loud of their lonely size 30 yeah. years from now. Every single one of these YouTube millionaires. Some point he's going to deflate. And it's going to be sad. Look, I'm sure he's happy with his wife and his new family. And I know he's on very good terms with his ex-wife. But man, like, is part of the grind a failed marriage every single time? What's up with that? Yeah, well, he's going to, I got to focus on me. We just were going to focus places. on me. We're in different places. We're different. You move to California and the, the, the fucking the hour, the sand start coming out of the hour. Started making movies. That's for sure. Started looking at that Hollywood pussy. <laughs> and you realize, you realize what you're missing. What about that? Huh? All right. Then, then Don't suddenly forget it's about that, Dwayne. Then it's amicable. Both sides have representation. Whoa, 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 whoa. Look, can't, look hard. Can't relate. That's all I'll say. I'm not going to judge. Just can't relate. Keep it to your fucking self. Yeah. You know, I don't need you making money off your biography. The pussy, the fucking Hollywood tang. Maybe I'm wrong about all this, but man, I just... I don't think so. I just Bert. only see it getting worse. And I don't even look oh, yeah. at this shit a lot. It's not like I'm sitting there like as the test case and obsessed and glued. I just see people that just get lost in this digital world and their real life activities, behaviors, thoughts, and actions are just geared constantly towards the camera. Oh my god, absolutely. It's because and I've said this before, everybody wants to be famous. Even Nobody people wants who already to work. are famous. They I want know. to be famous for a million other things. It's not enough to become famous and rich. You have to Nobody want to be wants loved to work by everybody. No too. one I know. No one Look, wants you to work. You have a lot of money, you're going to be hated. That's it. Stop trying to fight it. And I get it too, you know, like in, in you know, there's certainly like you know, <laughs> There are times I've had my, you know, there are times I've had my moments like, well, wait a minute, I go to public Instagram. Why, well, you know, sure, why don't I have all it. these, why don't, don't I have all these fucking followers? Like, we have so many people listen to the show. Right. You're setting yourself but like, up. But then it's like, you know, then, you know, who cares? Who That's gives right. a shit? That's the point. Like, it's supposed to be fun, cares. right? Oh, but, God, like, no. Social media people... is, social media is the furthest thing from fun. Then I really fun. don't fucking get it. Then I get it even less than I thought I did. It has become so, like... I remember, I mean, you know, and, 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 and people certainly are realizing their, their own fucking mistakes. Uh, 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 nowadays, like I, I remember I used to like doing my posts on, on Facebook when I was when back in the day. And then, you know what? I just stopped it. And it was like, it could be, it could be work. Cause as I'm trying to post something, I'm also reading yes. fucking people's shit. And yes. it's like. Everyone's annoying. Like it's gone from, you know, oh hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I just, uh, uh, I tripped in, I tripped on my way up the stairs and I broke my nose and uh, I just laughed about it. To, to like these crazy posts of bullshit and it's, and it's like I, I don't care. I, I remember I had, I had a whole, I had a whole fight about, about firearms and guns and stuff with people with someone. And I'm like, you know. Sounds like fun. I was like, it's, it's like, what the fuck? Like, right. You know, that used to be Thanksgiving. You had to deal with that. You know, that was it. Right. <laughs> Family dinner all table. the time. Then you could live a, no you could live a life where no. you're not constantly almost forcing yourself to be exposed to infuriating material it, it, because you, it, it gives you this sense that like, I think there, there, there's, there's a, there's a, there's something in everybody or in most people where they think that they've got a unique comment. Right. They, they think that they have a take that the world needs to hear. 
and then they start to think of themselves as people that need to comment on everything. Yeah. They 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 tell themselves that people turn to them for commentary on yeah. things. And and that's true for some, but it can't be true for any more than 5% of the people who are offering takes. And all those people are doing is to your point, putting themselves in a position to feel like less than because no one yep. gives a shit what they have to say. Yep. I mean, how many times oh. do you have to see people offer opinions and there's no engagement on it? There's no likes. There's no retweets. Right. I mean, look, you know, if it makes you feel good, but I don't think it, I, I have a hard time believing that tweeting takes all day that no one's reading. <laughs> right. And then as soon as they start reading them, the, your head goes to walk and make money. Oh. That's, that's fucking done already. That's right. Already well, all right. Well, I'll, well, I got the, uh, yeah. Uh, no, yeah no. One tweet goes viral, then the SoundCloud link right underneath. When no. It, dude, just count me out. That's all I'm saying. And maybe I'll miss a big boat, but I. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I, I miss. I miss a lot. I'll tell you, I miss a lot of stuff by not being on Facebook. Like people have organized things that have only done Facebook invites. No one does like Evite anymore. That thing's like a wait. That's, that's, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I mean, honestly, we're, we're close to being email being extinct really, yeah. you know, with the way everyone communicates and like with the DMS and shit. And, and I've missed out on a lot of stuff on Facebook. Right. And I'm, you know, but overall I don't miss it one bit. I that's, really that's don't. Really, that's kind of what I'm saying is I'm not so much going in on the platforms. I'm going in on people refusing to to taste what it feels like without them. Yeah. Which is how yes. we used to live and why it used to be better. Right. Right. Because we weren't so fucking consumed with, yes. you know, with, with everybody else and their fucking opinions. And, and if what I post is, is liked by enough people, like even – honest to God, even my dad's like nut. He's saying – like we'll we'll post a picture of, of you know my wife will post a picture of our kid and it's like how many likes did it get how many uh, likes did it get? You know, that's bad like, bad that's a bad like, sign I don't I'm like I don't I don't want my kid to it's bad enough that she's going to be you know in that in that situation look, look but like do you know how many of those likes are obligatory yes how many likes. of those likes are just so they get likes back when it's their oh. turn to feel okay about themselves the whole I, fucking point is to not turn. To the phone for that feeling. My wife can't stand when 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 there are people when there are people who will uh, watch her story on Instagram. All right, and they'll like they're they're people who are who are habitually the first people to like them. She posts a story, they watch post story, and then but they won't ever ever like. The photos or anything else she posts, she can't stand that. She can't stand that. Isn't it, I isn't, ask, it, isn't it so? Why do you care? Isn't it so nice of Instagram to tell you who watched your shit and didn't like it? Isn't? Oh, I wonder God. why they do that. I, I wonder if 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 being pissed at people is just as important to these platforms as feeling good oh, about absolutely. people. It is. I wonder if me? 70% wars, of what... Instagram wars, that's the way of the future. That's the way shit needs to be. They talk about fighting. The pub, they talk about the public square, the new public square. You know what used to happen at the public square? Someone would stand up and be judged 90% more than anything else. It, it was yes. just a, a place to put you in the crosshairs of judgment. Like we need more of that. And we're volunteering ourselves to be judged for what yeah to what end when does it end well well you get a youtube channel and for three years people give a shit about how you do your makeup or how you build a fucking lego house and then what uh, these are this is wasted time man 
all waste of time. And, and just because someone out there can make, look, yeah, you're going to get some money, all right. But the person that's giving you the money is making four times more off of you right. than you're making off of them. Right. And there's no way to bargain. Just people are so hopelessly needy because what this did was shift the whole paradigm to content being so commoditized. It's just free. Oh. It's free. Yes. Anyone will create, and, and the cameras are so good now. You know what I mean? And the production, and the, oh, the, fuck yeah. the equipment is so cheap. Yep. There's no barrier to entry. You don't have to be good at I mean, anything. That's just it. It's, 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 it, it is completely, uh, 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 people have become so obsessed yeah. with being, like I said, famous and, and, and getting that attention without doing the work that now it's easy enough to do it. Like, and at the same time, it devalues the whole yes, fucking business. Anybody, if because, you, wherever you yeah. work, picture, all right, just, you know, picture the, the analogy, what's analogous. Like if you're not in entertainment, it, okay, you're, you're a janitor and somebody's going to come in the door and, and basically offer their janitorial services for free in hopes that one day someone notices that they're the best damn janitor and will pay you 30 times more than the janitor who's working for a standard yep. wage. How would you feel about that janitor? And these people aren't doing this maliciously. They're just right. symptoms of a system that basically tells you that if you're not famous, you don't exist. You don't. And, right. Right. And it's like, if we all decided that that didn't matter, like, my God, would things improve? I know. It's just, people are so easily duped into thinking that they're around the corner from riches. I know. It, it, you just have to keep people believing that to keep the, econ the the economic engines humming, even if it damages them, even if it makes them feel like failures for the rest of their fucking lives. Yes. That's the price you pay. Yes. And it's a strange, strange circumstance that we've, that we found ourselves in. Oh yeah. But, um, there was something you said there that as if we haven't said enough on this topic already, <laughs> that really hit on something that I wanted to say, but now I'm going to forget it. Oh, well. Good luck out there, folks. Yeah, have fun. And uh, prove me wrong. I'd like yep. that. Show me that this enriches more lives than it fucking destroys. And then, I'll, and then I'll shut up. I'll wait. Oh, we'll find something else. <clears throat> a reminder that if you're not a PayPal person, you can always support the show on... Uh, no, pardon me, if, if you're, you're not a Patreon, Patreon person. person <laughs> you can always support us on PayPal. Thelapsedfan at gmail.com. Stephen Brogy did that. Drop some cash. Thank you very much said there's been a mistake. I somehow listened to an audiobook about Vince's trial for free. Allow me to correct this. That's the spirit. Yeah, can't wait for someone to come out with a project on the trial and pretend that it wasn't all because of what we did. That's going to be fun. I know. I know. Uh, Walter's Chopping Hand, thank you very much for the pledge, and welcome to the front of the line. That's a big dick pledge out of the gate, my friend. You have our attention. Craig Lindekamp, thanks for bumping up that pledge. This motherfucker's way above. Nothing more gratifying than folks who give beyond the tears that qualify you for special audio. Uh, Craig writes, I had to increase my tithe, for I am not worthy of your brilliance, yet you continue to let me bask in it. Praise be the warlord, and thank you for pasta mania. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> well, here we get choppa mania. So. Frank Caccio writes, listening to the fan mail about crotch chopping a barking dog reminds me of fifth grade intramural sports where we tried to name our team the Degenerates. It was apparently not appropriate. Another story was when I was 18. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my buddy can, was 21. You can see that you know, old enough to know better. 
we were working at a grocery store and shop right in New Jersey. The store manager was snapping right. pictures of the store for an internal company newsletter. When the manager got to our department, we asked if we could be in the picture. We were assured the owner would see this. Sure enough, we did crotch jobs and were asked what the pose was. We said it was our way of posing, of pointing to the display we were in front of. Unfortunately, we didn't get any feedback, but I should also mention this was 2006. What's that? <laughs> A good five years or so removed oh my God. from when this would have even been relevant, and uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, before the reunion. I'm, I'm going to say uh, probably more than five years, pal. We're talking <laughs> six. I mean, even even the DX reunion in, in like – Late ninety nine. Look, crotch chopping in two thousands is a bad look. It's, it's yeah, a, any any you know, once the millennium changed, crotch chopping yeah. you know went away. That Very is nice. definitely a ninety seven, ninety eight, possibly ninety nine thing. Yes. And 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 nothing. Might as well beyond. be drinking surge in other yeah. cans. <laughs> oh. Oh <laughs> Jesus. The WCW commemorative cans, thank you very much. That's right. Oh God. In other words, we wrestling. Or fans like the obsession of the like, oh, my God, how, how friends of mine would only drink Mountain Dew. Oh, oh obsessive. Yeah, Mountain Dew's addictive. Oh, I can't stand those. Mountain Dew. It's disgusting. Nice. It's like eating nuclear piss. <laughs> or drinking, rather. Not eating. You know. Brian Hitmang writes, co-chairs, or hopefully in this case just one. Hopefully Jack is seeing this before JP and can spring it on him or vice versa. It's what a bit of a variation in the Labs jukebox. I would like to put a coin in for a listen instead of a rendition. Feel free to duet this one, though. Right. I've never heard you guys discuss this particular theme, as I've only heard it on a few random WCW Saturday nights. I bought the WCW Slam Jam CD out of, an, of a 1993 Inside Wrestling magazine ad as a kid. It had the themes of Sting, Dustin Rhodes, Cactus Jack, Johnny B. Bad, the Steiners, and more. I was hoping for the awesome Hollywood Blondes, Regal, and Steamboat themes as well. I was excited to find it had Steamboat, at least, or some version. Steamboat only used this theme a few times, mostly when he teamed with Shane Douglas. I believe this beats out Isaac Yankum in my last jukebox request, Henry O. Godwin, as the worst theme song in wrestling history. Judge for yourself. Thanks, guys. P.S. Any of you stragglers out there, stop being bitches and pay your dues. Do the right thing. Jack and JP are family men. They love their wife and kids and do the best they can. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. A lot more sacrifice than you folks probably realize. Yeah. Um. So do you have the? Uh, I don't link? link in front of me. Yeah, no. I'll send it to you. Right. And we'll see if we can't fuck around and have some fun here off the Slam Jam album. Slam Jam. It is a Slam Jam, as we know. All right, I'm ready. All right, stand by, please. Mm-mm-mm. I'm sorry. I thought I had this at the ready. Oh my god. I am just. Time is standing still as we pull up the Ricky Steamboat theme song from the Slam Jam album. Fuck me. Where is this fucking thing? How do I have it? I, I didn't it. have it. I got, and now... it. I got it. All right. Ready? What the hell? <laughs> Go. What is this? Are you going to do it? Oh, I hear um, it. I'm playing. Bum, bum, oh, oh, I thought you wanted me to listen. I think he wants... Oh, yeah, he doesn't really call for a jukebox, does he? This sounds like... Uh... Yeah, he wants to listen. Yeah, sorry, you're right. This kind of sounds like the opening to Friday the 13th 8. Oh, uh, what? You know, Jason Takes Manhattan. We're going to find that up for you so you can listen. I mean, it's a faster... It's not it, but it it kind of resembles it. 
Let me find this it. This is a weird for wrestling. It's kind of weird. It sounds like a like a song you'd hear waiting on hold. <laughs> right. We'll be right with you. <laughs> Our customer service You're... representatives are busy. What's this? Your call is important to us. There's Link. What? What? Ricky Steve Bo. Oh, it's what like, is this shit? It's jazzy. It's like um. Ricky Steamboat. Hot damn down. Wow, the Slam Jam album. Oh my God. Is that is that Stevie Wonder? Or is it supposed to be Stevie Wonder? Or no, not Stevie Wonder. Um. Neville, um, what's his name? Aaron Neville. Oh. Oh, God. That is bizarre. He's a family man. I just sent you Friday the 13th Part 8 theme song. Let's see if it has uh, echoes of this horrendous piece of business. This is some crap. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They totally ripped it out. Right? It's a little bit slower. No, this came out in 88 or 89 or something. Jason did take Manhattan, didn't he? Hmm? Jason did take Manhattan, didn't he? Not really. If you ever seen it, it's more like Jason takes a cruise ship on the way to Manhattan. <laughs> Jason <laughs> tries to take Manhattan, might be yeah. a little better. It's like it's really funny. You could tell how far the you know the budget for um, the Friday Thirty movies had, had like kind of plummeted by this yeah. point. Yeah, and it's like, all right, we got like two million dollars total budget let's spend most of it on shots in new york that we'll only use at the beginning and the end of the oh film God. and we'll we'll use the same shots over and over again oh that's God. what happens it's that's, really fucking funny that's absolutely tremendous it's a beautiful it is a friday the 13th part eight is a beautiful piece of shit movie <laughs> nice. it's so great I, I remember the first time i saw it i was like oh this is awful and i was like you know i was like arrogant teenager those stupid yeah. not even fucking scary and then a friend of mine dragged me to go see it in a theater in in la because mm-hmm. they got all those fucking great theaters uh uh yeah, i mean those, course, those yeah. who listen in la this who are in la great know town if you're a movie great uh, town if yeah. you're a movie fan like they, it's a town that really celebrates yep. its history on on the screen and um, so many places i remember he dragged me to go see this at the New Beverly, maybe? Maybe the New Beverly? I don't know. Um, and I fucking watched it with a grown-up yep. mindset of someone who can appreciate an awful movie. And I just was grinning ear to ear. It's great. And I loved it. Love it. Some uh, filmic insight from the boss, which you can always count on here on the cast. I'm grateful to Anthony in the solar system. Uh, he asked us, you know, I'm a patron, I'm a $10 tier, I gotta find those fucking Vince McMahon trial transcripts. We talk about them all the time. And it's been so long now that they're so far down the queue. Yeah. 
So I was able to create a tag for the trial of his life on Patreon. So they're oh, all there in order for you. Um, if you've been so intrigued, um, hopefully it's easy, easily discoverable. It's some of the stuff we're most proud of on Patreon. Again, as part awesome. of the trial of his life coverage last year, we just read every last word that was said in that fucking courtroom in 1994. Yep. You know, come at us now. So nothing can be misinterpreted. That's right. It's all there. So, I mean, if you want to relive that subject matter, that's the place to go. And so much more. Our monthly pay-per-view calls where we dive into the modern WWE product and are never, ever dissuaded on our thesis that it used to be better. I mean, we're constantly offered fresh ammo. And I don't know how many more times WWE needs to overhaul creative. And do you know Bruce Pritchard is in charge now of the whole kit and caboodle? Uh, I heard. I heard that. I mean, look, folks, folks, I mean, I don't know what... The mod, what the Glory Day wrestling would have done during a pandemic, but I don't think it's 600,000 viewers every week. I, I really don't, as far as, like, AW. Like, it's just, it's gone. What used to be good. Yeah, yeah. There's, there is flashes of good, but it's been so perverted, and it's become such mm. an exercise in, like, stance-taking, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, a, it's become an online debate society who the fuck wants that you know like i'm sure people debate shows online with with intense um devotion but god damn it they don't watch the show obligatorily right you know what i mean like they lose they lose interest and they stop talking about it Mm -hmm. wrestling they lose interest and the conversation has just fucking started right and they're goddamn lucky in wrestling that the fans are like that because if they were judged and they were tuned out on at a similar rate to any other form of entertainment that's on television, they would have been very canceled very long ago. Yes. And we're here at The Lapsed Fan to tell you precisely why that is. And every time we do a monthly pay-per-view call for patrons only, looking into the modern product, we come away with three times more examples of why that's the yep. case than we do counterpoints of why actually the way wrestling is done now is an improvement. And God help them in this empty arena setting, but Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a, this, it's, they yeah. haven't doubled down on most of the wrong, wrong instincts, too, through the whole thing. Sure. Joseph Russo, thanks very much for your pledge via PayPal. Very much appreciated. He writes, loved your criticism of social media. Well, you got a whole lot more of that shit a minute yeah, ago. Yeah, I'm still going. He writes, am I postmodern because I listen to you guys for social commentary? Yes. That's, yes. Well, that's great. That would be postmodern, yes. Also, I was driving around New Jersey when I saw a business called the House of Meat. I hope it was some kind of food place. And instantly thought of a cheap Sharon Sadello, or whatever her name is, produced mini-movie in which Vader and Harley Race are driving around central New Jersey and see the House of Meat. And uh, Vader enters the establishment yelling, this is my kind of party, with Race, <laughs> asking the guy behind the counter to bump him. Thanks, Joe. Actually, Actually, that's where, um, that's where uh, uh, what's his name, Stasiak lives. The House of Sean Stasiak. I thought you really remember. I thought you'd actually been there. No, that's Sean Stasiak. It's the house of meat. Sam lets us know on Patreon that he's working hard, getting through roughly one episode a day at the minute. This will be a splendid interlude for my return trip through the 97 journey. Look, don't sleep on that 97 journey. Okay, we talk talk a lot about pain off the Pacific, and we talk a lot about trial of his life, lamentable tragedy, life and death, WrestleMania journey, Starcade Memorial Tour, and look, those are all worthy of all the praise they get, but... You were talking about this, this, this journey, this pain off the Pacific being something that kind of organically came up. We just realized, shit, like yeah. Montreal's coming up. Let's just do 97 and yeah. not even tell people yeah. it's a journey. Yeah, that was, that was fun. That was fun to let, let, it, let it all 
kind of come into place and, and watch as people finally caught on to it. It was a lot of fun. That was so awesome. And every show just the, was the next successive 1997 WWF pay-per-view. Right, in the month that it happened. Yep, exactly. And concurrent with the calendar so that we dropped the Montreal stuff. Uh, yeah, another subject matter. And look, that one has really been warmed over. More than oh, any yeah. other subject matter yeah. in the history of the business. But trust us, it's there on the shelf if you want to go back and listen to it. It's all there. Every nook, every cranny, every conspiracy theory, yeah, every unearthed gem or heretofore, including an interview with Bret Hart at the end, which is yeah, oh my God. you know, quite something in and of itself. As Just, it always is. As it always is. So uh, check that out. Thanks for the reminder. Benjamin Kissick, thanks very much for your pledge. Welcome into the solar system. He writes, five years you've been in my ears and my ass and my heart and soul. You've helped me through the monotonous parts of life. You've even helped me through a couple of bouts of depression. I've heard every episode, a lot of them twice. And all of you have received in return was my payment for an orange Nazi shirt I almost never wear. Oh, he's the Disco Fuhrer guy. <laughs> he's the one Disco Fuhrer guy. Maybe there's two. I don't know. I would ask for that's forgiveness great. and say that I'm sorry, but I'm not. But I am a man that recognizes and welcomes change. <laughs> Disco Fuhrer. What a stupid shirt. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that was just... Man, podcasts are entertainment. You are entertainment and pleasure right. and pain. Keep fucking me in the ass, daddies. Consider it done, Ben. Consider it fucking done. Yeah. Daniel Pearson bumped up his pledge more than he had to. That's deeply appreciated. He writes, Dear Co-Chairman, a quick word on two things that happened to me this past week because of that cast. One, I was jogging around the park listening to the boss talk about the Hasbro universe and, of course, began laughing uncontrollably. A woman jogging in front of me tripped and fell over. I was still Ooh. laughing as I went to help her. She said, do you think it's funny that I fell over? Oh, wow. I tried to explain that I was listening to a funny podcast, but I was still laughing while I was talking. She told me to leave her alone. That's right. <laughs> Two, my department, of, pervert. <laughs> my department of Public Works t-shirt arrived, and I excitedly told my partner that my lapsed fan t-shirt was here. Her. What does it say? Me. Department of Public Works. <laughs> Silence. Me. Because wrestling's a work, and her, I've heard you talk about wrestling enough. I know what a fucking work is. <laughs> Dan concludes, I hate you both. I have increased my Patreon pledge by $5. <laughs> that is it in a nutshell. Oh, my God. I hate you. Here's more of my money. That's right. Keep it up. We, that's the best thing ever. Paul Elliott, already very generous, very veiny. Yes. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is his pledge. Uh, he bumped it up even more past the $20 mark, and the rest of the solar system is indebted to you, not just us, Paul. Ian T. Mello, thanks very much for your pledge. Welcome on in. 
We got a nice bump from one Ray Sinkin. Thank you very much. Not that James Cameron writes to us. <laughs> I was listening to an old episode, not sure which, and you guys talked about referees' position in international wrestling. Uh-huh. JP was insisting that it was called something different, and I'm here to tell you that he was right. The term for the freestyle and Greco-Roman referee's position is parterre. parterre. Yes, parterre. There it is. Which is not doing front flips off concrete. That's uh, parkour. Yeah. Which is literally French for on the ground, parterre. These people are really fucking clever. On the second part of this week's Super Show 3, butt fucking, Jack said he had listened to most or all of George Carlin's audio. I'm a huge fan of old radio. And I recently found this interview with him and AM radio legend Art Bell. Definitely worth a listen if you haven't heard it before. Thanks very much, man. I'm going to check that out. Thanks mm-hmm. for fucking my ass, Jimmy. No problem. Hey, happens. Josh writes, consider this a small amount of penance for my past freeloading. Take it, sell it, throw it away, do whatever you wish. It's yours, co-chairman. James Joyce writes... Jack, I just finished the Guy Evans Nitro book, and somehow you managed to get a used-to-be-better in there. Brilliant. Is Guy lapsed? Yes, Guy Evans is lapsed, as a matter yes, of fact. Indeed. I don't think Guy would hesitate to tell you that the WrestleMania journey and the Starcade Memorial Tour were no small part of getting him interested in writing the book. Yeah, wow. Um, I don't think I knew that, but that's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, I like the book that I've been looking for some decent audio books as I'm back to the life of a traveling salesman. Many of the best titles you referenced aren't on the big A, being audible. I'd love to listen to the Hart Family Compendium or God Help Me, the Gary Hart book. Anyway, I'd love some help if there is any. Maybe we can just get Laps to Gary reading his own book to us. Or maybe we should just do that. Just do audio versions of that. <laughs> yeah. We'd also have to retain counsel. <laughs> you know, cause that's pretty much the same thing as distributing yeah. the book without permission. But look. I suppose it's true. I've, I stand here as one of the more voracious consumers of wrestling books you will find on the planet. You know this by now. And I stand here equally frustrated as James is that I can't hear every wrestling book ever read to me. I think that that has to happen. Because who the fuck wants to do that? I want to do that. I mean, I, w- I, would, I would gladly read the books. Gladly. Your co-chairman stand ready to cut licensing deals. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that'd be fun, actually. With the publisher of any wrestling book that's ever existed. Anyone. God. Anyone that doesn't already have an audiobook, obviously. And maybe even ones that do. And we would love nothing more than to create Laps Fan Audio. Can you imagine? Yes. And then doing the voices. You do the voices? Absolutely. But, but just oh like God. the transcript, we stay faithful yes, to the text. Exactly. Text. I mean, with an audiobook, you'd have to be more faithful. Yeah. Took a little liberties at times with the. Um, Mostly by accident with the transcripts, but we would have to be very meticulous with. So on the off chance that there's someone listening right now who is involved in the publishing of a pro wrestling title or a book that has not been released in audio form and needs somebody to do it relatively cheaply and will share in the proceeds, we stand ready. I stand ready. Fuck yeah. I've always, always, always wanted to do that. And let's That'd fucking, fucking go. Great. I'd love to do that. Let's fucking go. All these books deserve to be accessible to people. And it's an increasing number who only take in books via audio, who only take in audio books on commutes and stuff. I mean, it's bad enough. A lot of the stuff isn't even available digitally. You know, they do a print run, they print a few and then they're all fucking gone forever. What the fuck is that? Yeah. This is one way to avoid that. You're not making money if you're not running any more print runs. It's just sitting there and pirated copies are getting passed around. Create a fucking long-ass audio file that's the whole book that you can monetize. I don't know how to go about selling it to audio. No, I don't know. 
but I know we stand ready to record the son of a bitch. Yes. And that's one of the harder things to find. Let's get it going. Thelapsedfan at gmail.com. And James, thanks for upping your pledge in concurrence with that great nudge. Brian writes, the only podcast that can go from a deep, thoughtful discussion on the state of America to a deep, thoughtful discussion on a man going to a butcher demanding to be <laughs> salted and cured within an hour. <laughs> Alexander Kushin, thanks very much for your pledge. Adam oh, Cosman, God. thanks very much for that fucking cake. Justin Smith, holler at your boy. We appreciate the cheese. We are the cure for the common bacon. He writes, if my mother would have known that I'd subscribe to a podcast so I can hear impressions of Lanny Poffo sucking his own dick, she probably would have aborted me. <laughs> we, won't, we won't abort you, my friend. We will do the opposite. Oh, Rob Doherty, shit. big dick pledge, just got even bigger. And Morgan Brown, firing out of the gates with one of the meteor first pledges I've ever seen. $30 pledge for Morgan Brown. So I'm each down. and every one of you bitch-ass motherfuckers that can't put $3 down for this show, Morgan just paid for um, 10 of you. So you need to thank him. Yes. And uh, Stan Hansen, my good friend, bumping thank up God. the pledge here at the conclusion of Pain Off the Pacific, as is, I would argue, only appropriate. Mm-hmm. And that does it with that business. Also, we mentioned Cameo. Yeah. Uh, you know where to go. You know what we offer. Do it, it please. Keep us busy. Uh, also, I should announce uh, uh, we do have uh, this month yeah. uh, proceeds going to uh, 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 GLAD, G-L-A-A-D, uh, this, this month for, uh, yes. for Pride Month. So, you know, uh, always you know, get the opportunity proceeds, to do uh, uh, Cameo, making that available. Yep. And we're opting yep. in. So. Yeah. So, yep. Support your communities. Uh, we'll do it too. Uh, go to cameo.com slash the laps van and create canon. Again, the demands, the demands are not getting easier. I'll put it that way. Uh, yeah. they, they continue to get harder and we're up for the task. But, um, you know, it's, it's quite, I don't know. I, you know, I, 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 I'm amazed as I've said every week since we started this, this venture, I'm amazed at the creativity yeah. and depth Absolutely. that you fuckers have. They've taken us to places that we honestly, as, as wild and wacky as we get, and as derivative as we get, we never would go as far as you fucking people do in thinking through these character scenarios. Seriously, so, it's insane. Turn, it will turn the mind hive over to you. Yeah. And speaking of going harder than ever, boss, pro wrestling tease. ProWrestlingTease.com slash the lapsed fan. All right, we have this week's three shirts that were just uploaded. Uh, we have the Burger in the Room shirt. Burger in the Room is up. Hot seller. <laughs> it is. It, An it went already. An remark on a People fucking cruise uh, six years ago. And here we <laughs> are. We're making, making money off, off that it. clown. Unbelievable. Burger in the Room, Burger in the Room, Burger it's in the Room. It's a beautiful shirt. One of your it's most so inspired. Funny. It's so funny. I, you know, it's it's funny where I can find the art that helps me out because I definitely don't draw all these, but you can find places to get some art, and it is, I, and then I found the burger and just put the burger on. He said the burger needs to be in color. <laughs> I was like the the image the, the hotel room needs to be black and white. The burger needs to be in color. We are it's post modernity. It's Philip Glass. It's art. It's life. Um, also the cut a bit shirt. All right. If you have ever dreamt of being Gary Hart, now's oh, your chance with your art, with your when I even this was the best one, because when I sent this one to Jack, he had no fucking idea it. what it was. I didn't, I didn't get it. 
And and so we got the Argyle but shirt with a it knife. The first time you laugh every time you see it after that. You at least smile. <laughs> Argyle shirt, uh, Argyle sweater print with a knife on it. It's pretty fun. And then uh, one that we came up with a long time ago that just, you know, with the way things happen here, you know, sometimes older designs need to go get pushed back. Uh, the I thought I was an athlete shirt. I thought I was an athlete, a, a life in professional wrestling, incredible. a lapsed fan biography. <laughs> incredible. In fucking incredible. <laughs> I, I will Wear seriously. Wear that to one of your fucking Please, I need that shirt to be at some yeah. wrestling event when this shit gets back to normal. Because Wear that to a convention. Please do. Like, go right, up right to. Right in a wrestler's face. Go, go to, tell you what. Go to fucking <laughs> go to a Bret Hart signing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go to, to a Bret Hart signing and have him see What's that, that shirt. Supposed to mean? What was that supposed to mean? Aw. Uh, and of course, we've got the uh, the the bump me shirt. We got the I am Japan Vince shirt. The uh, uh, contactless combat shirt. Uh, the Sonco line also up. Someone had no idea what the fuck the Sonco reference was. If you don't know. You don't deserve to know. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, the Japan line, obviously going crazy right now. Uh, Embassy of Japan, the Haruka Mania, uh, the Extremely Lapsed Fan, uh, Stop the Boot shirt, the Ham Ham Pigolo shirt, uh, Koyanis Casti, the Conqueso shirt, which was, you know, a, uh, a TJ suggestion. And I don't think it's even sold one shirt which goes to show that we should not listen to tj for well advice hey you did the i'm japan that's true we did the i'm japan yeah, i don't know if that one's sold yet though yeah yeah it's been bought at least all once, right, all right. um doe rules you know the uh the whole trial of his lifeline the vince line is insane pulled hey, pork you did Express, the make monday nights great again one. Oh yeah that that the one fuck was that? that that one well, i think that's funny i mean <laughs> to me it was like the grand old right, brand yeah. Yeah, it was a grand old brand, you know. I was like, oh, it's a funny shirt. Like, you know, one guy was like really upset. Yeah. Really upset. Like, take that down. I'm like, I'm not supporting <laughs> Trump. I'm to me it's a it's a mockery of it all. Like, you know, oh, it's just, that's it's, it's, it's just great. It's it's a stupid little shirt, but nonetheless, you know, I can't I can't anyway. Can't win. You can't win them all. You can't win them all. But it's we're winning plenty of them, and that's COVID-19. happening. And of course, the the very controversial oh, yeah. "No Sacred Cows" shirt. Oh Jesus! Uh, that that takes a particular plunge. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. yeah. That but, also uh, got some like. Please take that down. Please take that down. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like it? Don't buy it. Oh yeah, you know you know the you know the rules. Uh, exactly. Um, yeah. So that's what's up. Uh, TLF rock and strong. We continue to stay fully engorged mm-hmm. and keeping the relentless attack of the track through 2020. And we're about to kiss goodbye, paint off the Pacific, Hogan, Muda, and so many more hijinks. Before we do that, boss, I think it's time for the wrestling Dontaku death toll. <laughs> you know what? I didn't actually, I didn't do it. I'm just realizing no that. one's dead or you forgot? I forgot. I, well, I can't believe this is the first thing I do. So we can kind of do this live. Yeah, let's um, do it on the fly, brother. We'll do it on, you know. I was just going to Alive, translate pal. death toll into Japanese. <laughs> Surprised it took me this long to think of this on t- yeah. the Pacific. Uh, Shibo Shashu. Shibo Shashu. Shibo Shashu. Uh, let's see here. 
Uh, Akira Nogami, not dead. We know that. Well, we know he's not dead. Yeah. Um, Izuka's not dead. Samurai's not dead. Kimono is not dead. Shimura. So somebody Shimura. Dead. No, not dead. Saido. The first Saido is not dead. Masa Saido, number one. Masa Saido, number one. Yeah, yeah. Let's see here. Kabuki should be dead, but he's not dead. Right. No. No. I don't know about Masahi uh, Ayagi. Masashi Ayagi? Yeah. Yeah, I don't either, but I'll take a look. I couldn't find it. Uh, uh, Susumuhara, dead. Oh, really? Yeah. That's sad. Or Asura. Uh, well, we should have known that because he was in the show. Asura Hara, but real name Sashumi, Sashimi, whatever. Uh, that's good. two so far. It does sound good. Uh, da da da. To, uh, no. uh, hawk. Hawk, yeah, but not there. Yet. Hold on, I'm, I'm going through here. Hawk is dead. That's three. Yeah. Hashimoto's dead. That's four. Sure is. Rest in peace. Um, and that's it. So four. There are four. Okay. These guys. Toll the bell. Pour one out. And on the other yeah. side of this break, it's time for the latest deep dive across the Pacific. It's pain off the Pacific. Wrestling Dontaku '93, and one last nod to the golden era is coming together mm. with Japanese work rate and domed ceilings. <laughs> Keep it locked. It's the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.